You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we get excited, we get amazing, we get super as we bring you DC Month. Oh, what an exciting time it is to be alive. No, this isn't dumb Colin Month. It might be, who knows, depending on his opinions at the end of these four recaps. We're here to go over the four DC Universe, extended universe films in the lead up to Justice League. And what better way to start off than at the beginning, not in necessarily the beginning of the timeline, the beginning of the release date, Man of Steel, released in 2013. It's a movie about Superman, not about somebody who is made of steel. Although you would argue Superman is made of steel, but we will get to that no doubt throughout this recap. My name is Ben, and you're the answer, Colin. You're the answer to Are We Alone in the Universe? <laughs> and my name is Colin, and hey, Ben. Ben. Hey, Dick Splash. <laughs> Uh, that was my backup option. Uh, I don't know why I needed one because I obviously would quote first. <laughs> Dick, Dick splash the uh, the word that should be used more often in English language. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be dropped on here as many times as dong in our last episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, the word of the day is Dick splash. <laughs> Can we just point out as um, as fans of Superman, fans of Smallville. Um, that, you know, the the guy that we knew to love as Pete uh, went on to use the word dick splash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, can I, it took me a while to realise I'm the same guy. Yes, <laughs> work at IHOP. Uh, sponsored by Sears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> using a Nikon camera. Uh, <laughs> this, this entire episode brought to you by all those sponsors because unlike the fanboys who complain this has too much product placement, A, I don't give a shit, and B, if they want to sponsor our podcast, I'm happy for it. I will name drop them every time we mention anything. We'll name drop them without them sponsoring. IHOP is great. I've never been there. I've walked past and been past several IHOPs when I've been in America, but I'm sure they're great. I've never been there. Colin, have you been to an IHOP before? I went to one briefly when we were at the Mall of America in Minneapolis. They just opened the first IHOP in Winnipeg like a week ago. So wow. all I have to say is if you don't like IHOP, you are such a dick splash. <laughs> it's Colin and I first meeting place, the Mall of America. Aww. <laughs> Good times, good times. Uh, but speaking of great things, that's IHOP, of course. IHOP, go to IHOP to get food, because IHOP is great. Um, we are here to talk about Man of Steel, and yes, DC month. Obviously, uh, we were doing Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, and Wonder Woman. Just a random stat for you here, Colin Hilding. At the time of recording this, uh, and I haven't even told you this, I believe, two days ago, I actually watched Wonder Woman for the first time. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> just a random little story, and again, I know we're jumping ahead for a few more episodes. It was a Friday night in our plucky little residence here in Hobart, and my father and I just enjoyed a nice meal of KFC, and uh, we were waiting. <laughs> I don't know what we were doing, and my dad was like, oh, we haven't watched a movie together in a while. I'm like, no, we haven't. And he's like, oh, do you want to watch? Sure. So we uh, went on like this online movie system thing that we've got on our TV, and Oh, Wonder Woman came out. Do you want to watch Wonder Woman? I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and, <laughs> watch Wonder like, as long as I'm spending quality time with Dad, yeah. might as well get some work out of the way. <laughs> I mean, I didn't take any notes on it, so I have to watch notes. No, I didn't. I have to watch it again because I've I've got a bad memory. I mean, I watched Man of Steel less than 24 hours ago, and I barely remember what's going on in my notes here. Um, but yeah, so I've now officially seen all of the movies in the DC universe, and here I am saying I'm a DC fanboy. 
Um, yeah. But on that note, I hadn't seen Man of Steel since like 2013. Um, and I forgot how much I enjoyed it. I mean, that's that's my background, literally right there and then with this movie. I didn't see it at the movies. I don't know why I didn't. I really cannot tell you why I didn't, given that, as I said in the last episode, Superman is kind of like my favourite superhero. I love Superman. Uh, but I do remember watching this for the first time a few years ago, really enjoying it. Somehow I forgot how much I really enjoyed it, because even re-watching it this time around, I'm like, oh, fuck, I love this movie. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's obviously as same with what you said last episode. There's things to talk about in terms of, you know, issues here and there with it, just like we did with Face Off, just like we do with every movie, except for Jurassic Park. When we do Jurassic Park, there are no flaws <laughs> to Jurassic Park. It is a perfect movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy Man of Steel, considering I've only ever seen it twice. That's crazy. I, I saw this twice within the first week of its release. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, if I were to go through my entire background with Superman, that's an entire episode yeah. on its own. But I mean, so. just to put it simply, I mean... Superman the movie, along with Star Wars, probably my favorite childhood movie growing up. You know, I was a huge Superman comic book fan, um, everything Superman. Uh, like, I loved Superman growing up as much as I loved, not as much with Star Wars, but probably just a step below. Those are, like, my two big things. And at the same time, you know, there was so much talk about Superman movies over the years, you know, between Tim Burton's and Brett Ratner's, J.J. Abrams. I mean, everybody had a crack at it. And everything I heard, I was always, like, so critical. I was one of those fans who just, you would never please. Like, oh, this is going to be the worst movie ever. And with Superman Returns, I remember, you know, as soon as I started hearing what Brian Singer was doing in that movie, I'm like, well, this sounds more like what I want to see. And, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily a perfect movie, but I still loved it. And with Man of Steel, I said in the last episode, I feel like if you combine Man of Steel with Superman Returns, you get a perfect Superman movie. There are problems with both, but... Both are strong enough on their own and aren't given enough credit. I, I think it's funny that people – it's become cool to trash on DC you know, for a lot of things we're going to bring up in this episode. We even brought up on the last one. You know, People not looking at what Marvel was doing four movies in and how mediocre Marvel was at that point. But for the most part, nobody ever really brings up Man of Steel because more or less I feel like it's a, it's a well-liked movie. It's not something that people are like absolutely – you know, flipping out over, but it's a well-liked movie for good reason. It's a good movie, and I think it was surprising, especially having someone like Zack Snyder. I had the same reaction with Man of Steel. I just, I felt like this movie's never going to actually work out. Zack Snyder's the wrong guy to do it. I can't believe they're using Zod again and again and again. And, you know, and then as it got close to the movie, I'm like, this looks all right. And when I saw it, I mean, a lot of things about it really blew me away. Uh, I was going to see any Superman movie more than once, but I will say I saw this three times in theaters, uh, outside of, you know, 10 years ago when you could see anything because it was in theaters for six months, and we talked about that in our Spider-Man ones, it's pretty rare for me to see movies that many times now. I think maybe only uh, Skyfall, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, you know, Dark Knight Rises, I think, and this. Those were like the only ones that I really went back that many times for. So obviously there was something I enjoyed about it. Well, kind of as I just say, touch we alluded to in our Spider-Man series, um, now available via iTunes. Um, I don't necessarily read comics; that involves reading, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> Even though comics have pictures in them, and you would think that would be easy for me to read. But uh, funnily enough, I actually just had a, a random dream last night where I was at somebody's house, and we all had to go read a book to say it's like a book club, I guess. That's what they are. I've heard about them. Uh, I don't know why I'm having dreams about reading. Um, shouldn't I be having dreams about stuff that's exciting? But anyway, um, 
I, like watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What's my subconscious trying to tell me? Uh, but, you know, like Superman was always my favorite superhero. And like, I know we had a little bit of background. I think of that too in our Smallville episodes, how four that we did <laughs> available now via iTunes. Um, and I mean, I, I obviously all the CRISPR Reeve ones growing up, I, I'd seen those. And uh, I mean, I think I've mentioned plenty of times. I fucking love Superman Returns. Uh, such a great movie. God, I love that film. Um, so yeah, I, I remember the, the trailers for this, uh, in the lead up to it, just seeing this, oh yeah, this is pretty good. And I just kind of, I remember seeing them when they were released thinking like, oh, you know, they're, they're Batman beginning Superman. You know what I mean? And I, I think I remember like, as much as I liked the trailer, I remember the first time I saw it, I was also like, oh God, Kansas again. We get it. He crashed. (laughs) He grew up with Mm -hmm. Martha and Jonathan. I was kind of like, you know, a bit of a roll of the eyes, but then I kind of got over that. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting when you're saying about how, you know, it's cool to hate on DC, because if you look at all these four films that we're about to do in the next month, only really one of them has kind of gotten praise. And even then, it seems to have a lot of critics about a certain part of that film. Um, whereas I think yeah. you and I are kind of... I feel like you and I are definitely Team DC here and are going to defend these movies. I tweeted out last night that I was about to watch Man of Steel. I had one of my friends go, oh, good luck with that. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> it's like, people really hate DC. I mean, I thought Superman and, and like, Batman were the cool ones. And like, and again, I brought this up at the end of the last episode, and people need to think about this. Not just if you look at the first four Marvel movies. You look at the first five Marvel movies. Like People were not that crazy about them. They loved Iron Man which would be the equivalent of Wonder Woman. Then you get the Incredible Hulk. You get Captain America First Avenger, Thor, and Iron Man 2. I mean, none of those movies people are crazy about, even to this day. Mm. So to just jump on and say, well, you know, DC's struggling and stuff like that. They should just end it now. I'm like, well, sure, Marvel should have never made the Avengers then. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we might be saying that in about a month's time after Justice League, but (laughs) hopefully not. Oh, that looks great. There's another interesting thing that you mentioned there just about, like, uh, oh, Kansas again. Because when I was talking about my skepticism over all the Superman movies, and I, I was still the same. Even though Superman Returns, I was pleasantly surprised with it. As critical as people were at the time, I feel like that movie's reputation's improved a little bit. Um, it, I was exactly the same with Man of Steel. I'm like, this movie's never going to work. I thought it's cool they got Christopher Nolan's involvement in it. But then from there, I'm like, well, Zack Snyder, you know, some of his movies are okay, but I don't want to see The Watchmen as a Superman, you know, uh, movie. I don't want to see 300 as Superman. It was the origin story thing that really threw me off because they had done the origin story to perfection in the original Richard Donner Superman. And there's no point to retelling it. We saw that in The Amazing Spider-Man. And that was one year before this. And I was, like, adamant. I'm like, you you don't retell the origin if it's done right. You just drop him in the way you do with the Batman movies. Everybody knows the history. At first, they said, we're not retelling his origin. And then as more information started to come out, you're like, they're retelling the origin again. Great. (laughs) But I feel like in this movie, they do it in a slightly different – same way that Amazing Spider-Man tried. But they find ways to do it slightly differently where you're seeing it from a different perspective or you're seeing different things that you haven't before. And even just the Christopher Nolan style of the you know weird mix-up storytelling where – you're seeing flashback scenes, and then it just keeps going back every few minutes of the flashback scenes. So it's not like you have to sit through an hour like Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. And look, I, I when we get to the start of this in just a few moments, I mean, one thing I, I'm extremely a, a big fan of 
this film is the first, what, 20 or so minutes of it that kind of I feel is something that we've never seen before in Superman, um, you know, to that extent. And like one thing I'll also add, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen the original Christopher Reeve one, so please correct me, Colin, on many things that no doubt I say, oh, we've never seen this before in a Superman movie, and uh, we've probably seen it extensively. Uh, I... Jor-El has never been in a yeah. Superman movie before. <laughs> Zod? Never on film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's it's... I think there's lots of parts in this film that, again, similar to what we did with Face Off, I think will be critical. But, I mean, I think, too, that, um, like, I agree with you completely, how they dealt with the the flashback scenes uh, and kind of his origin story, I think, was, you know, done in... I actually think it's done in a very smart way. Kind of, you know, what they did with um, uh, the the Spider-Man Homecoming in some aspects, but I guess they did a little bit more in this than they did in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, and yeah, I, just on my, not Kansas again, can I just point out that, uh, I have recently been to Kansas, so, as always, the Ben Waterworth Insider, uh, <laughs> can give you some Kansas. Can't wait to hear the stories of Kansas. <laughs> oh, don't, yeah, anyway, uh, but we should just mention, I mean, super, obviously, a sort of a, another Superman film after Superman Returns had been, you know, in the pipeline for a long time, really. Um, and, and obviously we, we didn't even mention during our face-off one, our face off, how much we love Nicolas Cage. Can we just point out that Nicolas Cage nearly was Superman? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we oh. missed something, I want to say amazing there, but uh, I don't know how, that might have gone very Batman and Robin-y at the same time. But, um, oh. he, he actually named his son, uh, Kal-El or kal Was it Kal-El? Yeah, he's obviously a big Superman yeah. fan, Nicolas Cage. But, uh, can I just, just quick comment on Nicolas Cage's Superman? Because I think they've actually released a documentary on that, like how close yeah, that I've movie was it. together. Because it was, wasn't it Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Yeah, so anything to add? Would, did we dodge a bullet? Did we miss something amazing? Or <laughs> um, Like, it would have been different, and I don't think it necessarily would have worked. It wouldn't have spawned a franchise, but I feel like the reason, I think, for the documentary is that there have been so many stories told over the years about this was going to be a disaster, this was going to be a disaster. They talk a lot about, like, his big bio suit and everything it, it, that looked very Matrix-y, and they kind of point out a lot of the things that people have been critical about over the years that they knew about. And they're like, that was a two minute scene in the movie. And when you think about it in context of the story, and even if you know the storyline of the comic book, Superman lives, you know, he basically is being preserved for months and slowly coming back to life. And that's all that some of this artwork that people have picked apart is about. So it, it's an interesting documentary. People should check out as anything on Superman is like, I can go to bed watching Superman documentaries. There's so many of them, but I don't know. I don't think it would have been something that, you know, we'd be talking about that positively, but it certainly was never going to be as bad as people have made it out to be. And that's why Colin only has one child and I have to educate him on sex because he goes to bed watching Superman documentaries. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Hey, if you know my wife, you know that's what gets her in the mood. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk a lot about Jamie in this episode because this movie has a big impact on her like Dirty Dancing. It had a big impact on me like Dirty Dancing, but in different positive ways. Um... (laughs) The, the gayness of Ben continues to come out. Um, it's 2017. It's not about being gay. It's about being open about how you look at the world, people. It's in a world of equality. It doesn't matter what gender we are. We can look at human beings in the same way. And technically, he's not, not a human human being. <laughs> this is a totally new debate that nobody has touched on yet. I'm the feminist voice here. 
on the Oz Network. <laughs> I'm just pointing it out there. Um, I, I mean, one thing, too, that I'll just quickly add in terms, and we can probably get to this with all the criticisms of this film, it's kind of what you were saying there with um, what we could have had in the Nicolas Cage-Tim Burton one. I mean, a lot of this, if you obviously can obviously fill the gaps, I think, in a lot of this, is based on certain versions of the comics, of course. And I think a lot of people yep. kind of, they see a Superman movie as, you know, we we talked about, like, the, the escapism of, of uh, superhero movies and how, like, you know, the original Spider-Man was very much like a comic book and obviously now we've got a much more dark, grittier world in which comic book movies exist. But, like, I think Superman was always that quintessential positive, like, Superman, the American hero, yeah. like, you know, Christopher Reeve version of it, Brandon Routh version of it, you know, Tom Welling, Dean Cain, like, all these people who kind of bring that level to the character. Whereas a lot of criticism of this was that you just don't darken Superman. Like, you can darken yeah. Batman, because Batman kind of warrants it. Um, and But, I mean, like, I can see the criticisms, because, again, I guess part of why we love Superman is because he's got that, you know, charisma and how he is. But, I mean... I think there's a difference to the way they've done this. I mean, we literally don't see him as Clark Kent, Daily Planet to the final scene. So kind of there's a lot of lead-up story in this. It's kind of like the middle origin story, isn't it? Just after what he's gone to get... Like, we've seen Smallville, and now we've kind of, yeah. you know, gotten to this point just before he gets back into the Daily Planet. But, I mean, I can see why people would be a bit critical of that version of Superman. But at the same time, the world we live in with movies, I mean... You know, I'm sure the Mary Poppins sequel is going to be dark and gritty and something like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's fair that you bring that up because I think that is one of the criticisms uh, even going into this movie I even had with Zack Snyder being the director. I mean, the most positive thing that Zack Snyder had ever made was a movie called Sucker Punch. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Sucker Punch, I mean, it's pretty bleak even that. Other than a bunch of teenage girls who are barely dressed fighting each other, which Ben would like. Okay, watching Sucker but... Punch after we've recorded this episode. <laughs> He's like, Dad, why didn't we watch Sucker Punch instead of Man of Steel? Um, sucker Punch is not a very good movie, though. It's not good it at all. It delivers a sucker uh, punch just... to your brain. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I just want to say, I mean, I was very skeptical about the tone of this. And I find that this movie was a lot lighter than I expected it to be. And it's certainly not... Uh, that it's not a heavy movie. It's not that it's not a heavy movie. Um, it's just, it definitely could have been Batman Begins and, you know, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. And, I mean, coming from Christopher Nolan, obviously, that's what was expected uh, that we were going to get. And you can't make him into Batman and all that. There are moments where maybe they do go a little bit darker than they should, but there's still a lot of optimism with this movie. And uh, especially the scenes that he has, you know, the flashbacks up in Smallville, all the scenes with uh, Kevin Costner are fantastic. And even just the relationship with Lois, it, it doesn't feel like dark. He doesn't feel like a dark brooding character. That's what's important. Batman is a dark brooding character in a dark world. Superman in this is kind of a very optimistic light character in a dark world. And that's the difference. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's, I think that's a perfect way of summing it up. And, and don't worry, people, if you've always seen Superman as kind of a Jesus-y figure and, you know, like, oh, there he is, Jesus, don't worry. There's plenty of themes in that that still relate him to your favourite fictional character in the Bible. So we... Um, no offence to our religious listeners out there. I just... Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Um, but anyway, so uh, just a few... 
background bits, obviously, you've mentioned Zack Zach Snyder a few times. Uh, he's director of this film, just in case you thought he was some guy. Um, obviously, Henry Cavill is uh, our, our main man, Clark Kent Superman. He's got Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Uh, now, you, I want to talk about Henry Cavill in just a sec, but did I, did I dream, <laughs> was it in my dream that you said you weren't an Amy Adams <laughs> fan, or was that something else? No, no, I, I didn't even realize we had that conversation. I was prepared to bring it up, though. I mean, I, I'm not... I don't want to say I'm not an Amy Adams fan. Um, it's I wasn't a fan of her playing Lois Lane. Right. And there are movies that I feel like she's really good in in certain roles. And those roles are ones where she maybe has, uh, I don't know, Lois Lane should have a certain level of spunk and everything and, and sass. Uh, and a movie like The Fighter, I feel like she really was good in it. But I didn't want to see The Fighter as Lois Lane. Um, this is going to sound a little bit mean. This, there's a delicate balance that you need with Lois Lane's attractiveness and that, um, <laughs> she should not be like super beauty queen. Like I remember, and I'm the biggest fan of, you know, Erica Durant's out there, but I remember being like, Erica Durant is too beautiful to be Lois Lane. Uh, kind of the different reaction for me. I'm like, I don't find personally, I don't find Amy Adams attractive at all. And maybe it's like, well, you should believe that the Man of Steel is going to fall for this girl. More than anything, I just don't feel like that she was suited for this movie. I do think they did a much better job with her in Batman Superman, but in this one, not definitely not a fan of hers. Look, I, I don't really have a an overall thought process much on Amy Adams, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, like the thing where people complained about, like, Superman in this film and kind of what we just talked about, I'd be more critical of the character of Lois Lane because I have to say, like, she's a bit bland in this movie and she's not the Lois Lane that I've come to know. Uh, I mean, Terry Hatcher, Erica Durant, um, uh, was it Kate Beckinsale? No, Bos- Be- Bosworth or Beckinsale? Which, Bos- the, the, that, Bosworth, that Kate yeah. B, that one. There's two yeah. Kate Bs. Um but like I don't know. I, I mean, she's it's kind of like the attractive scale. And I, can I not trying to be harsh or mean here when I say this? Um, because you know I'm going to say a lot of positive things about Diane Lane. But like it, it, she's a bit plain Jane, isn't she, for Lois Lane? I mean, you know, this is yeah. this is the Man of Steel, Superman. Like if this was real life, Superman would be people's sexiest man of the year every year. This guy is hot. He's Superman, and yeah. like he falls for Lois Lane when she looks like that. I mean, like... <laughs> she looks like that. That's a little bit harsh. That is very harsh. I apologize. I've already offended religious people. Now I'm offending women again, the feminist voice. But, like, I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, I don't know. Like, her, her sass doesn't even really exist too much in this movie. And no. I mean, I, I'm not... I've seen Amy Adams in things. Of course I have. But um, I guess I don't really think about it to an extent where I like or dislike her. She's there. <laughs> Good on you, Amy Adams, for... Being Amy Adams. Um, Michael Shannon is General Zod. Uh, Kevin Costner, of course, in this film, Diane Lane. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne in it. And uh, our favourite, just a random uh, point out that uh, Doug Stamp is in this movie. Michael Shannon. Yes. Um, call- Michael Shannon? Michael, Michael Shannon? <laughs> you just called Doug Stamper Michael Shannon. I meant Michael Kelly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good is Michael Shannon in this movie that he can um, portray two characters. Uh, and, of course, I mentioned Michael Kelly over uh, Russell Crowe because <laughs> Russell Crowe's in this film. Um, but just, just quickly, Henry, Henry Cavill, I was reading interestingly about him that um, he was runner-up, uh, basically, to Brandon Routh in Superman Returns. 
um, which also added him. Apparently, he was obviously runner-up uh, in the running for James Bond in Casino Royale, and uh, apparently very close to playing uh, Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. So he was uh, the quintessential oh. runner-up, and he finally got this role. Uh, other people who were considered for the role of Superman, and I've only heard of two of these, uh, Matthew Good, Army Hammer, Matt Bomber, Joe Mangianello, Zac Efron, and Colin O'Donnell. Oh, my God. If Zac Efron had been Superman? Um, oh. I mean, I, I look, I, I wasn't overly familiar with Henry Cavill leading up into this. Again, I will admit. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that he got so close to so many of these iconic roles, and then he finally got him. And I guess kind of similar to Christian Bale. I didn't realize Christian Bale for a very long time was an American. Uh, and I didn't realize for a very yeah. long time that Henry Cavill was an American. Because you just can't tell. They do the accent so well. But um, I think... I, I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about him. Uh, I think he definitely looks the part. He definitely looks like Tom Welling has aged a few years. My God, there's some scenes where I'm thinking, he's Tom Welling back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I actually was familiar with Ken, Henry Cavill. I don't know if we talked about this on any other episodes, but uh, the first thing I saw Henry Cavill in was, um, uh, it was a movie he was still a teenager at the time. It was The Count of Monte Cristo with I Guy Pierce and Jim Caviezel. Yeah, and he plays like, uh, the son in that, and it wasn't like I was watching that movie saying, there's our future Superman, but like a few years later, I think he was maybe 18 or 19 when he made it, and it's not the type of movie you'd expect, you know, uh, me to see, but it looked like it had a good cast, and you know, I'm um, like, well, i got nothing else to do. It's a movie called I Capture the Castle, which is basically about like two sisters in like the early 1900s who are trying to find, it's very, it feels very Jane Austen-like, but um, he was in that movie, and he kind of played like this shirtless gardener guy. <laughs> And I remember he was like 18 or 19, and I saw the movie, and I'm like, you know, this one guy in it, if in 10 years, he'd make a great Superman. And it's so funny that when he was cast, I'm like, I'm not familiar with this Henry Cavill guy. And then I look on IMDb, I'm like, oh, Count of Monte Cristo, I remember that. I'm like, wait, he was the shirtless gardener guy in I Capture the Castle? That's the guy I said 10 years ago, almost to the day, would make a great Superman in 10 years. Um, I think there's one correction. I, I don't think he was ever in the running for Superman Returns. It was another Superman movie that, uh, whether it was J.J. Abrams or Brett Ratner, is one of the two. It wasn't just he was in the running. He had been chosen to star in whatever failed You're right. you know, version Superman of Superman. Fly by, it was called. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, yes. that, yeah that was the J.J. Abrams one, which, by the way, you can find the script for that online. And anybody who thinks that, like, J.J. Abrams can do no wrong and it's like, oh, well, you know, Superman Returns and Man of Steel got it wrong, read J.J. Abrams' script. It may be the worst thing (laughs) J.J. Abrams has ever been attached to. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous. It features a suit that comes out of, like, a tube that literally is in a live suit that engulfs his body, and that's how he gets his suit on. (laughs) Like, it was just terrible. And Krypton still exists at the time, and it's sort of like – Oh well, back on Krypton, this is what's going on with Zod and Jor-El, and here on Earth, Superman has acne and he's sixteen. Like it's just <laughs> awful. Always wanted to <laughs> say Superman with been. acne. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could have been uh, the the Henry Cavill we were introduced to. It's funny because between that, uh, I remember when he was promoting Man of Steel, he was on. Um, I don't know if it was Jay Leno at the time, but The Tonight Show, I think it was. And they were talking about all these movies he just missed out on. Like, he, he was this second choice for Casino Royale, and it ultimately came down to, do we want to go with a guy who's maybe mid-30s, traditional James Bond, Daniel Craig, or do we want to go really young with Henry Cavill, who's 22 at the time? And they said, that's a little bit too young. 
The other one was uh, the Robert Pattinson role in Twilight. Oh, God. Which he was the original choice for. (laughs) And they kind of went with, like, he kept missing out on these massive roles. And now you look back and you're like, how lucky was he that Superman Flyby didn't happen, that Daniel Craig took Casino Royale, and that he had nothing to do with Twilight. I'm glad he didn't have anything to do with Twilight. Uh, I mean, one thing I honestly, like, and I think you have a different opinion of this. I think he'd make a great James Bond, to be completely honest with you. Um, Oh, no, I because um, yeah. I saw The Man from Uncle, and if you watch The Man from Uncle, you're like, this guy would be a great James Bond. And I think, sadly, we live in a world now where it probably won't happen, because can we have an actor playing Superman and James Bond? Um, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, just looking at this man, like, he just looks like fucking Superman. He looks like Clark Kent. Like, he just, it's crazy yeah. how much he looks like him. Like, I'll just go to his Wikipedia page and look at the pictures of him. He, It's crazy how much he looks like him. Um mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I like I like Brandon Routh. He was pretty decent, um, but like he was more, I guess, the Christopher Reeve lookalike, wasn't he? Whereas you know, yeah. Henry Cavill, like, I mean, no disrespect to Christopher Reeve, he didn't really look a whole lot like Christopher. But he just, I don't know. There's just something he looks like Tom Welling. Like he, <laughs> is this, <laughs> this is like a British Tom Welling that can act. <laughs> so, whereas Tom Welling was that charming, oh Tom Welling, what a nice little guy. Uh, probably if we get Jamie on to agree with this, Henry Cavill's kind of the guy you just want to rip his shirt off and have your way with. <laughs> yeah, there are certain things Jamie said where she's like, "Don't repeat this on air," because <laughs> because you didn't understand them. Or <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to point out too with Michael Shannon, I didn't realize that Michael Shannon was in Groundhog Day. His very first role was in what? Groundhog Day. Do you remember? Is it Fred and Betty the ones who get the WrestleMania tickets? In Groundhog Day? No, I don't remember. Oh, go back and watch. They've got a, just a very small role. They're like basically in the, um, I think it's the last scene. I think they're, they're the ones in the diner who um, Bill Murray kind of questions about uh, them not getting married anymore. But then later at the end, there's like the scene when um, he gives them tickets to WrestleMania. I'm 99% certain that's Fred. It's only a very small role, but I have to go back and watch it to realise that's Zod. Uh, I'm getting excited. Uh, and I, I'm very uh, disappointed to say that I cannot remember him from Kangaroo Jack. Uh, <laughs> Michael Shannon was in. Classic. What a piece of You're shit. You're Australian. Anything with kangaroos. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do you have anything on Michael Shannon? Because, I mean, I think he's, he's almost the star of this movie. I love him in this film. Yeah, and that was another one of the things I was so skeptical about. And here's another funny thing. I don't know what it is. I don't think Michael Shannon's ever played uh, any other type of accents, but he's the opposite of Henry Cavill, where I always assume he's British or something just because of the type of actor he is. The guy's from Kentucky. I mean, and it's not even that he you know does movies with like British accents, but I don't know. It's just weird that I, I always assume he must be British or something. Um, I had seen him in a few movies before this, and... When he was first cast, I think uh, the only thing I'd seen him in was, we talked about the Titanic episode, the reuniting of Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio, Revolutionary Road. Mm. Uh, and he got an Oscar nomination for that movie. And I thought he was just terrible in it, like so over the top that it was annoying. And when the, I think it was after that, I'm like, well, this guy's playing General Zod, you know, a few years later. And I'm like, oh, this because there's a thing with Terrence Stamp as General Zod where, yes, he's over the top, but it's maybe 5% of the time. The other 95% of the time, he's so under the top, if that's even a word, um, that it, it has that impact when he goes big. And I'm just like, I don't want Michael Shannon as Zod. And then I saw him in this movie called Take Shelter, which I recommend anybody watch. It's incredible. Uh, it's basically a movie of him and Jessica Chastain, and he keeps having these visions 
of some type of disaster that's about to happen, and he just goes crazy building like uh, you know a bomb shelter or whatever and hit in the ground, and it just consumes him. And he was so good in that movie and, and really played it uh, not over the top, and he was very uh, uh, reserved in it, that I'm like, okay, well, I'll give this guy a chance as Zod. Um, by the time the movie came out, like, I agree with you. I mean, he, he steals almost every scene he's in here, and he has that perfect balance of over the top and, you know, uh, just kind of this quiet, intimidating presence. I do have some questions about why he doesn't age throughout this movie, considering he should be in his mid-60s by the end. Um <laughs> But I mean, he 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 was the right guy to play Zod. I I still kind of think that Zod had been uh, over overdone at this point, uh, maybe one too many times, and it, it didn't help that there was even like a second Superman two that came out a few years prior to this. But I mean, overall, he still he still is awesome in this movie, and I love him. And speaking of awesome, the other Michael that I got wrong before, of course, Michael Kelly, um, aka Doug Stamper. We'll get to him, but uh, we just need to point him out, and and like. We will go over them. I think when they come on screen. I mean, it's kind of what we've yeah. went over in the Amazing Spider-Man two, uh, and Span- Spider-Man Two. How you know you had kind of these big name actors playing the side characters of the parents, didn't we? You know, with uh, Martin Sheen, Sally Field, obviously this time around, Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. Diane Lane. I mean, Russell Crowe. I think it's funny actually. The Honest Trailer for Man of Steel points out uh, that uh, he has to deal with his two uh, Robin Hood dads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is kind of clever when you think about it, actually. Um, but did Diane Lane, did she do it better first uh, than we had Marissa Tamai in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming with the yeah. sort of attractive older yeah. aunt-mum character? I mean, we talked about in the Spider-Man episode that and she was the other one along with Michael Shannon. And basically everybody in this movie, I'm like, I can't, other than Henry Cavill, I'm like, I can't believe that's the best casting they could get. Um, I, I have no problems with Diane Lane. She's an incredible actress. But you don't picture Martha Kent being glamorous. And I don't think I've ever seen Diane Lane not look super glamorous. Even in the perfect storm where she's playing like this, you know, you would consider frumpy uh, (laughs) New England, I don't know what you would call it, like not even a housewife really, but uh, a welfare mom. Very Amy Um, Amy Adams. Very Amy Adams is <laughs> still still it's like that's the most glamorous woman I've ever seen. So the idea of her playing Martha Kent was kind of weird to me, but I feel like she pulls it off here, and she pulls it off even better in um, Batman versus Superman. But it still is a little bit distracting, you know, the first time you see her. But I mean, you can get over it. Whereas with Marissa Tomei, it's still distracting. There's there's no way that they can frump her up enough. You just need to keep saying this for Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> uh, just. <laughs> this film. Um, and I mean, we've got to point out Morpheus is in this movie, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe. We've barely even like talked about Russell Crowe. Uh, we're about to in a second because he's basically all in this first part of the film. Um, and uh, what's his name? Is it Harry Lennox? Is that is that um, he was yeah. in Twenty Four? Um, Another Matrix. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And, um, oh, what's his, what's his name? The, oh, I'm trying to find his name here on my screen here. Christopher Maloney. Is that, is that his name? Oh, yeah. Um, AKA. I can't believe you've left off Richard Schiff. Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, I, I can't even get our Michaels correctly. Um, yeah, Richard Schiff, a.k.a. Um, Eddie from the Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, and, of course, uh, I think most people know him a lot from the West Wing. But, I mean, he's kind of one of those ones, isn't he? Where he's like, oh, him. Um, I mean, he's about to be in Geostorm. 
Uh, just for those at home. Um, but yeah, like another Jurassic Park alumni. We're, we seem to be ticking through them here on the, uh, on the Oz Network. Just wait till we get to, uh, Jurassic Park month next year. Um, but yeah, I, I, as Chris from Line actually is funny because, I mean, I think, well, obviously he's very much known from, uh, Law and Order, but, uh, I, as a true blood fan, uh, he was like a really big bad, um, a vampire in one of those seasons, actually, and he actually was a really good villain. Um, but I, you know, just random. Hello, Christopher Maloney. Um, Mariska Hargitay is better. But anyway, I don't watch Law and Order. <laughs> Louise used to. But I tried to watch like five minutes of it this morning, and I'm like, I don't have the patience for an hour. <laughs> All I know is dun dun. That's about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we, we get into the the film, and, and this... Now, okay, as I said, I, I'm not that memorable when it comes... Well, I'm not memorable in, in general, but I, I can't remember a lot of the Chris, <laughs> Christopher Reeve ones. Is there any of the Christopher Reeve ones where we get a large portion set on Krypton at all, or is this kind of the yeah, first time we... this is almost exactly what happens in the first Superman movie. It, like, the first 20 minutes is all on Krypton with Jarrell. But they, they're showing you a different side of it in this one. So that's what I was talking about earlier. But yeah, it, it, the whole 20 minutes of the movie takes place on Krypton in the original. Right, there you go. That's how long it's been since I've seen it. It's in the very first one, Ben. Good job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is all, this all looks amazing. The visual effects in this film are, are fantastic. Um, and we kind of get this opening sequence of uh, Krypton is dying. The core is collapsing and Russell Crowe, we're just going to call him Russell Crowe, it's uh, Jor-El of course. Um, but as we do on this show, we just refer to them by their actors' names, not their characters' names. Um, he's basically going off at these elders. What, what are they, like the king and queen of Krypton? I mean, do they have an actual title? or oh, The council. The council, yep, cool. Um, <laughs> and he's basically you know, going off at them, we've got nothing to say, we've got to leave now, we're going to look to the stars and in comes Zod. And as uh, any person would do, just starts randomly mowing down the council. <laughs> you know, great security in Krypton. <laughs> they just they really protect their leaders very well. Um, and Zod is the general of, I guess, the Krypton army. Um, I don't know why I said it like that, but um, I mean, I'm guessing that's what he is. He's a general. Like you're questioning his credentials. I guess he's the general of the Krypton army. Well, what, is it, what are his credentials? He's actually created to be a general. Like, I mean, he yeah. doesn't need credentials. He's he's created, <laughs> basically, to be this role. Uh, so if anything, Krypton's only got itself to blame here for the coup. <laughs> they, they fucked up in the creation of Zod here. Uh, and he basically wants to uh, continue on Krypton, but he wants to rule it. Russell Crowe, <laughs> Jor-El, is like, no! <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know about that. Um, and then basically we kind of have this escape sequence where uh, Russell Crowe jumps on a dog-looking bird thing. Um, there's all these, like, fighting... What is that thing? He's, um, like, fighting over the skies, and then uh, he steals the Codex, which is obviously going to be the reason why later on Zod comes to Earth. Uh, we find out that that is a Class B crime from these weird computer things that just follow them around. They're, like, kind of little... I don't know, Navi from the Ocarina of Time. I don't know what they are. Um, not quite as annoying if you're a Zelda fan. Um, then goes back to this little house thing. <laughs> I'm just offending all Superman. He's like, I'm a Superman fan, but I don't know the specifics <laughs> of what these are called. Um, there's uh, Mrs. L. Um, <laughs> I forgot. Mrs. L? <laughs> <laughs> forgotten her name. What's uh, Superman's mum? Lara. Lara. Thank you. Lara Croft. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> they have this conversation together, and essentially we see they've got a baby, and they're going to send him off to another world uh, to protect the Krypton race. Um, spoiler alert, they put the Codex inside um, Kal-El. Um, just, <laughs> it's not really a spoiler, you've obviously seen this movie if you're listening to this episode. Um, and I love how they're kind of like searching for another planet, and they find uh, Earth. Oh, I know that place. I've been there. Um, and you say, You've even been to Kansas. Yeah, well, again, wait till we get to the Kansas scenes. Um, uh, and then we just kind of get this nice scene. Lara's like, oh, I can't do it. And it's like, oh, he's our people's only help. Like, the world is getting blown up here, Lara. No time for crying. Like, <laughs> save your son. Um, come on now. Um, what is it What is it from Hero? Save the cheerleader, save the world. Uh, save Superman, yeah. save the world. <laughs> come on, Lara. Chop, chop. Uh, Save cow. <laughs> Save cow. We see a baby penis. Uh, down here on my notes, baby penis. I don't know why. Just like the original, which you forgot, Richard Donners. <laughs> no, baby penis. First cruel full frontal nude scene I had ever seen as a child. I'm like, why am I watching this? You're like, oh my god, that's what that thing is. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> So they shoot off uh, dear old little cow into the sky, and then Zod comes in and... Uh, Basically, we have this sort of talk-off between uh, the two. Uh, Zod is saying, surrender and you shall live. Um, and then we learn that this uh, cow is the first baby naturally conceived in centuries. So essentially, um, Jor-El and Lara are the only two people who have had sex on Krypton in centuries. Uh, <laughs> so what are they building? Well, the first ones have unprotected sex. Well, I'm sure the Krypton condom scene is very strong. Uh, <laughs> They have those weird things that go over their head pretty quickly. I can't imagine what the condoms are. Does this like. mean that, like, Jarell and Lara are, like, the first hippies of Krypton or something? <laughs> well, I want to know what, like... They're just very free. Like, why do they not... Is it just a law? Like, you may not... Is it, like, China? Like, one baby and that's it? Or, yeah. like, I mean, like, what... Is it? Is this strictly enforced? Because these babies have grown underground Matrix style? Like, um... It's kind of strange to think, that, like, no one it's, blinks an eye. It's like, this is the first baby born. Like, what's the media landscape like? I mean, nobody in, knows. Well, too. true. But, like, did they not notice you was fat for nine months? I mean, like, yeah. how, how does pregnancy work on Krypton? <laughs> like, well, I don't know about you, but if I put on a little bit of weight, people aren't asking me if I'm carrying child. Well, we're not women, Colin. Women always get asked that, you know, the sexist oh, yeah, nature of the world. It's a lot. It's a it's a lot more appropriate to ask a woman who's put on weight if she's giving birth anytime soon. <laughs> the, the laws are a little bit more liberal on uh, Krypton, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, when he's swimming underwater to get the codex, and we see the Matrix style pods. Uh, I mean, it was just it was just a node to Lawrence Fishburne, of course. Um, but, yeah, so uh, essentially it's kind of, you know, they're, they're going back and forth and Zod is going off at Jor-El for everything and he basically is saying, oh, give me the baby, essentially. And it's like, he goes to, she takes him so long to just, like, shoot off this damn pod, which he just screamed at, no! It's like, you, in five minutes' time, you're going to try and shoot him down. Like, why are you wasting your time now stabbing Russell Crowe? Which he does. Uh, <laughs> poor Russell Crowe always dies. Um, then Lara like runs over and he's you know like oh no you killed Russell Crowe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
not really what she says. I do like... I sound like I'm not liking this scene. I actually really like this opening. Uh, we learn for the first time that his name is Kel, son of El. Um, <laughs> Cal, Ben. Not, Tom Kel? Yeah, Kel. Kel. <laughs> Michael Kelly, Michael Shannon, all the same. Uh, <laughs> and just as he finally decides to shoot down the ship, he finally gets surrounded... Um, gets arrested, if that's what you call it, on Krypton. Uh, he's convicted of murder and high treason, and he will be in 300 cycles of reconditioning. This is basically when they shove them in the uh, that mirror thing right at the end of Superman 2. Is that yeah, the Phantom Zone. Yeah, the Phantom Zone. Thank you. Um, I love it. Like just, just how good uh, Michael Shannon is in this scene. Just the way he's like yelling and the way he spits and you know, this isn't like Kill Phil where we actually spat on them. Uh, like he spits and then they cut away, so you never actually see that spit going on the guy he's spitting at. Um, and just the way he's like, he's just such a good angry actor. I will find him. Just oh, he's mm-hmm. so good. Um, then he, <laughs> he gets covered in this weird resin thing, and they get sent off in spaceships that resemble penises. Uh, here, ah! here is our dong scene. <laughs> I'm I'm totally gonna play into every stereotype about me not understanding this stuff. I can't even count how many times I've seen this movie. I own the the Blu-ray in 3D, and. Jamie, only this one time, now four years later, says to me, every time I watch this movie, I think that those pods look like dildos. <laughs> and I'm like, never noticed that till now. This is why Jamie and I have the same mindset and we have to explain to you about these things. See, a dildo, Colin, <laughs> is uh, what women use. <laughs> oh, okay. Let, let's, let's be honest. These are the Robert Wisdom of spaceships. They are giant. Uh, yes. <laughs> they spurt <laughs> off into the sky. Um... And they get locked into the Phantom Zone, uh, which is nice. Um, and then Lara, we see here talking with the weird little spaceship thingy. Uh, Krypton blows up. Uh, and then the next thing we see is uh, Kal-El's uh, spaceship zooming past Saturn. Um, and then we cut to a boat, which I'll, I mean, we'll just talk about this opening scene here. But it's it's I, I really enjoy it. I think one thing I'll say about this movie is... Um, similar to, I guess, what I said in Face Off and some other movies that we've done, and is that, to me, like, some people complain about the pacing, I think. I, I, I think this film just goes by smoothly. I think, like, I, I barely, in many parts of this movie, think, oh, crap, how long have we got to go? I just think that it... it and, like, the first bit, you'd realise, fuck, that was 20 minutes. Like, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. Um, and, you know, I think it, it looks fantastic, the visual effects, as I said. It just all looks amazing, and um, I, I really like the opening to this film, and I don't know if this is part that people generally are critical about, uh, but uh, I, I just, oh yeah, I really like it. I think it works well. I completely agree with you about the pacing of this. Uh, it is a very well-paced movie, and even, this is jumping way far ahead, but by the time we actually get to the plot being introduced with Zod's ship's arrival and his message going out, I mean, that's well over an hour into the movie. And yet it still feels like the story has moved by. I always feel at that point, it's like, you know, this feels like it should be the climax of the movie. Like we're, you know, an hour and 45 minutes and it's only an hour and 15 in. So I think that the pacing of this movie is really good, especially at this point. Um, A a couple of things I want to touch on. First of all, just what I mentioned earlier about how they tell this from a different perspective. And yeah, Amazing Spider-Man kind of did it, but they glossed over some things that maybe you shouldn't even been covered in the first place. Like why do uncle Ben's death? If you're just going to do it in a split second, this does it differently in that we're seeing all the stuff on Krypton. We're opening with basically very similar to the opening scene of Richard Donner's Richard Donner's was like the sentencing of Zod followed by 
uh, Jarrell explaining the planet's going to destroy, be destroyed, and they're all saying no, it won't happen. And then it goes to you know him prepping the pod for Kal-El. Uh, here it's just kind of reversed, but we get Zod's rebellion, which is something we've never seen before. I think even with Smallville. They maybe showed a couple of brief glimpses of it, but they never really touched on it. In the original Superman movie, the movie begins with Zod sentencing, and that's all we see of this, other than a brief flashback scene, I think, in Superman 2, where it shows them just breaking a crystal or something and how they got arrested. So this whole sequence is more about Zod's uh, uprising than it is Superman's origin, and even so much that as you mentioned, oh yeah, his thing goes past Saturn and then it crashes in Kansas. They just cut it there and they jump forward. They're like, you don't need to know this part. We're showing you just enough so you realize that we're telling the same story, but we're only showing you the things that are different. You know, Krypton's different here. It's not like an ice planet like it was in the original. Um, everything here feels a lot more... You have so many different versions of Krypton just because there have been so many different retellings even in the comics over the years. But this feels most similar to a novel that came out a couple of years ago, which is called The Last Days of Krypton which is really about Jarrell discovering the Phantom Zone, Zod's uprising, and the destruction of Krypton. And there's going to be a TV show coming out, not based on the book, but the same thing. And this feels a lot like that story. And I always, I found that so interesting, just, you know, the whole world of Krypton and that you could tell that story and not even have Superman, which is why two movies have been able to dedicate 20 minutes without even the main character in it. You know, Jarrell's a strong enough character. Zod's clearly a strong enough character that they could carry a movie on their own. Um, the way that the birth happens here is funny because I don't know if the movie needed this whole thing about him being the first natural childbirth. Like, is this somewhere they wanted to go with in sequels and they just never got around to? Because it doesn't feel like we needed that. Um, if you wanted to tell us Krypton is a completely engineered race, just have it that. If you, you know, wanted to do something where, oh, well, maybe he biologically was the only one who could carry this, well, then explain it. It's just, it felt like that was tacked on to me. And, it also, like, you, I kind of made fun of it saying, well, nobody would mention she's fat, but <laughs> yeah, how are they going to hide this? And when were they planning on springing this to everybody? You know, at some point, they're going to be carrying around this little baby, and people are going to be wondering, hey, where'd that come from? I, I guess it's that creative, clear you. yeah, that creative license always in it where we don't know how pregnancy works in Krypton. But I mean, at the same time, yeah. we do have a planet filled with people who sound very American and British, and yet somehow they speak English. Yeah, exactly. So uh, surely we're trying to relate to the fact that m- maybe their pregnancy is the same as the way they speak, because they just happen to look and sound like us at the same time. And did they say how long it's been since there was a natural uh, childbirth? They say, just say I mean, in it's, centuries, it's, don't they? That's all they say. They say it's yeah. the first naturally conceived so, child in centuries. Hundreds of years. I'm sure they have lots of textbooks that tell you what to do. But, <laughs> I mean, my They do a my Wonder Woman world, so why don't they insist? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. Um my wife went through childbirth and had tons of prep, and I'm sure she wasn't prepared for it. What is you going would. through Laura's you didn't know mind? How she got pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Must have been Henry Cavill. <laughs> You're pregnant. Uh, we watched Superman: uh, Man of Steel last night. So. <laughs> I didn't realize it worked that easily. Uh, but what was she thinking? Like, what did she have to compare this to? I mean, death. <laughs> I, I doubt that she knew. What these pains she was feeling, it's either, it's like, okay, I'm either dying or got a really bad case of gout. I can't tell which one it is. There's no way she's like, this is natural. I'm sure this is what childbirth feels she's like. Gone, Nobody's gone to the bathroom. She's gone, uh, Jaw, honey, um, I just went to, the, to do my thing. Um, a small child came out of my vagina. Yeah. 
<laughs> did he ever tell her? There's the other thing. I mean, did they make this plan together? We're going to have a real child. Ditch the condom. <laughs> screw the council. What are you doing We're to free me, honey? spirited. That doesn't go with Tony and hippies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then one day she's like, I'm getting really fat. And Jarrell's like, yeah, better stop eating those muffins every morning. Wink, wink to the camera. How come every morning when I wake up I feel sick and I really just want to eat pickles on toast? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, like it would be a funny world if he never told her that. What's this stuff um, coming from my breasts? <laughs> Sorry, just had to add that in there, apparently. Yeah. Ben had to mention breasts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did mention that, you know, I'm, I was kind of zotted out at this point. You know, <laughs> Superman the movie did it. Superman 2 did it. Then there was Richard Donner's cut of Superman 2 that came out. Then Smallville had him on for a whole season. It, it was just too much for me. So, I, I, in a way, I feel like Zod would have had more of an impact had Smallville not done it a few years prior. But just the fact we got to see this rebellion, I feel like, is what makes it different. And... We really see him the way he's supposed to be, which is he's always been described as like the intergalactic Hitler. And I never even really noticed how close they stuck to that until he was basically talking about his plan where he's like, you know, talking about the codex and saying there, there are certain bloodlines that have been corrupted and we need to stick with the most pure bloodlines. I mean, that basically is Adolf Hitler yeah. saying, let's create our Aryan race. And it's clever that they brought it back to that. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about like Zod's character history throughout the years and how he's not even really a creation from the comics, even though he originated there. It's more a movie character that's just, you know, morphed over the years. But it was great to have, like, this different side of him we'd never seen before. Um, the the destruction of the planets, even one of the afterthoughts, because he mentions this is going to happen, but our entire climax here, well, opening climax, uh, really has nothing to do with the destruction of Krypton. And the way it flashes forward, it's almost like, well, this is a few months later. Like, you know, Kellel is now three or four months old. Uh, that's not a very Christopher Walken way. Three or four <laughs> months old. <laughs> He's more, more powerful. Uh, He's more, more older. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but time has passed, and I kind of like that, that, again, we're not just getting a rehash of the origin story. Anything that's going to be retold from the original, we're just going to sort of breeze by it because you know all this. Um, and the fight scene that they have, it's also interesting. I didn't even realize until I watched the making of, you talk about how great the effects are in here. Two things that really stuck, stick out for me. One, that opening shot when Jarrell steps out and all the ships are, you know, shooting everything and there's explosions everywhere. That shot is incredible. Yeah. I mean, that is like, that, that, it's, it's one of the most spectacular shots that Zack Snyder's ever created. And say what you want about Zack Snyder as a storyteller. The guy's one of the greatest visual directors out there. And that shot's amazing. Uh, the second thing is the armor that both Zod and, well, other people have on, but particularly Zod throughout this movie and uh, Jarell, Not their outfit, as in, like, the Superman suit that we see, but the armor that they wear, that's completely computer-generated because oh, wow. they tried to build one of these, and, like, it's too heavy for an actor to wear and give a performance, so it's 100% computer-generated, basically from the neck down when he's wearing this armor, and wow. it looks incredible. It, it, yeah, it, had no idea. I had no idea. And I can pick things like this out, you know, in any movie. Um, uh, I like the fight scene. I like the, the whole action scene. We get to see Jarell in action, you know, diving through the water and flying on his bird dog looking what thing. What is that thing? Is that what you call a it? A bird dog. It's like a dog with, like, dragonfly wings. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a name for it. Um, bird there's dog. a name. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, bird dog. Um, 
but uh, you know, even just little things like Killix, the the robot that's going to come up later, uh, which of course is straight from the comics, and just little things like that they include in this movie. I like that there's all these little nods they have. Like even you mentioned Doug Stamper, his character. There's no reason to include it in the movie other than just, hey, if you follow the comics, here's a little nod to you, and that's kind of like this robot Killix that you know he uses to communicate. Uh, I do wonder why they can build these phantom zones and all that stuff. And yet their graphics basically look like, what are those things? Um, it's like little needles and you can put your face yeah. in there and it morphs around your face. Um, yeah. I don't know what they are, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's their graphics. I mean, come on, get yourself an iPhone. I mean, <laughs> get yourself FaceTime or anything. I'm sure that there's a better way to do face-to-face communication than what we see here. Um, but the the Phantom Zone thing, again, they kind of just uh, breeze by it because we don't need to see that all over again. It's a bit of a plot hole that we're going to pick up on later on, but the whole opening here is just awesome, and uh, I like that we don't have to retell the origin stuff. Just uh, quickly, um, I've looked it up. The thing is called a Haraka, or a Haraka. Uh, oh, he says that. He says, uh, easy there, Haraka. Okay, well, there you go. We were paying attention. Uh, a Kryptonian four-winged animal. Uh, used by Jor-El as a mode of transport on Krypton. One thing I just want to point out with the visual effects here before we move uh, on to Earth, um, that a lot of these sequences reminded me, you know, in um, I think we first saw it in Episode 2 during the, the clone battle sequences where you kind of, you've got the spaceship in the distance and all of a sudden you get that really quick zoom in on, like, yeah. the motion zoom. I don't know what that's called. And look, I don't know if that was done before... Um, like a shaky cam. Yeah, well, I don't know if that was done before the prequels, but I remember when I saw episode two in the cinemas, I, I always noticed that. I thought, that's kind of a cool effect. Um, and I like how they that's... did that with this, how, like, you've got kind of, like, a long shot of, uh, you know, him flying, and all of a sudden they just quickly zoom in with that shaky cam. I think it looks awesome. Yeah, and it's it's to give you a sense of realism, and I know that they struggled with this even with Marvel, which is one of the reasons why... By the time you got to Thor, which should be like this incredible fantasy story, they placed most of it on Earth with Thor having no powers, just sort of chatting with Natalie Portman and, you know, not being able to do anything super because they created this grounded, realistic world with Iron Man and Captain America and even the Incredible Hulk. And they felt like it would be a struggle to transition to something really big and out there in sci-fi. And uh, something like Superman, you're introducing the new DC world with the most fantastic story there is, with Krypton and all that. So anything they could do to ground it in reality will help later on when you're watching Batman and have to believe that he can fight alongside Superman. All right. Well, Krypton's gone, so what does that mean? We need to go to Earth, and, uh, well, we're on the Debbie Sue, because that's the first point of call after a Krypton explosion, is a boat called Debbie Sue. Uh, We've got a bit of fishing going on here. We get somebody called a dumbass. Uh, and look, it's grown-up Tom Welling. Um, yeah. can, can I just be, he really does look like Tom Welling, does he not? Yeah, not as much as the kid, though, that we're going to see soon. Like, that kid is a dead ringer for Tom Welling. Maybe it shouldn't really be looks like Tom Welling. Maybe just Tom Welling looked like Clark Kent. Uh, so. Yeah, they all look like Superman. That's kind of why they're in this movie. <laughs> Great casting, uh, you know, <laughs> considering this. Um, but we get um, this whole explosion of an oil rig, which is just, of course, why wouldn't it be just happening like this? Um, and basically this is, after being called a dumbass, what's the one way of... Uh, showing that he's not one. Um, <laughs> saving everybody on a burning oil platform shirtless. 
because if uh-huh. there's anything we needed right now, it's for Jamie to get excited about this movie, is shirtless Henry Cavill, um, which, let's be honest, we're all appreciative of his form. I mean, come on. Um, I mean, Superman. You have to. I, I, loved, I loved reading a little bit about this, the fact that uh, none of this was, like, uh, changed. Like, he did all that work himself. That is all pure Henry Cavill working out. Mm-hmm. Um, the chest hair is all his. Apparently he was adamant that he keeps the chest hair uh, because... Unlike the mustache in <laughs> Justice League coming up soon, <laughs> somebody here needs to be cut. Um, so props to Henry Cavill for, for doing all this. Uh, I mean, it's a great scene and he's saving these men, but like at the end of the day, are these men not talking to people like, oh, I saw this shirtless hunky guy saving us? Like, well, I mean... At this point, Superman's not a thing, right? So, I mean, he's kind of... And surely everyone knows, hey, that's a dumbass from the boat. I know we get a bit of a scene later on with Lois Lane kind of, like, asking all these people, but really? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's... The movie says, like, it didn't take long. I just had to ask some questions. And we also know he's not really using his real name when he's doing all these cover jobs everywhere. So I mean, what does the girl call him? You know, we're not there yet, but what does she call him uh, at the bar he's working is it at? Joe? It's not Clark. Is she Joe? Is he I Joe? I can't even remember. He looks Maybe like he's, Joe. I, you know what? I've, he looks like an Adam to me. I think <laughs> I'm going to call him Adam. <laughs> but, I mean, he's not using his real name, so it's fine. Um, yeah, I, the oil rig, it's funny that you did mention, you know, this is the part Jamie likes, because uh, when this movie was coming out, I mean, I was so excited for this and. This was different in that they filmed it probably two years before it came out, you know, very similar to the the Star Wars movies. We had a long wait. And I remember all the pictures when they were coming out. And my wife's a huge Tom Welling fan and even Christopher Reeves. So, I mean, she... Superman, basically. Yeah, exactly. She loves Superman. Except for Brandon Ralph. She hated Brandon Ralph. Yeah. (laughs) And Dean Cain. Brandon Ralph wasn't her favorite. But I I will say this. um, I... uh, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later on, but like I always had this thing with Superman, and I would show up to work wearing like a different Superman shirt every day, and there were people there that just called me Superman, and like to this day, <laughs> some people just know me as Superman for whatever reason. <laughs> My wife actually met me at the same job, and uh, she bought Superman bed sheets, which I think was <laughs> her subtle way of hitting on me. <laughs> Wow, I um, I still have a pillowcase from it. Uh, can I can I say I had a Superman um, coffee mug that people knew me for when I worked at the newspaper, and no one ever picked me up. So, I mean, I was engaged at the time, I guess, but I mean, still, I would have appreciated. I mean, they were the, the They were calling you coffee mug. They weren't calling you Superman. <laughs> they were calling me Dick coffee. Splash. <laughs> yeah, Dick Splash. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, oh, sorry, continue. I, just, I didn't realize there was more to No, that I just story. want to quickly say before I forget, because <laughs> Jamie will uh, kill me otherwise. So there were tons of pictures of him released beforehand. You know, I had shown him one or two of the movies that he was in. She had no interest, even when the TV spots were on, no interest. Um, th- all the way up to the trailer and everything, I'm like, well, what do you think of this Superman? She goes, ah, uh, he's not as hot as Tom Welling. This scene plays, and he appears shirtless, and she turns to me, and it's like a loud whisper. She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's when Casper was, was conceived, right there. Casper exactly. was conceived. Right there, sitting in a theater seat, just her ovaries burst, looking at Henry Cavill. <laughs> Calling I'm pregnant. And, and I was hoping she was uh, joking, because even this most recent time where she was watching, goes, just so you know, this is my hall pass. Uh, how many does she have? Like, she's got oh, more than Jet one. Reeves, Hugh Jackman, Henry Cavill. <laughs> Any man with abs is her hall pass. <laughs> Yes. And who's yours? <laughs> um, uh, any Lois Lane but 
Amy Adams. <laughs> wow. Terry Hatcher? <laughs> uh, passable, but no. <laughs> you know, if John Tenney allows it. Uh... <laughs> let's, let's, let's just say Erica Durant and leave it at that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, not Kate. Henry Cavill. What, the Kate Beckinsale Bosworth, the, the, which, which Kate was Oh, it? yeah. We could love her in there, too. Yeah. All right. Um, not Lois Lane from the just original me Superman. A, me a <laughs> Give me a half dozen all passes. Just Lois you know, Lane, the character of Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. That's right. <laughs> Comic book, Lois Lane. <laughs> um, meanwhile, once he falls into the water after saving these people, uh, cue flashback. Uh, we're in Kansas. Uh, the old saying, we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, it's the opposite here. We're in Kansas now. That was a bad segue there. I don't know where I was going with that. Um but we're basically seeing, I mean, I like how they kind of do these flashbacks in that we kind of get this uh, little moment of him sort of realising his powers, you know, he's kind of seeing the x-ray, he's hearing sort of the the voices and, and he obviously locks himself in this cupboard. And I mean, it's kind of, you know, we obviously talked about sort of, oh, the origin story of Superman again, but it's, it's done in a way that kind of they can just quickly throw these flashbacks in and we don't sort of get bogged down in them. It's kind of like what they did a little bit with um, uh, Batman, sort of in Batman versus Superman as well. Uh, I mean, it's 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 cleverly done, and I, I, I like it. Um, and I, I like the fact that he locks himself in the cupboard and says, like, Clark, we've called your mother, and she's like there straight away. Uh, just, I mean, I've yeah. recently, again, I'll, I'll give my plenty of Kansas references throughout this episode as I've recently been there. And, uh, yeah, that's that's true to form. You go into a restaurant, like, hi, can I have a burger? And, boom, here's a burger. Uh, <laughs> but, um, maybe not, but... <laughs> But uh, we we meet Diane Lane. Uh, have you met Diane Lane before? Here she is. Uh, I like Diane. Who doesn't like Diane Lane? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe her ex boyfriends. I don't know. But like, <laughs> never met them. Never met Diane Lane. But I mean, she she's a good Martha Kent. Again, kind of like uh, you know, sort of. We're used to this character, sort of similar to Aunt May in the Spider Man films, being sort of the motherly figure. Never sort of like the attractive mother figure. Um, and, I mean, they, they do well, I guess, with making her look very motherly and not necessarily look at her like, oh, there's Diane Lane. I mean, it is Diane She's Lane. She's Milfa Kent now. She's Milfa Kent, yes. <laughs> Milfa, why did you say that name? Uh, <laughs> Milfa! <laughs> <laughs> look out for that. Now, next recap. Um, but, uh, he wakes up. There's whales. That's nice. Um... As in the animals, like he's not in the country of Wales. Uh, and then he's like on land and he's still in clothes. He's still shirtless. So Jamie's still loving yeah. this. Uh, so this is in Canada, am I not mistaken? We are in Canada right now. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all of Smallville is in Canada. I don't know why they would never go to the real Kansas. I mean, <laughs> Superman the movie film there and Smallville and this. But what I'm actually, I, I read into this because one thing I will say uh, is that when they're in Kansas, it felt like watching where I was in Kansas, because I was in very rural, buttfuck nowhere Kansas. I was in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, and I also went to the capital, Topeka, and kind of on the drive between the two, it's very Kansas-esque. It's very green. It's very, like, farmy. Like, it felt like I was in a, a Superman movie. And I read that none of this is actually was filmed in Kansas. So, like, all the Kansas scenes look amazingly like Kansas, but they're filmed in, like, Canada and Illinois and, and California. Like, none of this is actually filmed in in Kansas. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's stolen close, but we have another um, flashback. Uh, we hear, hey, arsewipe, uh, come on, dick splash. Uh, 
My favorite new insult. Uh, and this is Pete. This is Pete Ross. This is our everybody's oh. favorite Pete. What I mean, like, what the hell? Like, it's all Smallville fans right now going, hang on a minute. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is, is this closely what Pete is like in the comic books? I mean, is he like this no. weird-looking guy who calls people Dick Splash? No, I mean, it's he's Flash here. He's Flash Thompson. And <laughs> in the comics, he's just sort of Clark's one friend that he actually trusted with his secret. Um, yeah, totally different here. Although they, they do play up on the whole, he's the one who knows about Clark, which is cool. But yeah, Pete was never a bully. And we also see Lana, which, I mean, I, I honestly, in rewatching this, I forgot like that that was Lana. So as soon as I see this little girl, I'm like, oh, is that meant to be Lana? And then we hear that later on, don't we, that... It's Lana. So, I, I, like, I mean, she looks like a young Kristen Kirk, whatever her name is. <laughs> I mean, again, it's not really that she looks like a young Kristen Kirk. It's like she looks like a young Lana. So, um, yeah. good casting there. But obviously, uh, this sort of flashback to them as uh, young kids, the bus crashes off. I mean, this one thing I noticed when I was in Kansas, school bus drivers are maniacs. Uh, they're just constantly crashing. Um, you know, tire blowouts and all. Um and then basically Clark saves uh, saves the kids, even saves you know Dick Splash Pete from the water, yeah. and then we we kind of um, sort of see this little flashback with his dad. We uh, obviously for the first time uh, meet Kevin Costner. Hello, Kevin, um, uh, the second greatest uh, Hollywood Kevin there is, and we kind of get this little scene where he's basically saying like you know, you, we've warned you about your abilities. Like, you know, you shouldn't do this because uh, people are going to see it. And he sort of has that line, like, what is I meant to do? Let them die? And he's like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's nice. Uh, this obviously leads um, Jonathan Kent, that's who Kevin Costner is, in case I didn't uh, clarify that, to show him basically the spaceship. Because this is kind of where he's learning a little bit. He doesn't know who he is at this moment. He's, he's wondering about his abilities. So this is the first time that Clark is told, you're an alien, son. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice little way to be introduced um and we basically see the little spaceship in the in the barn uh there's a piece of uh metal or like a key they took it to kansas state side note i went to kansas state uh at, like i didn't study there like when i was in kansas <laughs> uh, i just quickly got a degree i was there for like three days didn't take me long uh <laughs> but no, I who are, we drove around um, the campus, uh, the Manhattan campus of Kansas State, which is the main campus of Kansas State, and I mean it's a beautiful school. Uh, I had some very nice ice cream, which basically shares the area where they kill cows. So uh, you buy ice cream, and in the fridge, in the fridges, you can buy ice cream to take home. There are like corpses of cows. So um, I mean. Kansas, hey? I thought you were saying Cal for a second. Yeah, Cal-L is in the thing. <laughs> um, and just one thing I want to point out, of all my time in Kansas, not one Superman reference I saw in the three days I was there. I was very disappointed. You got tons in Canada, though. So. Like, like, come on. Like, here. That's literally, as soon as I flew to Kansas, I put on my Facebook thing, like, flying to where Superman's from. And, like... I'm with people in Kansas. Oh, Superman, Superman. They're looking at me like, what's the deal with Superman? I'm like, you are from where Superman is from, sort of. Like, how do you not know this? Um, anyway, just fuck you, Kansas. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I didn't mind Kansas. Um, but yeah, so they don't have any idea where this medal is. It's not on the periodic table. Uh, and then kind of we get this line from Jonathan, you are the answer, son, of whether or not we're alone in the universe. And then what does he say? I don't want to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, shut up, Clark. I want to be the answer to whether or not we're alone in the universe. Uh, I'm just going to lump more into this because I think we can get a lot of this sort of this pre stuff out here. Um, we see Clark working in a bar. Uh, Joe or Adam, whoever he is at this point. Uh, we have the Canadian military, both of them. They're at the bar uh, talking about Americans finding something. Is that literally your entire like military force in that bar in Canada right there? Pretty much, yeah. Uh. Um, I actually watched a few videos in the last few days about uh, what if Canada invaded America? There's literally a video on YouTube about what would happen. And basically this person in the video is like, yeah, Canada would be fucked. <laughs> I could have told you that. I didn't need to watch a video about that. Anyway, uh, so there's this really creepy, pervy, typical Canadian guy in a bar uh, grabbing at the <laughs> grabbing at the waitress, um, and then you know it comes good old Joe Adam. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. Uh, and then basically this guy's like, well, "What if I don't want to leave?" And he's a complete nut, a dick to him. And of course, we know that you know Joe Adam Clark. Can't do anything about it because he would just rip this guy in half. So he kind of takes the high road and walks away and destroys this guy's truck. Uh, <laughs> uh, I might have it just before we meet Lois Lane and we get here to the, the whole military yeah. uh, complex. But um, I just love the fact that this is all meant to be in Canada. And for some reason, you've got this massive douche nozzle of a guy in a bar. Like, I've been to bars in Canada and no one... I saw did that. I mean, you know, is this just a thing in rural Canada that they're just big douche nozzles compared to the cities? I, I don't know. You're from rural Canada, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that is it's not unrealistic for that to be a Canadian. But the thing is, is you'd never be that way to a stranger. We're polite to strangers because we want them to think we're polite. If you know the person, you're going to be a total dick splash like this guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, anything to add on kind of the 38 scenes that I just lumped together there? <laughs> well i mean the oil rig scene it's very brief but it is fantastic and it looked great in 3d i remember seeing the theater and this is uh the first 3d blu-ray i ever gotten i mean um even though you know i have so many of them now it's almost like oh yeah it's 3d that one scene so always jumps out at me it just looks incredible especially when he emerges from the fire shirtless you know his chest hairs are coming right out at oh, me it's just i need to see it in 3d <laughs> uh, and as I said, that reaction that I got from my wife, I mean, could not have cared less about him beforehand. But to this day, anytime Henry Cavill's anything. In fact, Henry Cavill was film, filming a movie here in Winnipeg earlier this year. Uh, and he was probably here for a good, you know, two months or whatever. And uh, he was like tweeting pictures out uh, from like the balcony of where his apartment was and uh, different places he was exploring. There was one picture he, he uh, tweeted, which was. Uh, him in front of a window with a Green Lantern costume. And it was kind of like people were like, is he teasing the Green Lantern is going to be Justice League? It's like, well, he's not even filming Justice League right now. I think it's just a joke. But I remember seeing that and thinking, like, that's about like six blocks from our house. I'm like, Henry Cavill was right here. And you wonder and where Jamie, Jamie was all day. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, told, I didn't tell her because then I never would have seen her again. Put a raising cast for alone. <laughs> You just you're, you're tuning into like entertainment tonight. Each week. this tonight, uh, Henry Cavill and her new Canadian fling seen yeah, together I mean, in Hawaii. Let's not be uh, let's let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, it's not unusual for Henry Cavill to just pop up with some random girl for about three weeks and then move on to another one. Oh, what That's a hard life thing. he lives! What a hard life! A oh, good-looking man with those abs and chest man. hair. God, I feel sorry for him. Oh, it's terrible. He almost stole my wife, jerk. Uh, but, uh, oh, come on. As if, as if like, she went off with him and then was, like, came back and begged for forgiveness. You'd all be like, hell yeah, because you slept with Superman. 
Come on. Except I am Superman, okay? Well, she bought bed sheets for me, not right. Henry Cavill. Well, I mean, she um, ruffled his bed sheets, but okay. Just another. This is a random thing. Just before I forget it, um, I, like I, I love Superman enough that aside from you know people who I worked with, tons of people still would just be like, "Hey, how's it going, Superman?" Um, my nephews, when they were very young, I would show them pictures of Superman and tell them, "Look, it's Uncle Colin." And it got to the point where if they saw like the Superman logo, or even if they saw like a Superman toy in the store, they'd be like, "Uncle Colin." <laughs> I don't know how I pulled it off. Eventually, my sister was like, no, no, no more of that. But, yeah, see, that I, was I get that moment. when um, people see Jabba the Hutt. They're like, Uncle Ben! <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what it is. Uh, at least it's not Pete Ross. Uh, <laughs> well, it depends on Pete, Pete Ross. Ross <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they definitely didn't make Pete Ross look like he should have been the bully here. But I think that's kind of the point of that scene. And I really love that scene. Like, this movie doesn't get enough credit for how they were able to... And I was more skeptical than anybody about the whole origin story over again. But even, like, how you mentioned, oh, okay, so the planet explodes, and then, boom, he crashes, and, oh, he's on a boat. Um, they just... They breeze by the stuff you know, and they show you interesting other things. Before I also forget, the boat. Um, there's tons of little Smallville things in here, like you mentioned. I mean, you could say, oh, yeah, well, Pete and Lana uh, were characters in... Uh, the comics before they're in Smallville. Well, there's two other characters that are going to be mentioned in an upcoming scene that had nothing to do with the comics come out of Smallville. On top of that, this boat thing, I remember when that first picture was released, um, and I don't even think it was an official image, but it was when Henry Cavill was running and was shirtless, you know, and he grabbed the shirt. There was like a couple of pictures that were taken from the set there, and they were talking about, oh, yeah, this is a scene where he's apparently on like a fishing boat, and everybody's like, well, they're taking that straight from Smallville because Smallville season eight begins with Clark just goes off and he's sort of living this nomad lifestyle working on a fishing boat. So there's a lot of little things in here that seem to be very suspicious of the, where Christopher Nolan was coming up with the idea for this movie, which there's another thing we have to talk about soon, the Christopher Nolan's involvement. Uh, he probably was watching a lot of Smallville because there's a lot more things to come. But yeah, the, the Pete scene on the bus, I mean, I find it more interesting that he doesn't look like a bully and that Clark just sits there and takes it from him because you would expect with a really tough guy, well, maybe he's intimidated or whatever. But you get this, you know, weak little chubby redheaded kid picking on Clark. And it just shows you even more how calm Clark has to be in. You know, he could in a second just let this kid drown or anything. Just mock him, um, burn a hole through his eyes or something. <laughs> something, you know, gentle. But he doesn't. Um, but even that bus scene, I mean, there's... There's a lot of emotion in there, like when he comes up on the water, and that kid looks exactly like Tom Welling. Yeah. I mean, not even like just in a Superman way. I remember seeing that shot, which was in the trailer of him coming up out of the water after the bus, and I'm like, did they get like Tom Welling's younger brother or something? Uh, and even the scene, you know, with uh, Jonathan, it's a new spin on things. You know, we we had a lot of that in Smallville of you don't want to reveal your powers, or even in Superman the movie, you know, because uh, people are going to come by and ask questions, and this whole kind of the opposite of with great power comes great responsibility. It's almost like with great power comes a lot of restraint, Clark. <laughs> and I, I love the way that Kevin Costner plays Jonathan Kent. You know, he's like the perfect blend, even though he is like the young hunky Jonathan Kent, you know, kind of like uh, John Schneider in Smallville. He just, he has this humble, it's like, it, it feels like he's born to play Jonathan Kent. And I remember when all the casting came out, I'm like, Henry Cavill is Superman. Yeah, okay. And Amy Adams is Lois Lane. I'm like, ah, oh, all right. <laughs> 
Russell Crowe is Jarrell, okay, kind of, and then Jonathan Kent is Kevin Costner. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> he was born to play Jonathan Kent. It's yeah. just perfect. Um, what other scenes did we have in there? Uh, uh, the bicycle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the ship scene. <laughs> Another thing directly out of Smallville. You go back and you watch the first episode of Smallville. Clark grew up probably to the age of fifteen when Smallville started believing oh there's just something different about him and then one day his dad's like i think i gotta tell you what the real story is and he shows him the ship and he says this it's like exactly the scene from smallville and i'm not you know faulting the movie for it it's definitely not the most original take because we did see it very recently but it's effective still and you feel for this kid still like finding this out so late in life um the the bar scene I mean, did that get a huge laugh when you saw it? Like, there's not a lot of laughs in this movie. Well, I saw it by myself. I didn't see it at the movies, so um, I laughed. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> ben was like, ah! "My uh, cat laughed." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember like a sold-out theater, and there's really no laughs in this entire movie. And when that shot of the truck being impaled on uh, the hydro pole or whatever showed, it was like just burst out laughing, and I, it's. Again, it's a great way of showing, like, Clark's humble, where he's like, I'm just going to have to ask you to leave, sir, you know? And then he just does, like, the, the biggest dick move ever. Like, I'm going to make sure you don't even have a ride home. <laughs> uh, what else? See, I'm getting lost how much we cover here. That's, Are we that's, done? That's, I said all of it. Uh. <laughs> and so, General Zod and Clark fight, and no! And <laughs> snapped at the end of the scene. Yeah, and scene. Um... Yeah. Yeah, it's basically where we're up to. But, I mean, I've just looked here. So, I believe this is also the first time Pete has been in a movie. Like, I mean, obviously he was in Smallville. Uh, but, like, I don't... Was he not in any of the other Superman movies? According to Wikipedia, no. he wasn't. So No. Uh, I mean, they had Lana in the third Superman movie. And I always thought that Pete would have been a great character. In fact, this is kind of... When I said I came up with like my own story for Superman at one point, you know, when they were struggling to do these and you know, there was a Brett Ratner project and there was the Tim Burton project. And I'm like, I, I know what I would do with Superman. And basically it ended up being a combination of Man of Steel and Superman Returns. And the idea I always had was that you bring Pete Ross in there. And what do you do if there's a character that knew about him when he was a kid and now you become an adult and there's other people asking questions. I mean, that would be something interesting to explore. I love that they included Pete in here because it's different but it would have been great if they just went all out with it and Pete was a part of this plot. And, you know, how does uh, anybody else, how does the military, how does Zod find out who he is? Well, you get to Pete Ross, this, you know, weak little guy at the IHOP. Yeah. I mean, also, I should say, Smallville uh, sort of uh, throwbacks. Um, the bus crash, I mean, does that not remind you of when he saves Lex from the car in Smallville as well? Yeah. Uh, and even at the same time, you know, that was going off the bridge, but there's uh, Superman the movie when the earthquake starts or whatever, and one of the sequences is uh, a bus full of kids that's about to go off a bridge, and you know he just manages to save the bridge and the kids. Like, yeah, that's kind of like your your typical Superman thing. That and like a train. Those are the two things you have to include at some point. I, I always think about these things about how the media would cover these certain you know things, and like how's the media portray this bus crash off the bridge in Smallville, Kansas? Oh yeah, they all survived. Uh, a boy was seen saving them. Oh, okay, cool. That's fair enough. He, Moving on. He says. I'm trying to figure out the timeline here with all of these because he says later in the movie when he does surrender, uh, you know, I've been living on this planet for like, what do you say, 34 years or something like that? 33 years. I live in Kansas. I'm no more American. I can't be more American or something. Yeah. So, like, let's say he's 13 at this scene here. It's 20 years earlier. This is, what, 1993? 
I don't think the media in Kansas was <laughs> national news. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it would be if a boy saves people from a bus that's drove over well, the bridge. Come on. But I think the other thing is that, you know, there's a couple of kids in that bus that knew what was going on. But for the most part, Pete would have been the only one because I think the whole idea with Pete being involved is he was underwater. He was drowning. He saw Clark push this bus out, whereas the rest of the kids are like panicking and all of a sudden their bus is on ground and Clark's hanging on to the back. You could explain that off. Pete probably saw it from underwater. Well, doesn't, though, when... Don't we see Lana's mum? Is that Lana's mum? When they say, like, Lana saw what he... That's when we hear Lana's name for the they first drop, Yeah, they dropped Lana's name in there, too. I guess she was looking out the back at Clark as this happened, too. So maybe more than one person. Just setting up, uh, you know, 10 seasons of uh, Will They, Won't They? <laughs> Yeah. Just uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, right. So we we meet Lois Lane. Yay! Um, okay. <laughs> everyone's favorite reaction to Amy Adams. Yeah, she's <laughs> adequate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look. I, I again, I have nothing against Amy Adams. I mean, she she's just very plain, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a good thing either. Like she's just she's the Switzerland of Lois Lane. She's just neutral. She's like, eh, you know. And like, I mean, before you even get into the scenes, just kind of an opinion from you here. We get more of the, you know, uh, reporter Lois Lane in this than anything we've ever seen before. Probably more of the ballsy Lois Lane than we've ever seen. The times where it's been played like by Margot Kidder or Erica Durant in the past, it's almost been more of a comical ballsiness. And this is maybe so real ballsy. Uh, that it's just not fun, and maybe that's the thing that's missing, is that Lois isn't a fun character anymore. Mm. Yeah, she does, she's, like, Lois Lane to me is quirky, and, like, you yeah. know, she's got a bit of, well, she's quirky. There's no other way to really to describe it, and, like, she doesn't have that about her in this movie, does she? Like, she's, I mean, I know they're There's... kind of darkening the Superman, you know, universe and kind of grounding it, and, you know, a lot of criticisms about this was, you know, it's Superman, you don't need to darken it, but, like, I mean... Henry Cavill Clark still has a few little charming moments as Clark Kent. Yeah. There's not really, like, the only bit I can think of is when she's like, oh, they say it's all downhill after the first kiss. Like, that's basically it from her. I can't think of any other kind of, like, quirky moments from her in this film. You know, there's the moment where wherever it is she's drinking in that bar, she just downs it in one shot, and the guy's sort of looking at her like, what are you made of? And then, <laughs> like, some of the scenes with Perry White, you, you get this good rapport with them, but I don't feel like either her or Lawrence Fishburne were given enough material to really work with that. It would have been better to give them more scenes together to bring out the quirkiness of both the Perry White and Lois. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, we'll get to Morpheus. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's coming up. Uh, but So anyway, we, we meet Lois. She's on a helicopter. She lands in the middle of Canada because why wouldn't they allow a reporter onto a top-secret military base in uh, far reaches of Canada? Uh, I, As a journalist myself, I often got invited to uh, secret military bases in the middle of Australia, but I often had to turn them down. Uh, <laughs> Come see all our secrets, eh? <laughs> Seriously, like... Really? Like, <laughs> who's to blame here? Canada or America? Because this seems to be like American military, but are just Canadians so nice? Like, oh, yeah, we'll let the Americans in, but oh, we're Irish now too. Uh, oh, we don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> ben, don't do accents. Anyway, um, she lands. Um, we get introduced uh, to, bear with me, bear with me, uh, Christopher Maloney, uh, <laughs> Colonel Hardy. This is the, yeah, Colonel Hardy. Colonel yeah. Hardy, um, who doesn't like to shake a hand, because why would you? Because she works for the Daily Planet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
Like, I love how they've got, like, this reputation, oh, I don't like the Daily Planet. Um, I mean, nobody likes newspapers generally at all, so, I mean, that's kind of where it comes from. We also meet uh, Richard Schiff, um, Emil, mm-hmm. do- is it Dr. Hamilton? Dr. Emil Hamilton, I'm reading his full name. Yeah, Dr. Emil Hamilton. We'll just call him he's, Richard He's Schiff. a comic book character, too. And, oh, is he? Uh, another, another Smallville thing coming up, we'll find out in a future scene, I'll mention it, where... Uh, there's a cool Emil Hamilton moment from Smallville with this. We get the uh, stock standard um, girl power line of, well, if we're ready, stop measuring dicks. Can we get to it? Because, you know, yeah. we need to establish the fact that she's a tough woman. Uh, and, of course, what better way to understand that she's a tough woman than a dick reference and that she's tougher than both of these men? I, look, I I get why they put these in movies. Like, ha-ha, she's standing up to the tough military jerks who are being a dick to her. But, like... Do we really need it? Like, can we just have a scene where we know she's a tough woman without resorting to dick references? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, we just spent about, you know, five minutes there going off on how hilarious the word dick splash is. So I don't know if we're the authorities to cut the dick references And four, four, four hours worth of mean. dong references in face-off. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but I, I do get what you mean. I mean, it's, it's kind of just that typical thing you have to have in every single movie. And... Find a more creative way to do it. That's all I'd say. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, we kind of we get her her living quarters. It's a bit funny, you know. There's a bucket in the corner. You can pee in that. <laughs> um, don't go outside. It's minus forty. Uh, I mean, like, have we? Do we actually establish what? Like, because she's there, but then she sneaks off into this cave. Which again, security is amazing at this top secret military base in Canada. Um, because they just allow reporters of all people to just snoop. Like, seriously? Like, the one person you don't want to snoop, you're letting snoop. Um, is there a step, like, she never gets an interview with any of these guys? She never, like, she just goes back. What is she there for? Like, why is she there? (laughs) Yeah, because she takes pictures, but she takes pictures where she's not supposed to. Exactly. So is she just going to write this? The room was bare. There was a bucket (laughs) in the corner. Guys were measuring their dicks outside. Um, it's your typical Canadian winter. And, and you just, you've got to imagine that, you know, not only should she have Perry saying, no, we're not running this story, she should have the US military saying she snuck yeah. off into restricted areas. It is against the law for her to publish this. We will, uh, you know, force charges on you. Um, like, I don't know, we're just nitpicking for nitpicking's sake. But anyway, um, she sneaks out in the middle of the night from her tough assignment of telling people to stop measuring dicks. Um, and we also should have mentioned that when she gets off the helicopter, she meets Joe Adam again, because uh, there's yep. Clark. He's managed to get a job carrying bags off a helicopter in a top secret military. Ex- like, <laughs> there's so many questions about this scene. <laughs> and then, like, so Lois sneaks off in the middle of the night. She can climb a cliff. Good on her. She's got lots of skills that we don't know about. Again, I miss that in my journalist training. Um, she ends up in a cave because she sees in a photo a, a mysterious figure walking around. That's why she gets led up there. And while she's in this cave, um, Adam, Clark, Joe just happens to be there as well. I mean, he's been working at this military base for how long and just happens to be the one night that the journalist is there that he happens to go exploring in this cave. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in this. He discovers this spaceship. Uh, obviously, it's an old Kryptonian ship from what we will discover. Uh, basically, Kryptonians went around the universe, went exploring, um, set up outposts on a variety of different planets. I, li- I like kind of that little story there. Again, uh, my huge Superman fandom, where I don't know if that's ever, ever been explored before in comics or the movies, but I kind of like that little story there. Um, and we get him talking to his dad. He's daddy. He's Jor-El. It's Russell Crowe. Um, I like Russell Crowe in this movie. 
Uh, I think mm-hmm. he I think he plays a good Jor-El. I mean, he's no Marlon Brando, but I mean, you know, he's he's decent. Was it Terrence Stamp, wasn't yeah. he? He went from Zod to Jor-El in uh, Superman. Small, uh, Smallville, yeah. sorry. Um, but yeah, I like him. It's kind of, it's, kind of uh, it's interesting how they explain these visions of him that he's basically a computer programmed person that can talk to him on this ship, but somehow can like explain and like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. If only your mother could have seen you growing up or whatever. Like, why isn't like um, his mum like <laughs> programmed into the computer? Like, if this is what they knew they could do, like, oh, I can see you growing up. But um, obviously, like he explains a little bit. Um, there. Am I jumping ahead there? He explains a little. Oh no, he explains more on the Fortress of Solitude. We'll get to that. But anyway, so like Clark's here fighting with the weird robot face metal thing. Um, Lois also sees it. She takes a photo, and her Nikon camera is destroyed. Can we just point out the branding there? Um, and then Clark sees all this, saves her. Basically, you think? Can I just say it's a bit rapey? Like he undoes a jacket. Like, oh god, what are you doing here? And like you're hemorrhaging internally. I, <laughs> Am I the only I one? I think it's called that? saving a life, Ben. Well, I mean, she's a stranger. Like she's like thinking, like, why is this hunky guy like undoing my clothes? Like. You know, stranger danger and all it's that. It's Henry Cavill. I mean, she's about True. to die, and if anybody walks in there, I mean, Henry Cavill's about as good as it gets for her. <laughs> I mean, it's if it's Henry Richard Schiff, like, which one do you want undressing you and cauterizing your wounds with her eyes? I don't know. Richard Schiff would do a decent job. Uh, <laughs> pretty sexy, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> Conventionally sexy, but, you know, he's thinking man sexy. I don't know where I'm going. What's funny to me is that you made that as a joke and I laughed and you continue to go on. It's like, he's a little bit sexy, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. Maybe. Get Jamie on the line. Is he Tom Welling sexy or Terrence Stamp sexy? Which one is it? Oh, God. Shut up. Um, Now... Uh, he saves Lois, uh, basically the spaceship, uh, takes off, um, and of course at this point nobody decides to take photos of this or film it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody in... I mean, if they did, it's the military, they're not going to share it. But even then, like, the small rural towns of Canada that are nearby here don't see it. Uh, <laughs> they're all off, you know. They don't have cameras in those places. They sleep in igloos and ride to school in dog sleds. <laughs> Uh, we then, we meet Perry White for the first time, uh, of course it's, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, aka Morpheus, um, I know he's played other roles, but I only know him as Morpheus, because everyone should know him as Morpheus, um, <laughs> but, uh, he's Lois basically, uh, showing the story, and Perry, being the typical editor, says, no, this story sucks, um, and then she just has to brag, I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, okay, cool, like, that's great. Um, I don't necessarily walk around going, I'm a online reality award winning podcast host. Like it doesn't really, yeah. which country was it? You got that award from it was like the Czech Republic and Slovakia. So like, I've never been there. I'm sure I could pull some favors when I go there. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben Waterworth. Yes. You win award twice. Um, <laughs> that's a better accent. Uh, <laughs> so that sounds like a poo. It <laughs> <laughs> was more Russian a poo. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, he's not going to publish a story. She threatens to quit. She's under contract, which I don't get how that works in the newspaper. I had a contract, but I still quit. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> clearly, I wasn't a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, so it didn't matter. Uh, then she buggers off to a bar and sells a story to a guy who has a blog, um, which is nice. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll 
go to the uh, Fortress of Solitude here. We we know we're in the Arctic because there's a polar bear. Uh, <laughs> just in case, in case Either you that or a Canadian a Canadian on snowshoes. Those are the two giveaways. Unless you thought we're in downtown Toronto here. Uh, or, still in, <laughs> or still in Kansas. Maybe you thought we were still in Kansas until you saw That's the polar right. bear. You're like, fuck, we're in Kansas. Oh, no, it's a polar bear. Can't be Kansas. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the Fortress of Solitude, so here we are. Here's uh, Russell Crowe again. I am your father, Cal. Not quite the uh, extent of I am your father, Luke. No, it's not possible. Um, I love it. I've written here. Uh, you know, he, what does, he, what does uh, Clark say? I have so many questions. He asks like two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dad, I have so many questions. Who am I and where do I come from? Oh, that's it? Oh, okay. <laughs> but this is obviously the, uh, the big explanation we hear, as I said, uh, sort of the, the Kryptonians have explored the universe, have got outposts, they ran out of resources, we learn about the planet imploding, we learn about Zod attempting the coup, uh, and then we also learn a little bit about Kryptonians, that they're all programmed, you're either going to be a leader, a warrior, or a worker. Um, and then we kind of get this whole backstory about, oh, we thought, what if a child wanted to do something different and have dreams? And, okay, fair enough. So that's why they decided to be the first people to have sex on Krypton in thousand centuries. Um, and then we kind of get a weird explanation of, like, because Clark's basically like, well, why didn't you come with me when you sent me off here to Earth? And, like, does, does it actually get explained why they don't go with him? Because they just kind of say, we couldn't. Like, and I've written here, why? Like, why, well, why couldn't yeah, you go with him? I mean, I, I kind of chalk it up to they don't want to retell everything that they did in the original Superman because most of what we're seeing with this origin stuff are here's some new twists we're going to throw out there. In the original, it was that the council completely forbade him from doing it. And he's like, well, we can't leave, but they didn't forbid me from you know shooting my son off into space. And it was sort of like a last minute thing. There are some timeline things here that make this a little bit harder to swallow, which I'll talk about in a bit. Uh, well, I'm just going to lump a few of these bits in here because we we get the suit, we get the super suit. Here it is, the House of L. Of course, the S doesn't mean um, well. We get that in the scene, don't we? It means hope, right? Um, so yeah. um, we see it for the first time. Just a quick note on the suit. I mean, it's kind of we did a little bit in the Spider-Man ones. I feel about sort of the updated look of the suit. I mean, it's kind of hard to sort of update the Superman suit to the extent of what you you can with the Spider-Man one, I guess. But I mean. Just quickly, do you like this version of the, the super suit in, in Man of Steel? Yeah, I mean, I, I like any version of the Superman suit. I mean, the, the the shield is what makes it. It's that S that makes the suit. And everything else is just... I know a lot of people complained about some of the suit changes because what they did was... And I don't know if it was... It was probably more likely the comics because I think the comics started publishing this form of the suit around the time this movie was being made. Guaranteed DC said, we're going to be unveiling a new suit, make it like this. They're, they're ditching the underwear on the outside of the pants, which doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, like the utility belts are gone, and it's, it's a little bit more of a blue thing. I actually really like the suit. I think it, it makes it look more modern, and why shouldn't Superman have his first uniform change in 75 years? <laughs> uh, I mean, one thing I actually I was reading about the trivia, which is kind of interesting, and it's sort of maybe a bit of a player, a reference to, the, you know, the iconic underwear on the outside, was that 
these, this suit is technically the undergarments for Kryptonians because, as we will see, yeah. the battle suits, as you've already mentioned what we saw before when we were on Krypton, kind of when Zod later on removes his and he's got his sort of version of this. I mean, it's kind of a play on that, isn't it, that this is their undergarments from what they generally do wear. <laughs> Uh, which I it's their long johns. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's their long johns. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting, kind of the, the absence of the underwear sort of look, um, which you know, I mean, it's iconic, but it's also kind of funny at the same time. Um, <laughs> but we get this kind of like nice little scene here of him sort of flying, falling. Uh, it's not flying; it's falling with style. Um, Toy Story yeah. reference. Um, but, and then kind of we get, you know, the inspiration. You're going to give people of Earth hope to strive towards, you know, because Superman is the ultimate, you know, they say American hero, but I mean, Earth hero, come on. Like, this is why, to me, Superman's the greatest superhero of all. Like, he's just, he's awesome. Um, and then I like it how he's, like, falling through and he's, like, flying through the horses and there's all the weird zooming in effect on again, but it just looks amazing. Kind of like going back to that shaky cam sort of look. Um, and I mean... This is just, like, cinema, if you... People out there kind of want to see just how far cinema has come. Like, how iconic and how groundbreaking it was when the original Superman came out to sort of that flying effect that Christopher Reeve have. I mean, that was always kind of considered iconic and amazing looking back when that was released. And kind of, you know, this is just up the ante in terms of just how amazing this actually looks. Um, Which is interesting to think, because going back to what I said earlier, I think visual effects in this film are amazing. And it just... It looks as real as you can possibly make a man fly. I mean, I don't know how more realistic you could do this unless you literally are making a man fly. I don't know if you kind of... You'll believe yeah, a you, man can fly. You'll believe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know, like, if you think it just... can they? Does this hold up? I mean, it's only four years old, but, I mean, it still looks yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, the effects are flawless. Uh, and especially when you see them in action. I mean, it's just... it's. They found a new way to film it, and this is uh, – I think I talked about this in the Wonder Woman review that Jamie and I did. They found these ways to film their action scenes to make it look unique, um, and it would be very easy to just get up and being too cartoony. And you know they've grounded so much in reality that I think the effects completely are pulled off. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know, like, we'll get to a bit, you know, when we kind of get the, the word Superman used, and this thing's only used once, is it not, in this entire film. Um, but we, they never went for the cheesy, it's, is it a bird? Is it a plane? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we kind of needed a throw to that. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, we kind of then obviously get Lois doing a bit of explanation throughout this, um, you know, going back to rural Canada and asking questions. We actually get a person saying, that's Joe! Um, because why not? Uh, or is it Adam? Or is it, is it Cluck Adam? Um, <laughs> then we, we're back in Smallville. Here's Pete Ross, and he's at an IHOP. Uh, because why wouldn't he work at an IHOP? Um, can I just point out, like, I know a lot of, this film gets a lot of criticism for its product placement. I'm, I personally am a person that never gets the deal why people complain about product placement. Because, yeah, I mean, to make a movie more realistic, you need to have products that we use in everyday life. It's like, I, I mean, sometimes, yeah, there are definite examples where you know what they're doing, but, like, I remember somebody, I read somewhere that people complained about Castaway because of the overuse of FedEx. Now, that movie, to me, doesn't work as well if you don't have that in it. And, like, this bit, exactly. like, he works at an IHOP, and people are, oh, it's, it's product placement. What do you want to make up? He works at Kansas Hop. Like, if they make up a fake restaurant... Yeah. <laughs> Like, to me, it doesn't have the same effect. Like, 
IHOP is American. It's a it's a it's a staple of American culture in terms of whether you like it or not. It's there. So like, of course, in rural Kansas, they're going to have an IHOP, and of course, Pete Ross, the bully, is calling people dick splat. He's going to work at an IHOP. So I don't get why people complain about product placement in this movie. No, and it's the same people who complain. Oh, every time they use five 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 in a movie, it just oh. totally takes you out of the story. It's like. Well, you can't complain that one thing is clearly, you know, the fictionalized version and, oh, I want that more realistic than complain there's product placement. There are times where it goes too far, like Smallville is a good example. And I even have a lot of defenses for the way Smallville does it because uh, they were one of the first shows to catch on. You know, people aren't watching TV. They're not watching commercials anymore. We can't charge what we used to for, uh, you know, advertising dollars. But if we could put it in the show, yeah. you know, find a way to do that, then suddenly we get enough money. We don't have to make our effects look cheap anymore. And it's I, the same thing with movies. Yeah, and I will say I'm probably a fan of it too because as a podcast host who gets paid no money, I would gladly sit here and haul myself out to any company that's willing to give us money. I would sit here right now and go, and now to the IHOP reference of the minute, um, like I would gladly do it. IHOP, give us money. I, again, I've never eaten yeah. there. Uh, I hear it's okay. <laughs> I've been to Denny's. They, they I, mean, just, I hear it's similar to Denny's. I mean, you know. I'm, I'm sorry to say they, they just opened, the, I mentioned, the first IHOP here in Winnipeg. And uh, Jamie did call to find out if they had anything gluten-free on the menu. And they're like, uh, um, <laughs> okay, I think maybe the omelet is gluten-free. So I won't be going to IHOP, but hey, I'll endorse it still. Wow. Okay. Uh, gluten-free omelets at IHOP. Yes. Brought to you by the Off Network. Yes. Go to your local IHOP and ask them about their gluten-free menu. They might know if they've got one or not. That's IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> That's IHOP. What a great American institution. Um, so, yeah, so Lois Lane is digging around. Um, she goes to Martha. Don't say that name. Uh, Milfi Arthur, whatever her name is. Milfi Arthur. Uh, that's a different person altogether. <laughs> Milfa. Um, she shows up there. Then she, of course, ends up going to uh, Jonathan Kent's grave. Here comes Clark. Why wouldn't he show up at this point? And she's like, oh, I knew if I turned over a few stones, he would show up eventually. Um and then, obviously, through this, um, we get the flash. I'm going to lump this basically to the flashback here. So through kind yeah. of their first meeting, we get the flashback. We see here uh, Jonathan Kent's death, which all, of course, ties us back into Twister. Uh, uh, did you see Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton in the background? I did. Um, no, but I, I did see. We got cows! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is obviously how uh, Jonathan sadly dies. We get uh, Clark having a weird argument with him. Uh, you're not my dad. You're just some guy who found me in a field. I often say that to my dad when I don't get my way. It doesn't work in the same uh, context. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the thing, like, this is a tragic scene, of course, because, you know, they're all hiding under an overpass and Jonathan has to go back and save their dog. Um, and then, of course, like, Clark wants to save him, but he's like, no, now's not the time because you can't show off your abilities to all these people uh, in the under the underpass. Now, two questions I raise here. Jonathan initially says to Clark, no, I'll go get the dog. Like, why? Like, he knows his son's ability. Clark doesn't have to show off his powers at this point. He can just go and rescue the dog. He's not going to have yeah. his legs stuck in the thing because he's man of steel. So he's going to be able to bend it back and clearly come back through there. So, like... Got to say here, Jonathan's kind of responsible for his own death in a way here. Um, yeah. And another thing too that I read about this is apparently it's actually a directive of the of FEMA or whoever controls sort of the weather alerts in the US 
that hiding under an underpass is a very bad thing. This actually caused a bit of controversy with this film because apparently it used to be a regular, you know, a staple that people would say in, like, Kansas and, you know, all these places in America where they're frequent with, you know, Oklahoma and those sort of places that hide under an overpass is a standard thing. But then there was a, a tornado which killed a bunch of people because it wasn't safe. So, therefore, they complained about this movie saying, oh, people are going to watch this and think you can hide under an overpass during a tornado. It's a bad thing to do. So that's just like an the instant. scene takes place in 1997. People <laughs> don't take it so seriously. <laughs> the things people. This is 20 about. years ago. Um, but yeah, sadly, that's it. He puts his hand up. That's sort of an iconic meme now. Uh, him putting his hand yeah. up. Uh, if no one's ever seen it out there, it's, it's turned into a meme. Um, and then obviously we flash back to Clark and sort of saying to Lois about yeah, let my father die. You know, convinced that I had to wait a little bit more to the world. Because this is kind of that scene where, you know, Lois knows who he is. Um, he's saying, well, look, the world isn't ready for me just yet. And then kind of that's obviously going to ultimately lead to, well, when is the world going to be ready for you? So, again, I've put in a lot of scenes there. But, um, yeah, that's that's what we're up to in this point. We will be under four hours, people. <laughs> that's all that matters. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention just before I forget was um, – the Emil Hamilton thing because you have Richard Schiff playing Emil Hamilton, which I'm like, oh, cool, that's a character from the comics. And then there's a guy who's sitting at a computer, which I don't even know if you remember. It's this guy with you know glasses who's one of the desk jockeys there in this bunker, and he he's talking to Emil Hamilton in that scene. That guy is the guy that played Emil Hamilton on Smallville. Oh, for like three seasons, I wow. think. And he was probably one of the more major characters in the final season too. So another area where it's like, no, we didn't take any inspiration from Smallville. This is a completely unique Superman story. Let's put Emil Hamilton in there talking to Emil Hamilton. Uh, that, that's kind of a fun thing. Not that Emil Hamilton is like the greatest character ever, but uh, uh, I liked Richard Schiff in this movie. I, I kind of wish that he would have a bigger role or even you know a role in the future movies because it is a character that's not like a key character, but it's a character that would pop up in pretty much any DC story. So maybe there is hope for him to still appear after that. Um, yeah, Lois wandering off and no security watching this. Kind of weird, but I would explain it as, you know, Clark has been studying this. My guess is that Clark has been working at the bar while also working here. And it's kind of just, you know, he's pulling double duty and he's done his research. He knows how to get away. If there were cameras, Clark would have fried them. He would have known where they were. I mean, we saw... Him and Alicia in that elevator in Smallville. What was the first thing he did? He fried the cameras. Um, what was it? Sarah Carter. Come on the show, Sarah Carter. We need to talk to you about the Man of Steel, too. We still got to get her, Ben. Well, Work on it. Of course. Uh, She's my whole pass, even though I don't need one because I'm single. But <laughs> thought I'd point that out. Um, yeah, like you mentioned the whole cauterizing the wound thing. I don't know how you could come across that as rapey. Because I'm sick She's and fucked and demented, all right? That's where I go <laughs> with those scenes. I'm an idiot. Or you're just too sensitive. <laughs> that too. Sensitive. I've been told I can't take criticism, uh, and that wasn't... Cri- I don't know where I'm just... I shouldn't talk. Okay, this is... Um, I'm not going to call this a plot hole, because Kryptonians, they're evolved, you know? <laughs> when the technology works, they're going to stick with it. But the idea is that this scout ship is 18,000 years old, Right. Yes. Or did I miss that? Was that the right year? No, I, 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 I've written here on my notes 18,000 years, so I'm going to assume that that okay. is correct. So a lot of things have changed here, obviously, um, because the suits are different for one. You know, all the suits that Jarrell and Zod and Lara and everybody are wearing on Krypton, they're, 
they're similar, but they're like gray. And here we have this blue suit, and that's what's cool about this is that the suit is, like you said, it's like a flight suit almost, or, or undergarment, whatever you want to call it. It's it's just the first layer of your Mantines. uniform. Yeah, it's the Mantis. Yeah, it's the onesie. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the L family onesie. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I have a Superman onesie. You remind me to tell you the story. Oh, about God, later. you've got everything. I didn't I'll see a photo of you in that. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell it now. Um, from my bachelor party... Uh, it wasn't like a crazy bachelor party or anything. I had like kids there and stuff, but no, we went to restaurant. <laughs> my nephews heard them. Even, even like Canadian Colin, who just learning about sex on these podcasts, can't do the standard bachelor thing of going to see strippers. Oh no, we've got to have kids there. Unless they were kids strippers, and that's another to, story. <laughs> I went to a Mongolian restaurant, and then we went to a really cool place called the Golf Dome, which is like an indoor, you know interactive oh, golf thing is cool party but anyways <laughs> so you know kind of the tradition here is you humiliate the upcoming groom in the bachelor party and because of my thing with superman my brother who's my best man bought me a superman onesie he's like you have to wear this for the entire night and i didn't want to wear it at the restaurant just because we go there all the time so they're like you know you have to at least wear it and you have to make like a dramatic exit with it where somebody's like uh <laughs> saying they need help and then you run out and so basically what it was, and I did wear it the whole time of the second half when we were at the golf dome, but after we finished eating, I went and I changed the Superman onesie, and uh, I was forced to – there's a gong there you ring at this restaurant called Mongo's. And when you ring the gong, it's just the thing you do to give tips. And my friend who was there, he rings the gong, and he goes, help me, help me, save me, Superman. And I have to run out of there flying like Superman and uh, spout off the um, – the, I guess, logo or slogan of the, the restaurant, which is, it's fast, it's fresh, it's nutritious and delicious. And I grab my friend and run out the door. <laughs> wow. Wow. So they should, ma- they should make a fourth hangover movie based on your bachelor party. <laughs> this is Canadians. But, uh, <laughs> Canadian hangover. Know. Oh, hey, I've got a bit of a headache. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I need to wear a Superman onesie and uh, run out of a restaurant saving another grown man. Why is there a chicken there, uh, eh? Oh, I don't know. Let's return it home. Okay. <laughs> Irish again. Eh. I'll go back to a poo. Anyway, so I have a Superman onesie. So uh, maybe I'll wear it one of these days and show you a picture. Uh, but, yeah, this this suit is different. So obviously some things have changed over the years. That's why he has this old school looking suit with all the colors. An 18,000 year old ship. And it's running the same software that they have 18,000 years later because he plugs this thing in and it's drills. Hi, I'm your father. I mean, this isn't Windows 10. I mean, at this point, they're like Windows ME on this ship. <laughs> this is like Windows 95 or something. Windows or... ME. <laughs> it's the first time that's been mentioned in about 18 years. <laughs> and this is 18,000 years. I mean, who knows what they're running. And it just works. I don't know. I mean... I've got USB drives, you know, that, that probably won't work in the next six months. And <laughs> here, this miraculous works. And the other question I have, and not, this is jumping ahead because, well, you covered half the movie. Might as well just jump all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jarrell, when he's telling the story about Zod's uprising. Now, how does this technology work? And this is something that I would have the complaint with even in the original Superman movie. Because he gives the history, at least in Superman 2. And people are going to say, oh, Superman 2, it was his mom doing it, so it's different. Even the Richard Donner version, which includes those Marlon Brando scenes that were cut from the second, they're all talking about, you know, Zod did this and we banished him to the Phantom Zone. 
But he's sending Clark away right after that. I mean, the timeline on Krypton is he's saying, you know, we need to – the planet's going to be destroyed. Oh, and Zod just came in the room right now. Oh, Zod's starting an uprising. Okay, let me go save my son. Oh, I saved my son. Now Zod killed me. When did he have time at any point when he's running back and he's like, Zod started an uprising. He's taking over the planet. we got to get Kal-El to Earth. Hold on a second. And he sets up a microphone and a little webcam. It's like, hello, I'm your father. Jor-El. Can't do that again. There was a leader named Zod. An evil man. Started a rebellion approximately 35 seconds ago. He had no time to do this. Why do we destroy movies we like? (laughs) And again, I'm destroying even the original Superman movie because it's the same thing there. Uh, One thing they did get right here with the Jarrell scenes is, uh, and it's one of the things people criticize Russell Crowe for. I've heard some people say, you know, I don't know what it is, but I love Russell Crowe in the Krypton scenes. And then I thought his performance was really flat and dull in the other scenes. He's playing a computer program for the second half. You can't figure out why his performance was kind of dull and robotic and, you know, wooden for the second half. He's supposed to be in. My question is, do you like that or do you even notice it? Or would you rather him be like Marlon Brando, who's like, you're understanding it's taking like kind of his consciousness and not even his consciousness. It's just a program that, you know, is running based on his memories and stuff like that. It's not going to sit there having a tear roll down his cheek and says, it's so good to see you, my son. I never thought I'd see you grow this big. Look, you got that <laughs> chest hair. Give me a give of a cuddle. Oh, look at those abs. You want to play me? Oh, on Tasmanian. Uh- <laughs> but, I mean, people like to compare it because, well, Marlon Brando was Marlon Brando. And he had so much emotion in those scenes. And, yeah, that does work dramatically, but we've seen that. And the purpose of Jarrell here is that he is a computer program. So why fault it for being wooden? Like, does it bother you? Not at all. Uh, I honestly didn't pay much attention to that aspect. I mean, look, the thing I think about Russell Crowe is that he, I don't know, like, I've never not liked Russell Crowe in anything I've ever seen him in. And I've never kind of faulted him for any kind of performance. And um, I think kind of, to me, it's obvious it is a computer program at this point. So, like, it's kind yeah. of not expecting anything more from him. So, um, yeah, I I don't have any negatives about him in this movie or kind of his performance post, I'm going to film myself on a webcam and put myself in this section. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I love Russell Crowe, too. I completely agree with you. I mean, there's nothing that Russell Crowe... Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Robin Hood was a little bit dull, um, but I'm not going to fault him for that. I mean, the movie wasn't great. But yeah, Russell Crowe's amazing and everything, and I think he's a perfect Jarrell. Uh, I would love to see some of those scenes. It, it doesn't really make sense. Like, they try a few times to have these more emotional moments where he's connecting with him, but you have to be reminded, he is a computer. So those scenes later on where he just pops up in and out of everywhere, and he's telling Lois, you know, I'll teach you how to do this and this, and first do this, and now duck. You know, it, it's not going to have the same effect if he's like, oh, my God, he's about to punch a duck. <laughs> like, just think about how bad this performance would be if it was the way people wanted. My name is Jorel, father to a murdered son. Husband uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a murdered wife. And, I'll and move to your left because you are about to be punched. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I also find it funny just to think if Jarrell from 
18,000 years later is looking at Cal when he tries on this suit. Does it also bother you that they call him Cal and Jor in this? Like, I know Cal, okay, it's a real name. You can use it. There's something more sophisticated about Kal-El that makes it sound more alien and, and intelligent and advanced. When they call each other Callus, especially when Lara calls him Jor. Behind you, Jor? But, like, but, that but sounds like a nickname. Yeah, I get it. But, like, that would be like me saying, behind you, Colin Hilding. No, I know, but that's what I like about Krypton because there's this whole, um, you know, civilization that's been developed over the years and this culture where everything's so detailed, like even the last names. I mean, if you have never noticed, the women on Krypton, they don't have the name of their husband. They maintain the name that they were born with, like of their father. So if they had had a daughter instead of a son – Let's say, like, what's a random Kryptonian girl's name? Um, Lisa. Ben. Ben. Okay, so. <laughs> wow, okay. Sure. I mean, it's Kryptonian girl. It's no knock against you. <laughs> Thank you. Ben's that makes my name feel better now all of a sudden. <laughs> if you're on Krypton, Ben's a girly name, let's be honest. <laughs> Hi, Ben. <laughs> so little Ben isn't going to be named Ben Elbear. He's going to be named Ben Jor-El. That's why, like... <laughs> Uh, Laura's name is Laura Lorvan. It's like you take your whole father's name. So, and I like that it's that complicated on Krypton. And just calling them Jor, I mean, it's also weird that Zod is actually the second half of his name. That would be like if he was calling Jor-El L. I mean, I'm probably getting a little bit too complicated here if people don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're losing me Kryptonian. all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Stuck on Lisa. His name is actually like, his name is like Drew Zod. Kind of like Kal-El Drew, Drew Zod, Zod. And they just call him Zod. Yeah. What a wimpy name. Zod sounds <laughs> Drew. <laughs> sounds like a girl's name on Krypton. Drew, Drew's like the douchebag water polo player that like gets all the chicks that you just want to punch. I'm Drew. <laughs> Stupid name. That's the douche bro of <laughs> Krypton. Every Drew. Oh. Um but no, I I back to my original point. <laughs> the suit. <laughs> To him, this is like if we're looking back on flashy 70s shirts with frills. I mean, this is bad fashion. Could there be a scene where he's looking at it saying, you know, you may put on that suit, the suit of your forefathers. Oh, yuck, what are you wearing? <laughs> what are those bell bottoms, Cal? <laughs> like, these clothes are so dated that it, when Zod shows up, he should be pointing and laughing at him right now. Dude, what are you wearing? <laughs> Pretty much. Fashion Just fashion magazines on <laughs> Krypton. Yeah. Um, how he tells his odd story, I don't know, but it's just a clever way to fit it in there. Uh, I like this idea. We, we didn't really talk about whether the Phantom, not the Phantom Zone, the, the Fortress of Solitude being just a ship. Is that? Do you wish that you'd had like this big fortress? And I know they're doing the same thing they did in like Amazing Spider-Man or whatever. They're just trying to make it different since they're retelling the whole story. But I think it's a cool idea that the Fortress of Solitude is just a ship, but I kind of wish that we'd get something more, like yeah. the big palace. Yeah, no, I agree. I think to me, when I think Fortress of Solitude, I'm thinking the, you know, the big crystal spikes and, you know, like just the, the elaborate the elaborate nature of it, not just a spaceship. I mean, again, like similar to what you said, I see what they're trying to do here. Something a bit different, why not? But um, yeah, I, I personally like it, how it's generally always been portrayed. And, I mean, a fortress, you know, on Earth or Krypton, clearly it doesn't mean the same thing because that would be like if this is on Earth or, like, you call this the Fortress Solitude, like, I don't call, you know, my mansion the Honda Civic 
house or something like that. I mean, this is just their vehicle, and it's not even a pleasant vehicle. It's a scout ship. It's, Again, it's, it's data references on Krypton, like, you know, the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. Oh, you're still driving around in the Fortress of Solitude yeah. while wearing that? Dude, like, come on. Get with it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, nobody else is going to think about how dated this looks to Zod, but just us. Um, Lois finding him, there's another thing. Like, do you like that Lois finds him quickly? Because that's the thing that people debate. And, I mean, you could say it's not quick. I mean, this probably took her weeks. But it's realistic, and people have complained for so many years. How come Lois can't figure it out? Well, here she figures it out, and it also does fit with the comics because they did go that route, you know, years ago where she found out they ended up getting married and – I think they're even back to that now where, like, Lois knows he's Superman. Um, it just makes sense to have her figure it out. And it also fits more, you know, the whole idea of you have to keep your identity secret from everybody is something that works in the comics because – I think we even talked about this in our Smallville episodes – because the comic character can speak in panels. Their thoughts are in panels. But when you adapt it into a TV show or a movie – that's where they ran into a Smallville for the first season. They're like, Clark has nobody to talk to. And when we have him doing something super, we can't have him always just sneaking off from his friends. Somebody's got to be there. So it makes sense that you would have at least a character that knows him. And why not Lois? I mean, you're not going to have Pete running around with him on the ship, <laughs> on Zod's ship. <laughs> it's always downhill from the first kiss. Um, yeah, I, it's, <laughs> I think you, we talked about it in the Spider-Man one, didn't we? That like sort of the reveal that he's found out as as Spider-Man was like a big deal in the early 2000s. Um, you know, that this was just something that wasn't really found out that early. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't blink an eye at it. Like, I, I don't know if I'm just kind of used to that now that everyone knows everyone. But like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of established, isn't it, in a lot of these that Lois Lane knows who Superman is anyway. So, I mean... To me, it was just like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, you know, it wasn't like, oh my god, they've changed the source material. Let's burn down Warner Brothers. Like, you know, yeah. I think for the most part, people are receptive to it and they like that because it doesn't make her look dumb, the world's greatest reporter. Yeah. Uh, and having her figure it out like this again, it's realistic. And I don't know why there are complaints. This is that movie. And yes, some of the complaints people have about Batman and Superman are like, I can see your complaint. But it's still fun and just treat it as a fun movie. Stop trying to treat it. If, if it had never been characters that were this iconic, nobody would have cared. If this was Thor versus Doctor Strange, people don't care enough to be that critical. Because it's Superman and Batman, they expect it to be, you know, like the Lawrence of Arabia or something or the Godfather. And it's never going to be that. But with this movie, it's it's almost like you mentioned with your friend, like – People have this weird memory like, oh, Man of Steel wasn't that really good. But you can't criticize anything in here. Pretty much everything we're talking about is well-received in this movie. It may not be like the greatest Superman movie you've ever seen, but there's nothing really to criticize here. And like the whole thing with Lois finding out, I mean, I'd love to hear from anybody who thinks that is a bad thing if you're not like some comic book purist. And this is what I think we're going to discover with all these four films that we're covering in the next four weeks of the DC Universe. It's like... They just seem to be the whipping boys of the um, the comic book movies. Um, and as someone who I'm personally much more Team DC than Marvel, again, I've seen more DC movies than the Marvel ones. I mean, it's just... I just... I don't... I can see the criticisms, like what you were saying, but at the same time, like, I don't think some of them are warranted criticisms, you know what I mean? And I think that kind of... Um, you know, from what I've seen of some of the Marvel ones, the, the few I have seen, they seem to go out of their way to just always link crap together and, oh, look, you know, he's Iron Man in the Spider-Man movie for all of it, you know, yeah. um, and just kind of, like, go out of their way to make sure that the next movie's going to follow on with this, that, and everything else. And, like, 
I mean, I, I, I don't know how much, and maybe we can talk about this at the end in terms of how much this was intended to set up the DC Extended Universe. I mean, even Batman vs. Superman, to me, you know, just the, the references, even just the brief little references to all the Justice League crew and then Suicide Squad with just sort of, you know, the brief little mention about, you know, spoiler alert, Superman dying. And then, you know, Wonder Woman, to me, just the brief little Batman Bruce Wayne mentions. Like, they don't go yeah. out of their way to shove it down your throat. Like, to me, they feel like they're almost separate films in, in many aspects. And that's what I like. Mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate about it. It's just like you feel... All four of these films are in the same world, but you also don't feel like it's been shoved down your throat every five seconds. You know, like, the big thing about this, I think, which I remember when it was released, was, like, you know, you had your random LexCorp reference, and then you kind of had your random, like, Bruce Wayne satellite in space. So they're all like, oh, you know, this must mean something. You know what I mean? So... And in all fairness, I think, you know, I'm using the defense... Well, you know, how critical were people of Marvel movies four movies in? And they were just as equally critical. Um, But in comparison, I do think the DC movies are a little bit more subtle with not tying everything together. But even the Marvel movies, you know, their origin stories, they kind of leave a B. It's once you get into the sequels, it's just it's too much tying together. Like Iron Man 2 was just a trailer for the first Avengers. And Captain America Civil War might as well have been called the Avengers Civil War. It's just, yeah, I agree. It's it's. There, there, there's too much of everybody in there. They need to start pulling back a little bit on those. And with these, I enjoy. We talked about this even with the Spider-Man, as you mentioned. I enjoy just being able to have a story that's just a Spider-Man story. And it's cool every once in a while to have these cameos. But when every movie has it now, it's just too much. And my argument too would be that. And look, as someone who's seen yeah three, four Marvel films, I kind of remember. But from what I've been told, and I'm going to catch up on them, I want to watch them, but I've, I've been told by a lot of people that some of these you kind of need to watch in order to kind of get everything. I feel yeah. you can watch each four of these DC ones and not have to see the other ones. Like even Batman vs. Superman. When I saw that, I hadn't seen Man of Steel in like three years. I'd only seen it the once. I couldn't necessarily remember a whole lot of it. But you kind of get a closure bit, I feel, in the beginning of Batman vs. Superman when you kind of got Bruce Wayne when, you know, everything's getting destroyed there in Metropolis. So to me, it's kind of, you can watch these stand alone and not have these other ones. And we'll see, obviously, how that will affect Justice League, I guess, uh, when, you know, that's why we're doing these. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel hopefully in these four films, even though we're kind of nitpicking a few things here, um, that hopefully both our listeners can appreciate the DC universe a little bit more and not just ride on the hate train that these movies seem to get. I think a lot of that's just, you know, the complainers. is like anything else. Because if you look at these movies, they're, they're still well-liked. And when Super- Batman vs. Superman came out, one of the biggest stories on it was the contrast between critics destroying it and audiences walking out, you know, with positive comments. I mean, I think this came with like something like 27%, uh, you know, for critics response. And yet the audience was like in the well in the nineties for opening weekend. So yeah, you're going to have some movies where people watch it a second time, like, Oh, not as good as the first. I mean, I get that with Marvel and DC movies sometimes, but these aren't movies just because there's loud voices on the internet that say we didn't like these. It's not to say that they don't have their fan bases. I mean, Warner Brothers would never have continued on with this if there wasn't positive response. And the evidence of that is Superman Returns and Green Lantern. I mean, Green Lantern was meant to launch the DC universe. And people didn't respond to it, so like, yeah, scrap it. We'll try something else. So obviously yeah. they're on to something here. And you look at Suicide Squad. 
I think that was probably the most panned out of all of them, was it not? And mm-hmm. even the fans seemed to... That wasn't like, like as you were saying, the, the divide between fans and critics was huge on Batman vs Superman. But to me, Suicide Squad just had negative everywhere. It won an Academy yeah. Award, and they're about to make a second one. So, um, yeah. there you go. And I quite like Suicide Squad. Anyway, um, so... Just wanted to quickly add on the go. tornado scene here. Yes. Um, that's the one moment in the movie where I think it kind of takes me out of the movie because... They're not dancing around it. It's not he crashes on Earth and then we flash forward to him as an adult. Uh, it's not the destruction of Krypton happening in the background, you know, in between scenes of Zod sentencing and, you know, Clark landing on Earth. We've seen Jonathan Kent die and it was done so effectively in the original Superman movie. It's probably one of my favorite scenes in movie history, not just like superhero movies, not just fun movies. Jonathan Kent's death scene is amazing in the original Superman there was no way to top that. And this almost is a little bit too brief. And the tornado thing's cool. Um, there are questions about, you know, why he would let him die. It almost seems like Jonathan's a little too quick to just be like, no, it's okay, stay there. And I understand the reason. I love that they show that part of Jonathan's character. It's like, I'm willing to die so that you don't get exposed. And that's going to become a big part of these movies, even with Lois and, you know, the military later on always trying to track him down. Um, but it just, it goes by a little bit too quickly for me. And I don't feel like it, it can resonate enough dramatically when it's just blink and you miss it. The funny thing about that scene to me though, was, you know, Henry Cavill, uh, they're obviously doing some pitching with his voice to make it sound a little bit more high pitched, but he, he plays it well. What's funny is that when we were watching this the other day, uh, Jamie's looking at this and she's like, wow, how did they do that? I'm like, what? It's like, He's like, how did they make that guy look so much like Henry Cavill? And I'm like, that is Henry Cavill. <laughs> like, she was so convinced it wasn't him because, hey, he's not showing off his abs and he's not confident and cool. Jamie doesn't and sexy. look at his face. Jamie just sees his abs. Yeah, exactly. He's got a shirt on. He looks totally different. Was <laughs> um, that Brandon Ralph? Here's a random question: Are there any superhero characters, comics, movies, everything? Where their parents are actually alive? <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man, Tony Stark, Superman, Batman, I mean, Incredible they're, Hulk. They're all dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With great power comes lots of parents dying. Um, yeah. Anyway, speaking of... Who is alive? This is frustrating me a now. a question for everybody out there. Are the Green Lantern's parents alive? No, I, I, we never see them. I wouldn't know. Deadpool? <laughs> Banana Man? God, does Deadpool have <laughs> You say Banana Man? Do you remember Who's Banana that? Man? Do you not remember that cult, no. the cartoon? You've never seen Banana Man? Oh, come on. Oh. Iconic kid show growing up. It was American too, I believe. Oh, was it Australian? No, no, it wasn't. We're not that smart. Um, <laughs> pretty sure it was American. I mean, I know you're Canadian. I'm not claiming that you should know everything American, but I mean, you're, yeah. you're closer to the bloody place than we are. Anyway, look up Banana Man. It's fantastic. Um, it's apparently a fictional character based on a British comic book. Um... But I swear that the TV show was American. Anyway, well, that's that's Banana Man Oz coming soon to the Oz Network. Thank you for joining us in our anniversary <laughs> month here on Banana Man. We're in DC month now. Come on. Uh, <laughs> forget what month we're on. We're taking a month to record these episodes. That's why. Uh, so we're back at the uh, the Daily Planet. Um, we kind of see Doug Stamper for the first time. Uh, <laughs> can I just say, it is so weird seeing Michael Kelly happy. Like, like smiling and being this way because, you know, so used to seeing him as kind of broody Doug Stamper, uh, who is, you know, an amazing character, but like just 
you know, it's, it's weird kind of seeing someone you're used to. Uh, Lois is back. She wants to drop this whole story now, even though she fucking leaked it in the first place. So she's uh, been suspended for, what, two, then three weeks, no pay. Um, and then we kind of get this weird sort of exchange where Perry's all like, whatever your reasons are for dropping it, you're doing the right thing. Um, it's yeah. like, okay, cool. Go Morpheus. Um, and then we're back in Smallville, Clark, um, who, this is a weird bit to me because we just saw him at the grave of Jonathan and yet now he's only going home to see mummy. Like, why? Like, <laughs> it's like, didn't he drop in to see mum? Hi, mum. How you doing? Just going to pop around to dad's grave. I'm alive. Grave. <laughs> yeah. if, if you heard about that oil explosion yeah. or the giant spaceship that lifted off from my next job, you know, I'm okay. I'm all good, mum. Uh, but we sort of get this scene between them and uh, he tells, oh, I found my real parents. I'm so happy for you, Clark, before crying. Um, I mean, it must be hard, obviously. You know, she... I just love how her reaction is kind of like, oh, okay. Like, it's not like, who are yeah. they? Wow, well, 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 tell me more about your race. Like, if you're... If what Casper, planet are you from? If Casper all of a sudden was an alien, like, he might be. Like, you've never had sex. So you probably did find him in the field <laughs> in, like, in Manitoba somewhere. Like, I mean, he's not going to have... You're going to have a bit more reaction. Like, Dad, my alien parents are back. That's nice, son. What else did you do today? <laughs> um, and kind of from there, we, we get the um, the military scene where we uh, we get the whole communication about, oh, what is it? Is it a comet? No, comets don't make course corrections. It kind of reminds me of Independence Day. Um, what is it, Meteor? Yeah. Uh, it's slowing down, sir. It's what? It's slowing down, sir. Um, but um, I was, I've written down here dramatic entrance, just speculating that it's going to make a big dramatic entrance. I mean, these, these are military people who have dealt with spaceships in the Canadian wilderness and all this sort of stuff, and now they're all like, oh, this is a bit, you know, what's going on here? Like, at this point, you know aliens exist. U.S. government. Yeah. Um, and then I love how breaking news is a UFO is sighted. Now, like, are they going to leap to UFO straight away? Like, this is, this is Donald well, Trump. Well, what would you leap to? Unknown object in the sky? Like, and, like, straight away call it a UFO. I know a UFO stands for unidentified flying object. It could technically mean an un- anything in the sky. But, like, if there's, mm-hmm. like, all of a sudden five minutes later, oh, it's just a weather balloon. Like, I mean, they're going to be, like, absolute digs. Donald Trump, fake news. Like, I mean, come on. Um, but it does lead to everybody is doing everything right now. Uh, Clark's watching Kansas State play again because he's in Kansas. Why wouldn't he be watching Kansas State? They don't. I mean, he could have been watching the Chiefs, but no, Kansas State are better. Um, and then Zod is back, and he's taking over all the media in the world. I'm General Zod. I'm from a world far beyond yours. And he's got an American accent, of course, because why wouldn't aliens from another world have an American accent? Um, and then he's basically informing the world, uh, you have one of our, our, one of us is among you. You must return him to us. Uh, otherwise, your entire planet will basically be destroyed. You've got 24 hours or you can suffer the consequences. Um, and like, I like the kind of the shot we've got of all these people around the world, like in different languages, like Zod's very on top of things. Um, he's, he's going to, you know, make sure that people in, um, Egypt hear him in, what do they speak in Egypt? Arabic, uh, you know, China, they speak Mandarin. Like he's very thoughtful Mm -hmm. for the world. Um, and (laughs) why wouldn't he be? He's an evil dictator guy. But like, can I just point this out? Like if this happened in real life. Are we not just thinking this is just some troll? Like, who's just controlled? Like, the, like, I mean, 
do we automatically go to space alien taking over our communications? Like, I'm you a- have a spaceship <laughs> dropping out of the sky. You have a creepy guy in a mask that can hijack everything in every language. What else are they thinking? But like, you've got to think about it from a realistic perspective. Like, in in right now, we all want to believe there's aliens out there. We all want that to like not come and kill us, of course. But like, we want there to be intelligent life out there that are going to come and be nice to us. If I'm watching TV and like there's like breaking news that there's a weird sort of light flying across New York City, I'm like, okay, fair enough. And then all of a sudden, the world gets taken over by like this is General Zod. Like, again, speaking in American, <laughs> like you know, you've got a citizen. Like, Straight away, I don't think I'm going to be like, oh, listen, I want evidence. I want proper evidence. Like, at least in Mars Attacks, you see the alien, you hear them like, ah, 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 speaking like in alien language, not like a face mask and an American accent. So, I don't know. It's maybe... an American accent because he's speaking to the Americans. It's a Chinese accent when he's speaking to the Chinese. But it's an he's... Arabic accent when... when he's speaking to the Egyptians. But when he's speaking to the Egyptians, he's not like going, like, I'm not even going to attempt an Arabic accent. But, like, he's still, like... I don't know where I'm going with it. I think I'm right in my head, whatever. But- I think when Kryptonians watch movies about aliens from Earth invading, they're like, of course, all the Earthlings have Kryptonian accents. <laughs> anyway, I'll cap it there. <laughs> okay. But I just, like, I don't know. Like, it's not like Independence Day when you've got a fucking mother giant ship over a city through fireballs in the atmosphere. You're like, dude, that's an alien spaceship. All we're seeing is like a little light in the distance that, again, I mean, this is where UFO sightings come from. I believe in aliens. I believe in UFOs. The truth is out there. But, like, to me, this does not warrant global breaking news of UFO spotted over Metropolis. At this point, it should be, yeah, an unusual sight over uh, most of uh, Metropolis today. Not sure what that was. Like, again, I'm maybe speaking from a journalist perspective here of not jumping to conclusions straight away. I need to back up my sources. Okay. <laughs> CNN broadcast two hours of a boy in a balloon who is hiding in a barn the whole time because his parents staged the whole thing. <laughs> it is not that unrealistic to think that they're going to be like, aliens have invaded from Krypton and they have American <laughs> accents. Shut up, Colin. I'm right. You're wrong. I've been to Kansas. You haven't. Can we, just, I don't know if you want to add anything. Can we talk about the flashback scene after this with, you know, Jonathan and uh, the, the bullies and stuff too? Oh, of course we can. Uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, okay. Well, well, I'll add that. All right. Let's tack on here. Or the priest and the priest and stuff. Like, everything up to that. We'll just... Do you want to host it? Or, I mean, like... mind. <laughs> 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 Somebody's qualified. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you can edit that. I, I, like, no, I'm not editing. I'll let that in. It's great. It's fantastic. People okay, want to see fine. the behind the scenes there of the Oz go. Network here of Colin Hilding's it's uprising. Ben. Yeah, I tell Ben what to do. This is the way our show works. When it comes to Superman, Blade Superman himself. <laughs> Don't say the G word. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, alright, so we want the citizen returned, great, um, uh, who was it, um, oh, and they've got the guy who was in the bar with Lois Lane, on live news, Lois Lane knows who he is, like, great guy, what a, what a top bloke, <laughs> so rightfully so, rightfully so, the entire FBI is, like, knocking on a door, like, uh, Miss Lane, the whole world might rest in your hands here, can I just point out, like, she's met him twice, she has hidden the story. At what point does she have a reason to... Tr- like, she just literally heard that the world will be destroyed in 24 hours if you don't return him. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Is this just down to he's got nice abs and he's sexy? Like what? Let, let's, <laughs> like in all seriousness, let's let's picture this. If Clark Kent looked like me, like is she going to want to rest the world's fate on that? No. She's going, oh, fuck, he was ugly. So, like, yeah, God, here you go. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Can we just put a little bit of, you know, situation? Lois, you're a bit of a dick. She saved her life in a semi-rapey way, Ben. But still, like, <laughs> you're a bit of a dick here, Lois. Anyway, the FBI gets us. That's all good. Uh, <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, so we have, so he's in the church, uh, Clark. And he's talking about to the priest, and he's basically like, "Oh, I'm the person that they want," which is nice. Uh, this, I mean, this priest could turn him in; like, he doesn't know him. I know he's a man of God and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, and of course, in the meantime, we get this flashback um, of uh, him basically getting bashed up, uh, but he won't fight back. And uh, is this Pete steps in here to save him? Have I written here? Sees dad. Pete saves him. What? Pete saves him? What? Why have I written Pete saves him? Um, oh, because he steps in. Oh, fucking I don't know. Uh, Clark's dented a fence post. Um, and oh, Pete dies. He, does, he doesn't really save him. He just sort of helps him up. Well, he helps him up. He saves him from bending another fence post. Because um, <laughs> they're very important in Kansas. It's their state symbol of unity and strength. It's their fence posts. Um, and I... We get the pre-scene, because, I mean, one thing we haven't really talked too much about, we'll talk because we haven't really had the scenes yet, but, I mean, it's kind of always that connection, isn't it, that Superman's sort of Jesus, so there's all these sort of, like, really, like the scene when he's fallen down and he's like a Christ figure. Um, mm. Is that is that adequate? You want me to stop there, or do you want me to keep going, or... <laughs> no, that's good. I just, I wanted, I wanted to be able to talk about, you know, Zod's appearance and the stuff on a ship and it's on its own. Okay, right, fair enough, fair enough, okay, good, good. Over to you. <laughs> now, now that you know how to do this properly, thank you. Um, thank I you. Can interject. Um, where did we start there? I already forgot. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I just wanted to mention when Zod's ship appears. Uh, there's that whole, you know, uh, alert or whatever. It's like, you know, danger, danger, and it's just the photocopy machine that says toner empty. It's just a <laughs> suddenly funny moment in this very humorless movie. Uh, That's a very serious also, issue, though, Colin. Come on. Toner being empty? Yeah, I hate that. Um, I'd rather buy a new printer than actually replace the toner. I don't know. Do you do the same thing? Uh, no, I buy new toner. <laughs> it's cheap. I don't, maybe here it's cheaper. I can buy a cheap printer well, for $20, and it costs me like $30 to get the toner. I have a decent printer, and the thing is that, yeah, the cartridges are very expensive, but if you go to eBay, you can basically get like a pack of 10 for the same price as like half of one uh, that you buy in stores. Uh, so eBay is your solution. Uh, <laughs> that's ebay.com that's ebay 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 sponsor us ebay and when I'm using my Epson printer I like <laughs> hey I do have an Epson color. printer look at you uh, the the uh, the thing with you know the FBI appearing too uh, that's another thing I like that it's very quick like the guy would turn her in right away you know she gave him this story but this is a sleazy blog writer uh, and he'd be looking to get any media he can. But why would he assume she knows who he is? Because at the time she turns the story in, has she met Clark at that point? Or was uh, that... Well, she had been rescued by him, but she hadn't... No, because she turned yeah, it... like she... She turned it in before she'd met him properly because she cancels it because after she'd met him. 
Unless she's calling, like, this is her BFF. <laughs> and after she's at the graveyard, it's like, she's, she's like, OMG, I totally just ran into the man of my dreams. You know, the super guy who cauterized my wound while he was semi-raping me? Oh, I saw him at his dad's grave and he had this hat on. Oh, no. She's not calling him. Jamie. Immediately. Yeah, this is Jamie. <laughs> Jamie is Muslim. It's just, I don't know how he would know that. But uh, it, I like that there's all these different aspects you wouldn't think about, like, you know, in all these superhero movies, you get the thing of if somebody really knows who I am, then they're in danger. And, you know, the most we ever see of it is Mary Jane's going to be held hostage or just uh, sleep away you know, out of it. Yeah, exactly. Or Aunt May deliver us from <laughs> evil. <laughs> but this is real world. What would happen? Is that somebody would, you know, run their mouth off to some guy who has a blog or a podcast whose name may or not, may not be feminine on Krypton. And all of a sudden, he opens his mouth to the big wigs at the Mercury or somewhere else. <laughs> big wigs at the... Yeah, because all global stories about aliens would break in the Mercury. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, that's real. <sighs> And then, you know, Lois Lane's in FBI custody. It's just, it's a cool little twist they put in the story that's very realistic to Australian journalism. And uh, I think that's something we have to appreciate. (laughs) You guys are all a bunch of cowards there. You'll turn in Superman in a second, wouldn't you? Hey, we may have been a country built on convicts, but we're not cowards. We're not the French. We've never surrendered. Thank you. Been invaded once, sort of, and the Japanese couldn't do anything more about it. They just bombed Darwin, and let's be honest, Darwin's a bomb anyway. But, like... This is a a side note here, but Superman Returns, weren't the Kansas scenes filmed in Australia for that? Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, no. Well, I know the city scenes were filmed in Sydney. Uh, I don't know about the Kansas scenes, but yeah, a lot of Superman Returns was filmed in Australia, so... um... Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll just see. Yes, it was, Colin. Um, One of our um, just... (laughs) Great moments of people think the Matrix, the Star Wars prequels, but no, I first go to Kansas scenes in Superman Returns. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so the whole thing with the media, I do actually want to talk about this for a reason because I love that scene and I just wish this movie had more of it. And this is going to be my biggest criticism of this movie. And I think I mentioned before that uh, a lot of my complaints about Man of Steel, they were sort of corrected in Batman versus Superman and not in a way of oh, we screwed this up, so we did it better the second time around. Just things that you were missing the first time around that they gave you. Like, how would the world react to this? We got so little of that, and it bothered me for so long. As many times I watched this movie, as much as I loved it, it always bothered me that you get this news report and you get this you know, thing with you know, the guy turning in Lois, but I want to see how is the world respond to this? What are the major cities like? Is, are there riots? You know, These are interesting things that you would want to explore in a movie, and Batman and Superman, I'm, we're going to talk a lot next week about what I love that they did in that movie. But there's just too little of it here. And even the scene with the priest, like it would be better if it wasn't him sweeping a floor and it's on the background. It kind of makes it look like nobody's really paying attention to this. <laughs> a couple of quick shots around the world of, you know, oh, oh, people are watching it in China. We still don't see the reactions. And, you know, Independence Day is a good comparison because that's what the scene is. In Independence Day, we see reactions. We see people being like, this is awesome. We see people being like... No, I'm terrified. They're they're coming for us. You know, they're they're gonna <laughs> molest us sexually or whatever they said. <laughs> the Randy Quaid's friends there. So Zod um, really wants to do. So what do you want? Like a cheesy Armageddon style one with the president's speech over it? Like, come no, on! It doesn't have to be cheesy, and you didn't even have to spend that much time on it. But like, you know, just show something that that shows what the world is. Because this movie is about 
the first appearance. And this is when Justice League comes out, it's all going to tie back to this. You know, what happened when the world had an alien revealed to them? Yeah. I mean, Batman and Superman touched on it a bit. Suicide Squad touches on it a bit. It's a big deal, and the DC movies have always mentioned this, but I would love to be able to go back to the first one of those and show the world was responding to this, and whether there was panic or, you know, idol worship, we get into some of that in Batman versus Superman. I, I just would have liked to have seen a lot more in this one. That's just you know, my biggest complaint. I get it. Like, I, I, I agree to an extent that that would be nice, but I, could it fit in, though? Like, to me, that would seem like that would just be... I mean, you mentioned that a little bit about sort of the, the tornado scene. To me, that would just feel out of place in this film. No, I think if you had enough of it and you kind of sprinkled it throughout, I think it works better. You know, The Dark Knight did that really well. Once the Joker is kind of making his threats... And we even have a similar scene with the guy in the news saying, I know who Batman is and I'm going to turn him in. We see this panic and we see how the world's responding and it's not taking away from the movie. It's just stuff happening in the background. It doesn't even really have to take from the movie. I, I think that there would have been an easy way to do it. Fair point. I mean, the one thing I will, when we get to sort of the end bit, it's kind of um, just how blasé everyone in this film is about destruction of buildings and everybody dying willy-nilly. <laughs> like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of... Oh, look at that building collapsing and dying and all thousands upon thousands of people who are just willingly losing their lives. But it's okay because Superman's got Zod right now. So Yeah. We'll get to that. But but again, Batman, Superman, yeah. they get into that within the opening scenes. So that'll be fun to talk about. Um, <coughs> sorry, you don't have to edit that either. <laughs> Can I keep that in? Go for it. Why not? Well, Colin just said edit that out, but clearly you heard it. So um, the real Colin Hilding, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he likes to burp and try to get me to edit them out. But uh... yeah, if if people actually heard the amount of times burps happen on the show, uh... that's why All we right, don't so... get sponsored by IHOP and eBay. Uh... Hey, I just had a nice free gluten free omelet from IHOP, and boy, did it sit well with me. And that was just it's like it's like in Italy, you burp, and that's your compliment to the chef. Exactly. Uh, I hop. I, I, I didn't know that about Italy, but now I do. Um, Italy, you... the great country that looks like a boot. Sponsor us, government of Italy. Uh... <laughs> um, the Zod message. This is another thing I wanted to mention. Like, this is creepy. And I can imagine this is another one of the reasons why I would really want to see that panic. Because if you saw this and every single channel's taken over, it's not just every channel. You pick up your phone and it's on there. You pick up your tablet, it's on there. You, you, your computer screen's taken over. Everything is showing this message. And you see this scrambled image of this weird mask and this voice. You forget that it's an American accent. I mean, at, at this point, I'm panicking, you know? I'm, I'm you know, hiding under the bed and saying, Jamie, see you later. <laughs> Tell Casper I love him. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm taking the Ben route when zombies show up, you know? I'm the coward. Uh, it's, it's really effective, and I think it would have been sold better if we saw some of that panic. And I remember when this was released, it was uh, features as a TV spot, which was really clever when they're promoting this movie. When it came down, you know, when there's a really big movie and it gets close to the release, the TV spots would be like in four days, right? Yeah. yeah. It would be that, and it would just show this message of Zod. You know, uh, there's a man living among you. You know, he's not one of you. And I'm like, wow, that's getting me excited for this movie now. You know, Zod's going to be like, like he's Hitler here. This is amazing. Uh, I, I the pre scene, I like it, but. It's the one part that actually shows while people are watching this and a subtly funny moment that it doesn't really play the same unless you're seeing with an audience. Uh, when I saw this all three times, 
every single time he would say, you know, that, you know, the one on the news of the, that Zod guy's looking for on the one he's looking for. The priest kind of like just looks at him and he has like this gulp, like, okay, I think I'm <laughs> dead. Better say the right thing. It just doesn't play well when I watch it on TV, but I love watching it with an audience. It always got a reaction. But this scene is another criticism I have. This section where they just rush into the plot. Um, and I think they do a great job of telling the story from this point on. But Clark doesn't have enough development at this point for you to really care, oh, is he conflicted? You know, we've seen a few scenes with his dad and what does he do, but maybe because Clark has had nobody to play off of for an hour, Mm. his character doesn't feel like, you know, he should care. He should just make a decision. And why is he going to this random guy? Why isn't he asking his mom? Why isn't he calling Lois up or Pete at the IHOP or something, you know, (laughs) sitting over some free omelets? (laughs) I think there was, I don't know, I think there was a better way to build his character up until this point so this scene was more effective. Because the scene works on paper. It just doesn't work in the context of what we've seen up until now, I think. And one thing I just want to quickly add is that this was, like, people believed, like, as you were saying, kind of the reaction. Like, can you not imagine the panic there that would be? Like, like, and maybe this ties into your reaction a little bit. But, like, people would be, like looking sideways at everybody on the planet. Like, they haven't said what he looked like. They said, like, he just looks like one of you. So, like, every man on the planet Earth is a suspect. Um, So, like, you don't want the whole world to die. So, like, as soon as it's told Lois Lane knows, everyone's like, it's not just the FBI. Like, she's have a lynch mob outside of her house right now. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like just a weird sort of reference point. I mean, after sort of the, the Boston Marathon bombings, when they, they I don't know, was it the New York Post? One of the, the New York papers published the wrong people on their front page. I got into a lot of trouble for it. We did a whole thing about that, I remember, during uh, when I was at uni doing journalism and kind of, you know, telling you not what to do and going back to checking your sources. But, I mean, these people just it's, got absolutely, like, you know, chastified, chastified because of, of basically... Chastified? Whatever. <laughs> chastified. I don't use big words often because I get them wrong. That's why I'm a, a podcast host, not a written journalist anymore. You can see why I don't work at the newspaper anymore. I'm not a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. But <laughs> A Pulitzer... Chastified for mispronouncing Pulitzer. <laughs> but, um, like, you could just imagine the extent of panic that would be happening uh, yeah. at this point. Um, it's funny because... You would say, well, he doesn't have enough screen time, you know, even though there's a ton of screen time. But I honestly do believe it is, at least with the character development of him, that he hasn't had anybody to play off of. Because when they flash back to the scene with Jonathan and, you know, he's being bullied there, that scene works well. And you feel for that kid and you feel that he's conflicted. But he's had his dad to play off of for the entire movie. And he's had his mom and uh, uh, Pete and Lana and the bus driver and all that. It's, I'm not saying like, oh, this kid, you know, gives a better performance than Henry Cavill. He had something more to work with. And I feel like those scenes work. And I love that scene. And these are the other two nods where, you know, when it's like, well, we didn't really get anything from Smallville for this. Okay, so we've got Zod again. We've got, you know, the the bus scene, like you said. We have young Tom Willing's brother. We have (laughs) all these Smallville things. The, The ship scene. This is you're an alien from another world. And... The bully who's picking on him here, I don't think you see his name in the movie, but look in the credits. His name is Whitney. <laughs> Whitney was Lana's boyfriend yeah. who was the bully in the first season of Smallville, a fictional character that was created for Smallville. Wow. And the garage that Jonathan is at in the background says Sullivan's, mm. which what other reason would you have to include Sullivan but Chloe Sullivan from you know Smallville, another character created just for the show? 
So you have two things here that are ties to Smallville. It's like, obviously they were, and I'm not even saying, you know, oh, well, they're trying to hide this. There's some other things coming up where I believe they intentionally put nods to every uh, live action version of Superman we'd ever seen, you know, going back to Christopher Reeve movies, even prior to that. And, uh, you know, Smallville is one of them here. There's a great Superman Returns moment that's coming up, you know, after the next big action sequence that I'm going to point out to you. Well, I'm looking forward to the Lois and Clark references then. Uh, is I there? think the only one is that she knows he's Superman. Is that there's Lois and Clark in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they have names, Lois and Clark. Dean Kane plays random scared citizen in building number three. <laughs> Hello, Dean Terry Kane. Hatcher as... Ben L. <laughs> I wish. Um, anyway, uh, hello to Terry Hatcher, if she's listening. Do you think, you wonder, like, if Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane are just chilling at home and they've got nothing to do, that they just go on the internet and go, oh, I remember when I was on Superman, let's listen to a random podcast. Like, do you think they do well, that? Well, do they have anything better to do these days? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Dean Cain's on Supergirl every once in a while. I'm sure that's paying the bills, but he's got a lot of downtime. I mean, Terry Hatcher's probably got a Desperate Housewives reunion that they're going to make in about a year or two. I mean, God, they're not coming up with any other new ideas on ABC, are they? I don't know. Um, oh, apparently, Terry Hatcher's on Supergirl now as well. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just recycle everything. <laughs> Super, like, is Brandon Ruth on Supergirl? <laughs> Dug up um, Christopher Reeves? <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> Good to see Supergirl is casting outside the bubble. Um, who was Superman on Supergirl? Didn't they actually have Superman in an episode? They did, yeah. He was... Um, I mean, I remembered him from the, the Tom Hanks movie, Road to Perdition. He played his son in that. Uh, right. And when he was on, like, I thought, okay, well, I guess he kind of looks like Superman now. And I was really blown away. I'm like, in some ways, this guy's actually better than even Henry Cavill. Like, he just he has all the charisma and everything, and this wholesomeness, but not too corny. Um, he, it would be it would be fun if they ever gave him a chance to really be Superman in his own show or something. I've never watched Supergirl, but I just want to watch it for uh, was it Melissa Benoit or whatever her name is? Oh, yeah. Serve that up and some bread. Um, <laughs> just watch her in Homeland, and you'll know what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so, uh, we get Superman showing up as Superman, sort of. Is this the first, was the first time I think we've seen him sort of fully in the suit. He shows up, obviously, to turn himself in. Um, yeah. I like how, like, the army are like, well, you got our attention. Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, this is, like, the news of the army. Like, oh, we've got this guy interrupting our, you know, Sunday night football. Um, uh, and oh, here's our first look at him. Um, and he surrenders, uh, they put, I love how they put handcuffs on him and he says kind of like, oh, it makes him feel better, you know, <laughs> like, and we know how yeah. quickly he can do it. And, um, he wants to speak to Lois Lane, of course, and she's in this room and this is kind of when he like, he talks himself up to the guys in, in the room. Like, I can see you've got, uh, like a packet of mints in your pocket and like, it's kind of cool. I, I just like, it's interesting. You write your I, name on your underwear. Yeah. <laughs> you have a massive dong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like I don't know I just kind of like how he just talks up his powers because like we know like he's got yeah. the handcuffs on even Lois Lane's kind of like oh they're handcuffing you like really um, and then like what do they say like when they're taking precautions you know and he says like I've been living in Kansas for 33 years I'm about as American as you can get <laughs> like, yeah that's at the end of the movie yeah oh uh, yeah um, but still good line oh no hang on no sorry you know I've written and you wrong 
That's Man of Steel. Man of Next Steel. Week on the Oz <laughs> Network. <laughs> I've, I've read my quote wrong. It's uh, when he said he's been there for 33 years and he hasn't infected anyone yet. Sorry, that's where yeah. um, I was reading that there. Yeah. Nobody has caught Man of Steelness from yeah. <laughs> Kal El. Yes, yet. Uh, has, I mean, he's, yeah. he's probably still a virgin. I mean, I don't know where it spreads. <laughs> you know, sexually no, transmitted. Is, not that- yeah, not that I want the episode to go off on this, but have you ever stopped to think if Superman is? I mean, we see in this movie he probably is because he's got that girlfriend in Alaska or, or, you know, Northwest Territories or wherever they are. But when you look at, like, the original Superman movie, you know, and him and Lois, or I think it was Superman 2, you know, when they were getting it on on that big, weird bed in the middle of the Fortress of Solitude, you have to think to yourself, I'm like... Has he done this before? Has he killed anybody doing this? Well, like, didn't we talk about this in the Smallville one we did when he's like, because it's kind of like, it's implied, isn't it, in Smallville? Like, he doesn't know what he could do. Because fair enough, he doesn't. But, like, mm. I mean, Superman Returns, he's he's a dad, right? He's bone low as yeah. He's got a son. I mean... Which is because of that scene in Superman 2, yeah. Is, is it ever explained in the comics? Like, and I'm not trying to be typical Ben Dirty here, but, like... Krypton sperm, like how, like, I mean, Jor El and and Lara earlier clearly have produced for the first yeah. time, so like, well, you know, I, and again, <laughs> when when you take Smallville, I mean, when Clark does lose his virginity on Smallville, I'm pretty sure it was when he was briefly without his powers, and then the next time I know for sure where he did anything again was when Lana had powers, and it basically was them, you know, driving each other through the first fl- or the second floor of the house into the first floor. It was like really aggressive and that was kind of the joke there it's like hey i can finally do something so i don't know he's the man of steel i mean as, <laughs> i'm look, sure lois is pretty happy as the feminine voice of the oz network and this is <laughs> obviously for, for jamie's benefit too and her fantasies but like i can imagine that once you like are with superman it's kind of like when you're with john travolta when he's nicholas cage in face off like you notice a difference and you never want to go anywhere else because like he would be pretty darn good in the sack being the man of steel, he's faster than a speeding bullet, which isn't usually good in sex, but, like, I'm sure, like, anyway, I'm sure he's very good, and that's why Lois Lane is so into him, because he was into And her. that's why it, it took wiping Lois Lane's memory of their sex together for her to end up with James Marsden in <laughs> Superman Returns. Oh, but I literally a... have to wipe your memory for you to find another man. But, but like, what's, um, Cyclops, is that who he is in X-Men? Like, I mean, that's, yeah. a, you know, Superman or Cyclops, I mean, it's... Different choice. James Marsden's all right. Um, a friend of mine actually used to be so in love with him in high school. Like, it was ridiculous. And then I'm like, oh, there he is in Superman Returns. I haven't seen him in a while. What's he doing now, anyway? Where is James Marsden? Why aren't you on the show, James? Yeah, well, like, are you uh, with Gene actually... Kane or... <laughs> <laughs> this is like, we're going re- really off here. We're like, yeah, we could breeze through this. No, we're talking about James Marsden on Man of Steel. <laughs> I mean, I know he was in Superman Returns because of Brian Singer. And I don't know if this was a legit rumor or not, but apparently Brian Singer wanted him as Superman, but they're like, you know, we're not going to go with somebody who's known. We'll go with an unknown. James Marsden would have made a great Superman. I was about to say that. Given a chance. I was about to say that. Yeah. He, he, he could pull that off. I could see that. Uh, anyway, hello, James Marsden. If you hang out with Dean, hope you're having a <laughs> good day at the uh, weekly meeting of Once We're Famous Actors Anonymous. Um, <laughs> say hi to Terry Hatcher as well. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Superman... Clark gets turned in. Uh, the spaceship comes down. Um, we get uh, what's this woman's name? What's this general lady's name? Feora. Say that again. Feora. 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 Hoo hoo. 
<laughs> just looking she's at Zod's. I mean, in the comics, she's Zod's wife. Female Zod is shows up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like female Zod. Uh, apparently, Gal Gadot was um, offered the role, but oh. she turned it down because she was pregnant at the time. So there you go. Different timeline. Gal would not be Wonder Woman, and maybe it would be Aunt J. Tarawur. <laughs> Aren't we glad we have Gal Gadot instead of <laughs> Can like can we like, cover movies with people's names that I can pronounce? <laughs> you have a seizure to pronounce these names. What's the name? Aunt J. Tarururu. <laughs> it's about as hard to pronounce as Feora. <laughs> she, she's German. That's nice. Um, it's good for her. She was in a movie recently called Bye Bye Germany, so clearly she's saying goodbye to her roots. Um, <laughs> I like Germany. I've got nothing bad to say about Germany. Maybe the whole World War Two thing, but that's not the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just reminds me of this, um, uh, something we may be hearing more about soon, uh, Parks and Recreation. <laughs> this morning, Parks and Recreation, where Chris Pratt is talking about, you know, the United Nations. And, you know, they're saying, uh, oh, do you want to be representing Iceland? He goes, the bad guys from Mighty Ducks 2? No way. How about Japan? <laughs> the bad guys from Karate Kid 2? Even worse. He goes, what about Germany? They've never been bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what was it? Sean Spicer, just to bring up Trump. Why not? Uh, what did he say? <laughs> like, oh, Hitler never used uh, chemical weapons. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, read a history book there, people. Um <laughs> <laughs> Colin's just dying, everybody. He's 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 been gassed, I think. Uh, you know, I would have been over this cold back when we were covering Dirty Dancing if we weren't doing episodes talking about dongs and people getting gassed. Like, what's wrong with us? Well, I mean, look, it's a perfect time to reference, like, gassing and Nazi dictators because we've got Zod, like... In all honesty, yes, like yeah. if you actually read a lot about kind of, uh, you know, the background here from Michael Shannon, he says he kind of does base a lot of his role and it's, you know, sort of Hitlerish. Anyway, so uh, Mrs. Zod comes down. <laughs> She's wearing the they cool... <laughs> uh, comes down and um, I love how like she's like, oh, we need her as well. Um, like, why do they need... Like, is this... Something that, like, I don't get. Why do they need Lois Lane? Again, there are a lot of things that, you know, aren't said in this Hang movie, on. but you Hang can on. theorize. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Wait, Dean Kane's on the phone. Dean, can you hear me? Hello? <laughs> Hello? I'm recording a podcast right now. Hello? You're wasting all the recording. Oh, okay. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Ask him what was the last thing he saw Dean Kane in. receiving some error and warning reports from your computer license ID number. And after analyzing this all report, we came to know that your computer is automatically download a huge number of infection files from the internet. Holy shit. Damaging your software of your computer. Wow. That's why I'm calling you up. Did Dean Kane set you up for this? <laughs> oh, he did. <laughs> he hung up on me. Like a Dean Kane. 
Well, <laughs> just won't leave you alone. <laughs> I'm just recording a podcast, and I asked him a simple question about Dean Kane, and he hangs up on me. <laughs> oh, that's making the best of it. The end. <laughs> Any professional podcast would have edited that out, but. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> I'm worried now. Windows are calling me, telling me I've got all malicious files. <laughs> Dean Kane sent me and he hangs up with me. What, what the hell, Windows? Sounded like a legitimate call. Uh... <laughs> anyway. <All> uh... right. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, Man of Steel. Steel. All right. Uh... So yes, Lois Lane. The the point was before I before Rajid right. from Windows interrupted me. What um what happened? What, Lois Lane. Why is she being asked to get in the yeah. ship? Fucking Rajid. Um. Okay. So again, this is my theory, but I think it kind of makes sense. They need some type of leverage over him. If he gets up on the ship and he just decides I'm not going to cooperate with you or whatever. Hey, we've got this girl here. Why don't I burn her face off with my laser vision? You know, it's it it's maybe not said in the movie, but I think it makes sense. Wouldn't they go after his mum though? Like, I mean, do they, they don't know his mum yet? D- don't they? Well, I mean, they show up later. I mean, you know, <laughs> try the girlfriend and then the mom. There's some lines that even Zod doesn't want to cross. You know, <laughs> I just again my whole point. Like, if you you want to do shit, like just. Don't get close with people. This is why, like, right now in my life, let's be completely honest, Colin. If I wanted to, like, go completely, like, evil and do shit, like, no one can turn me because I've got nobody close to me. Like, if they said to me, well, I'll kill Colin. I'm like, oh, I don't care. Do it. Like, I mean, (laughs) sorry for Jamie and Casper. They'll be able to have a dad and a husband, but Jamie will move on. She's got plenty of options. And Casper, well, like, you know. He's probably and better the off might without. Still be in the city right now. Yeah, exactly. So you know, like I've got no one that you can hurt me with. So like I'm fine. Um, but anyway, um, so Lois goes on the spaceship because why not? Um, and basically, uh, the atmosphere on this ship not for humans. So Lois has to wear the the weird mask. Like a spaceship has atmosphere. Cool. Um, good old Krypton's. Oh. But I mean, like, doesn't everything have atmosphere? But like, like I guess I suppose they're an alien spacecraft. But I mean, if you're on a spaceship, they pressurize it to suit human. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not a scientist. Thank God for that. Um, so we get um, oh, so this is kind of the speech, isn't it, between um how Zod found them? So he's like, basically, yeah. they got free. They got freed from the hype, the Phantom Zone, because Krypton got destroyed so therefore they went searching and they found earth um they found the old colonial outposts after searching everywhere it's kind of a cool little scene when you see them going to all these different like little planets and you see uh the other colonial outposts um and then basically the codex that we learned earlier this is what zod's hunting for um this has got all the codes for the kryptonian people so this essentially can start off krypton again and this is what Zod is wanting Clark for, or Kal-El. Like, hey, you and I, we can take over Earth and basically start off Krypton again. Fair enough. I mean, Great. it's it's basically what he wanted Jarrell for in the beginning. Like, that's the interesting thing about Zod. And I'll bring it up again later, is that Zod's motives never change throughout this entire movie. And look, I mean, okay, fair enough. He's going to wipe out an entire race to create another race. 
But, like, at the end of the day, like, this is, I, I'm assuming, where the whole Kal-El being created, the whole choice factor that Jor-El mentions before. Like, he's a naturally created child. Like, if this was how they programmed the Krypton, Kryptonians, you're a soldier, you're a worker, you know, you're a leader. Like, clearly this is why, like, Zod is how he is, because he's just thinking about the race of Krypton. Like, Clark has no reason to want to start this up. But at the same yeah. time, like, humans have got to think themselves lucky that we got the nice one. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's corruptible, you know, human, whatever Krypton's out there who are naturally conceived, that would be like, yeah, Zod, fuck Earth. <laughs> like, like yeah. you know, like, I mean, well, this is exactly why we love Superman, because he's nice and he's created by, you know, raised by humans to get out ideals and kind of the whole Jesus-y thing going on. Um, but, yeah, so I, I kind of, you know, I get it. But, like, I like that flashback where he's, um, well, it's not a flashback, it's kind of what, like a vision where he's being sucked into the skulls. Um, which I read somewhere somebody was like, oh, this is stupid, like, why is this? Like, I like it. I think it's kind of like a cool little vision thing of him. Um, and then we've got this, they're over Kansas at this point, aren't they? And this is kind of when he's fighting back. Uh, and this is when, um, La uh, I was going to say Lana, uh, Lois has got the key and he's what? Basically seeing Daddy Crow here. Again, stop me if I'm missing scenes. I'm just going to jump around here. Because basically this kind of leads into the fight between Clark, like, no, I will not do this. So then he gets this epic battle over Kansas, destroying IHOPs and, um, what, is it Sears they destroy? Um, like all the... 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. I mean, all the product placements. Um, and then I also like the fact they're here, though, that when Lois is kind of, like, getting directed here by Russell Crowe, like, move to your left, move to your right, dodge. <laughs> like, again, like, going back to your point earlier, like, how does he program this in? Like, how does it, like, this is a... Like, fucking Jahid from Microsoft there wouldn't be able to tell me how I could, like, dodge left and dodge right reading my computers. Like, but Russell Crowe in Krypton World can. Um, so, uh, is that racist? But, like, that's, that's their name? Like, it's an Indian name? It's not racist? Is it? Oh, you might want to consider it at a point. <laughs> People are listening to this, they probably realise I didn't. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I apologise if it's not, like, I'm not, no, like, anyway, um, Jim from Microsoft called before, yeah. good old Jim, is that not racist? Um, speaking of racist, uh, they're destroying Kansas, I don't know why that's racist, um, so, they're, oh, they're having this battle through Kansas, it's basically Mrs. Zod and Clark, and he removes a mask, doesn't he, and she basically, because they, ha they can't adapt, so, uh, backtracking. He's obviously on the ship and he's losing his ability because he's weird that he's not used to Krypton atmosphere. And then we'll get that obviously soon with Zod on Earth. Uh, and then I, I like this battle. This battle is awesome. I mean, going back to the special effects about how cool this looks. You know, jumping on jets and kind of smashing up small town Smallville in the middle of Kansas. Sears is going through. Uh, we get great lines here from Mrs. Zod. It's like, evolution always wins. Um, and talking about morality and all this sort of stuff. Um, there's a crash of the helicopter. Um, Christopher Maloney survives, which is good. Uh, <laughs> we want him to survive until later on. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I, I'm jumping all over. There's a lot going on in this battle. Um, I mean, I, I, I might just cap it here just for the moment because, because I'm probably skipping so much stuff here. Uh, that you're probably thinking, Ben, you're missing like the major parts here. But I mean, anything really to add on kind of this battle here? Well, 
I mean, the stuff on the ship, um, it's probably the one sequence that never quite clicked for me. Uh, maybe it's because it's just so separate. Everything else takes place on Earth. Yeah, we get stuff on Krypton, but it almost feels like, well, you take them up on the ship, and then you bring them back down again. What was the point? And I almost feel like it would have been better if Superman had not been captured at any point. But it was important because we have to see that there's a reason why, you know, they wouldn't all be able to fight at once. Why else would Zod not fight? Why would it, You can't just have this be like, you know, your cheesy old Bond movie. It's like, now let me leave you to your death as I leave my henchwoman, Feora, a.k.a. my wife, to do my bidding while I go off and stroke my cat or pussy or whatever. <laughs> but, I said it. Yeah. But, um, and the funny thing is I'm Canadian, so I didn't understand what I said. Say a pussy, uh, Colin, <laughs> is... Um... <laughs> Don't make me say it. Um... <laughs> But, I mean, it's still – it's a brief sequence, and, you know, I'm kind of always – I'm not going to say I'm happy when it's over, but it's probably my least favorite sequence of the movie. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for Lois to be there. When you explain it, yeah, he needs some leverage, fine, but then I think you would have needed at least one scene where they used her for leverage. It's sort of, here's a mask. Now just sit in the corner and don't say anything. And she's got the key on her, and she just takes over this whole thing. Yeah. But the sequence, the sequence of her crashing is actually quite exciting. I like that. Um, and uh, the Superman Returns references both come as part of that, uh, where a he you know he leaves the ship, and the way he kind of like stretches his arm out, it's kind of a duplication of like the crucifix pose that Brandon Routh has, you know, just as he threw New Krypton into space, and then also when he catches her out of the pod, and they float down to the ground, they kind of have this thing where she's in his arms and they're spinning around like a dance, mm. and again that shot's like exactly like after. The, uh, the the flight that Brandon Routh takes Kate Bosworth on in Superman Returns. So both of those shots, and I remember it was funny, when this movie came out, everybody was saying, oh, there's so many homages to all the movies, and uh, so many people picked out the Superman Returns ones, but then couldn't pick out all the other ones. Maybe it was just because it was fresh in people's minds, but at the time, everybody was like, oh yeah, Superman Returns, Superman Returns. Um, I like that they did that, because I hate whenever... There's a movie that, you know, for one reason or another doesn't click and they just decide to go in a different direction. And everybody's like, well, they just hated that movie, so they want to wash their hands, you know, clean of it. That's not always the case. I mean, people tried to say, oh, yeah, nobody liked Man of Steel, so Batman and Superman is going to almost pretend it didn't exist. It's like, well, when you watch Batman and Superman, it is a complete sequel to this movie. It is more tied to this than any other sequel to any superhero movie I've ever seen. Uh, I, I like when they, they at least have that respect for the movies that came before it. It's like, yeah, we're starting a new story, but this is still important. And obviously, you know, uh, Superman Returns had that with uh, the Christopher Reeve ones as well. Um, the fight scene, there's something I do like about Superman's character. You, you mentioned how he's nice, he's kind and everything. When you go back and read the earliest Superman comics from 1938, Superman's a dick. <laughs> he's like a hardcore dick sometimes. You, there used to be a website, I don't know if it's still around, called superdickery.com, where it was basically showing panels and covers of Superman doing real dickish, like, uh, dick splashish things. <laughs> and I remember that when I started reading really old Superman comics, one of the things that kind of struck me was Superman, and in the, the comics, it wasn't always fighting these super villains in the beginning. It was like him versus a mob boss, or maybe you know, some crooked company owner that was, you know, abusive to his employees or whatever. And he would take a guy and hang him from his ankles off of a building <laughs> and say, you know, you'd better, uh, you know, give a proper day's wages to these guys or I'm going to drop you. And they even brought that back in some of the more recent Superman comics when they retold, like, his origin again. 
that's kind of how Superman was created. Like, he had this aggression to him. And I love in the fight scene with Zod, the way he attacks him, first, the fight scene looks great. And I mentioned this a couple times, and I mentioned it again in the Wonder Woman episode, and we'll mention it many times. The one thing DC's done really well is they've made their superheroes, their powers look different, and they have a fighting style that's all distinct, and it looks different. And the way that it's like this, almost like a rush of speed, and then they just stop and collide. And the, the whole thing where he's attacking Zod, and they're just flying through the air, but you still they're going like supersonic speed, and he's just punching him in the face. He goes, yeah. I think you could threaten my mother. Like It's, <laughs> it's really aggressive and violent. And I kind of like we get that as Superman, but also it's only going to take, you know, his mother being threatened to drive him to that point. Yeah. Why did you say that name? Um, <laughs> Corpo! <laughs> Mil- Milfa! Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. And I, I kind of, um, I like, it's it's weird sort of the realistic nature of Superman. Like, I just like how particularly the Smallville fights where like the ground, the concrete's getting torn up and like IHOP's getting destroyed and you know, all these kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. There's just something about it that like, it, it's weird to say that it's realistic in a movie yeah. with these aliens fighting each other. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of cool how that they, they do it. I mean, obviously sort of in between here, you're mentioning about like threatening Martha. Um, yeah. th- they've shown up here and obviously uh, grabbed her. What does she say? Like go to hell when they're like, picked her up by the throat and she i don't know why they have her like looking at the the barn like is she really that dumb like oh don't go over there like i mean come <laughs> on martha um but well, yes yeah, so they find the spaceship and realize that the codex isn't there and this is when they discover oh he is the codex oh does he need to be alive no so yeah well with the other thing i just want to talk about martha for one more second just the comparison you know we made and i was trying to figure it out why did it work in this movie, but it didn't work in Spider-Man Homecoming? You know, you could say, you know, Marissa Tomei is too, too glamorous. I mean, Diane Lane is as glamorous as it gets most of the time. Um, you could say, well, maybe Marissa Tomei is a little bit younger. I don't know if there's a difference in their ages at all. But ultimately, what I think it comes down to is just the performance. Because they tried way harder in Spider-Man Homecoming to kind of elderly Marissa Tomei up. <laughs> you know, they give her, like, the glasses and the bad clothes and everything. With with Diane Lane, what do they do really? I mean, they put a little bit of gray in her hair. They don't have her in makeup. And it's more or less her performance. She just sort of acts like this tough farm girl and you buy it. And you don't get that in Spider-Man because the performance just, it's its too goofy. It's too comical. It's not serious enough. The interesting thing is Marissa Tamay, Tamay is about a month older than Diane Lane. Ugh. There you go. And, and yeah, I mean... I think that they they did a much better job, or I'm going to say Diane Lane did a better job in this, because when you look at her physical appearance, they don't do that much to change her in comparison. Hey, it's a random thing. Diane Lane was married to Josh Brolin. Didn't know that? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. I now, do now. was Marissa Tomei married to Dean Cain? Probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's trying to cling on to a fame somehow. <laughs> I was going to uh, say well, no. Uh no, she was married to somebody, wasn't she? I'm, I'm sure she was married at some point. Surely she has to be. I mean, she's dangerous. <laughs> she's not married. There's hope for me, then. <laughs> uh, this. I want to comment also on the Smallville fight. I mean, I love that they had the thing showing that the senses be out of control, because that makes sense. And I've mentioned it many times, how the um, the way of retelling his origin story is to do it slightly differently and just show us things we haven't seen before. Like, how would the senses be different? You know, he's like, you know, I've spent years, you know, honing my senses. 
and they haven't had that opportunity to do that, so they're getting it all once. Zod has to retreat from the fight. So yeah, the the scenes on the ship make sense now, but I just don't think the ship scenes work. But this Smallville fight scene is like hands down the best stuff in the movie. Like I love the climax, but it doesn't hold a candle to the Smallville stuff. And maybe it's because it's on a smaller scale. Um, with both action scenes and you know, destruction, it's kind of all in the background, which is one of the reasons that I feel like this movie is a little bit more excused for just the mass you know, destruction of a city that every superhero movie is criticized for. Now, you don't really see a lot of it, and, and a lot of that is you know, told from a different perspective when you get to the next movie. But I mean, every shot just works so well. Um, little things I like to throw in here, like the Christopher Maloney, as you mentioned, like his, his character's name, what is it, Colonel Hardy or something like that? Yeah. I can't remember what it is, but the, he, his code name is Guardian, and Guardian is you know another DC superhero type character, like a very old one, and it was probably just a little nod they had in there for that. Um, what else uh, was there in here? The IHOP thing with Pete. I mean, I just would have loved if we crashed in there. It's like, what's up, Dick Splash? <laughs> just have like a fun <laughs> moment between them. And... You didn't mention also the the bank shot, which was of course the promotional image that was like the first image released from this movie. Do you remember that when that came out? Uh, no, refresh my memory. Well, it's that shot where he sort of crashes into the 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 vault of a bank or something like that, and it's just all dented around him. Uh yeah, 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 yeah. You saw yeah. the shot, you'd get. Yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I just yeah. I remember seeing that and that you know it was it was like uh, the only shot they released for a long time, and uh, again, just as I commented before the speed burst way that they have fighting where it's like mostly with Feora, she'll just sort of like zip towards somebody and then slam them and then zip like back and forth. It almost looks like the way the flash would fight. Yeah. Um, it's like that Sonic sort of like when you watch like a jet, the way that like a jet yeah. in slow motion, goes yeah. boom. like I like that sort of boom, the Mark two, Mark yeah, three, like the Sonic boom around. Like yeah. they do really clever things here. And also I just wanted to also quickly mention the special effects, which we talked about earlier. And I, I just remember this watching this fight scene when you watch the uh, the making ofs on the Blu-ray, uh, you don't realize, like, even though I said, you know, Zod's entire armor suit, or all the Kryptonian's armor suits are completely computer generated because it would have been too heavy. Another thing is that for the opposite, when they do these fight scenes, no matter what shot you're looking at, for the most part, you know, 90% of them at least, at least some element of it is a real stunt. So Zack Snyder wanted to make sure that if you had a shot of Henry Cavill flying you know uh, 100 kilometers an hour and then crashing into a 7-eleven that the first six feet of him flying was real henry cavill well animated in between and then the last six feet of him crashing was henry cavill mm. and little things like that i think is what makes the effects look really believable because uh this movie's way more grounded in reality and i think if you didn't do things like that if you didn't use some practical stunts in this then this movie does just end up looking cartoony. They actually just shot him out of a cannon at 100 kilometers an hour and like, you survived this, you really are Superman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just just on a quick note, uh, Marissa Tamai was in an on-off again relationship with actor Logan Marshall Green uh, between 2008 and 2013. Rumoured that they were engaged, but a representative for her said no. Uh, and Tamai also d- d- dated Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and in 2009... Oh. She said, I'm not that big of a fan of marriage as an institution, and I don't know why women need to have children to be seen as complete human beings. So I don't think she has kids. So, cool. Oh, she has nephews. Well, yes, called Peter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) See what you did there. Um, Anyway, um, (laughs) I like the the line here we get from... um, Aurora, 
um, to, <laughs> to Christopher Maloney. What does he say? Like, death is... Uh, I've written it here. Because uh, a good death is its own reward, because that's what he says to her, obviously, later on. Um, because that's she really what... is good in this movie. Like, oh, I don't think brilliant. she gets enough credit. She's yeah. a fantastic henchwoman. She's great. She really is. And like, I, I really noticed that this time around. It's kind of like, you know, you think about this movie, you're thinking about Zod, you're thinking about Superman, obviously, and, and you know, Lois, I guess she's there. Uh, but, like, she's brilliant. Like, and to Jay, to roll, roll, roll. Like, what, <laughs> whatever her name is, in pronunciation, in German terms, um, she's great, and I like her. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Uh, and even like a little line she has where she's critiquing his fighting and she goes, you're weak, you're unsure of yourself. Yeah. And you stop and you think about it. I'm like, that's something that they don't bring up in these movies often. I mean, Zod and all his people, these are trained soldiers. Superman has never been in a fight before. He's done yeah. nothing but avoid fights his entire life. You know, this would be new to him and he probably would be a bit of a pushover, at least in these early scenes. And this is what I just, I think is great about this kind of, you know, this whole movie is the fact that he is battling just his own kind. And there's just battles of aliens going on on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, we get that scene, don't we, in sort of when all this is happening, when um, uh, uh, the Colonel is like, oh, he's not our enemy. Uh, basically, yeah. you know, this is we know now that they're going to, like, treat him as the good guy. Because, look, I mean, let's be fair. Like, they wouldn't know how to treat him. Like, I mean, he broke free of the handcuffs. He's looking through their mints in their pocket and their little dongs and stuff in their underwear. Like, I mean, for all they know, he is the enemy. So He burst uh, through a LexCorp gasoline truck and destroyed a 7-Eleven. Which, again, Easter egg, LexCorp, of course. um, Because Lex is in this world uh, <laughs> Superman universe <laughs> yeah. in case you didn't know that um, so this kind of so this basically is now so the plan from this point on after this fight kind of calmed down a little bit Zod's got back on the ship Ziora Tarora's like in the train and she's alive um, this is now where they know that they basically have to get Clark Kal-El because he's got the codex in him and now they basically pinpoint this laser thing for the Earth's core from both sides of the world. Now, one's in Metropolis, of course it is. The other looks like it's off the coast of Australia. Like, you briefly... It's the Indian Ocean. But, like, when you look at the map quickly when they show it, it looks like it's off the coast of Western Australia. Mm. So, Australian reference to this movie, kind of. Um, And then, basically, they work out here, if I'm not mistaken, that they can use Clark's ship to stop the ship, and then he's got to then... Stop the other side of the ship, but he's got to get his powers up because he's obviously going to be affected by the the laser, whatever it is. It's just I like how this is a common trope that a lot of these like screen junkies and that on YouTube they're pointing out that kind of all these movies now just have the giant white laser beam that basically is the thing now that destroys it. But the the funniest thing to come from the honest trailer, which once you see it, you cannot unsee it, is that they basically say that this laser beam is death by dubstep. Um, so, like, when you basically see this laser going, boom, 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 like, it is dubstep. Like, that is legitimately dubstep. And I like dubstep. But it's just, like, the Kryptons are killing Earth with dubstep. Colin, do you know what dubstep is? Um, it's something that goes, boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've written here, beam lifts up and down dubstep. Um... But I like how it's coming over Metropolis. Everyone's looking up. It's very Independence Day. Um, but, yeah, I, I just it's a cool scene, the way they kind of destroy the city. 
uh, sort of up and down, up and down. Like mm-hmm. again, let's, the countless lives that are dying here. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, again, you pointed it out. Like I think Batman Superman does it very well. Like the opening scene. Like mm-hmm. I remember going into Batman Superman. I know we're a week ahead, but just like just the way that opened, and like it's kind of it makes me watch this differently now. Because I'm going, oh, Bruce Wayne's down there somewhere. Like, it's kind of, yeah. it's cool to think that. Um, so, pretty much from here, they've loaded up Clark's ship onto this plane. For some reason, Lois has to go with them, because she's got the key, I guess. She can't give that to someone else. Um, Lois, everybody, just special note out there, as a journalist myself, we're often called into situations like this um, to save the world, because um, who else better than somebody who writes stories and wins Pulitzer Prizes? Journalists, we are the true heroes of the planet Earth. Oh, uh, yeah, this I can't. I can't get past what purpose Lois serves here, other than she had the key. It's like, well, I can't tell you how to put a key into a hole. I have to show you myself. Like, I like this movie, but like two times now, Lois Lady is just there for no reason. <laughs> Like, it's not even one of these ones where you're like, well, if Lois isn't there, like, like what is it, the whole argument about Indiana Jones, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. that you can watch the whole movie and Indiana Jones does not need to be there? Like, Yeah, exactly. Nothing Lo- changes in the story if he's Lo- there. Lois, you just sit her on the ground. Like, we'll get to Suicide <laughs> Squad. The Joker does not need to be in that movie. Like, it's it's kind of like, no, like maybe this is the DC plot hole. Just use characters for no reason. Um, so he's Lois on the plane, saving the day. Sitting in the back with a key. <laughs> so they've got to get nice and close to the ship. Um, and meanwhile, Clark's on the other side of the world. is chilling in Perth, uh, trying to get this laser stopping on the other. How is he doing that? Like, am I paying attention here, how he's actually trying to stop this? Uh, I mean, he's trying to fly into the middle of this gravity beam of course. and destroy it. Of course he is. That's exactly what I was thinking he was doing. <laughs> Um, and meanwhile, we've got sort of cut between the scenes of the city because, you know, tragically, the people of Metropolis are will- being willingly murdered, um, including the uh, very panicky officers of the Daily Planet, to which Perry White is just chilling, <laughs> watching out the window. Uh, Doug Stamp is also chilling. They're just chilling, having coffee, looking at the city getting destroyed. Oh, we should leave now. Okay, cool. You know, and business about to collapse. <laughs> just so I don't forget it. For the most part, any of the buildings that crash into, there's nobody in there, which, you know, is the safe thing to do. You don't want to see everybody die. But is this like the fastest mass evacuation of a giant city in the world's history? Like, this is over the course of about 15 minutes, and the entire city seems to be evacuated. Like, Metropolis is, I mean, it's kind of, what is the New York? Gotham and Metropolis are both the New York of this world. So, like, you know, you've got to imagine. I think, if- I think Gotham, yeah, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that. Maybe it was because they lived there when they created it, but Siegel and Schuster intended Metropolis to kind of be like Chicago. Right. But still, like, yeah, major city. Well, actually, one thing I will say in these shots of Metropolis, and I can't remember Batman and Superman, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, you don't actually see any distinguishable landmarks, whereas, like, I know in previous Supermans you'll see the Statue of Liberty, you'll see the Empire State Building, you know, so even though it's Metropolis, there's still distinguishable landmarks in these cities. But from looking at this, and I'm the type of person who's going to go, oh, that's in this city, because you can tell. Like, no point in this... Because like, this was shot in Vancouver, so there was, like, lots of shots, I think, where I'm like, hey, that kind of looks like Vancouver. But, like, this is a bigger city than Vancouver, if you know what I mean. There's more skyscrapers. Um, so, yeah. And meanwhile, <laughs> while this city's getting evacuated, as they're leaving the Daily Planet, oh, not Jenny! Jenny's oh. stuck! 
Oh no! Please not Jenny! <laughs> I hate Jenny in this movie. <laughs> like, again, love this movie. Great movie. Probably gonna buy it at the end of this movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but like, who gives a fuck about Jenny? <laughs> I don't care about Jenny! Like, I haven't cared about a Jenny yeah. since Forrest Gump! Alright? Like <laughs> If Stamper was under there, we would yes. care. Perry! The heart of House of Cards. Perry, I would care. And where's, um, what's his name? Um, he dies in Batman Superman. Uh, what's the journalist, the other journalist of the Daily Blind? What's his, what's Superman? his name? Superman? No! What, Kent? No! Um, fuck! You know who I'm talking about. The really other, uh, God. The other we'll guy. We'll find out in a week. You know, oh, he's on the tip. You you know who I'm talking about. Where's he? <laughs> Where's Dean Kane? Not Jenny. Not fuck Jenny. <laughs> like, seriously, I don't care about Jenny. But for whatever reason, <laughs> we need to care about Jenny at this point. Um. So yeah, flash around here, Superman finally destroys the beam thing and they he goes and gets some sun because that's great. Meanwhile, on the plane, Lois Lane's one job she can't do because the fucking key won't go in the slot. <laughs> uh, and now Zod's chasing after it. He's blowing up the... Why does he blow up like the jets that are following this plane? But he just doesn't blow up the plane. Like, it makes no um... sense. <laughs> I hadn't even stopped to think about it, but you're probably right. Like, you know, just just pointing out some little bits here. Um, and then, uh, basically, Superman comes back. He fights with Zod. Meanwhile, the plane's crashing through all the buildings. All the buildings are dying. Everyone's dying, except for Jenny, because we've got to save her. Um, and then <laughs> Mrs. Zod is having it, and we kind of get the, the return here, don't we? A good death is his own reward as he turns, like... Suicide bomber into a into a spaceship to blow it up. Like kills poor, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, God, I've got his name already. Um, God damn it, I'm terrible in this episode. <laughs> well, uh, Dean Kane. Uh, yeah, Dean Kane and, and was he the other reporter in Batman <laughs> Superman? <laughs> um, yeah, that's exactly who I'm talking Bill about. Bill Hamilton, Richard Schiff. Um, yeah, Bill he, Hamilton. Thank you, yes. He dies too, because, you know, whatever. But they fly <laughs> in. Yeah, that's the character. Couldn't they kill Jenny instead? Yeah, fuck Jenny! Uh, because, like, <laughs> just as a building and all this is about to collapse and they're all, like, getting ready for death, the spaceship blows up. So, oh, good old Jenny's saved. That's good for all of us. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get the big fight now between Superman and Zod, and this is great, kind of, like, they're punching and, like, Zod's like, you choose humans over us, and... um. Oh, actually, we should mention that Clark and Lois kiss. Cool. Uh (laughs) (laughs) This is the will they or won't they of the DC Extended Universe. Clark and Lois. Clark Kent and Lois Lane. It's like, for fuck's sake, yes, they will get together, all right? Like, no, Batman is going to be boning Lois. Come on. Yeah, we all secretly thought that Clark and Jenny were the couple that were meant to be. (laughs) Oh, of course. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so in comes Zod, though. They have this massive fight. They end up in, like, what, a train station or something, which somehow Lois can make it, like, in two seconds. How the hell does she get into that train station once they're, like, about to get his neck snapped? Um, 
and uh, they yeah, they've flown about like thirty six kilometers across Goth or not Gotham, uh, Metropolis here. Yeah. How does she get there? And also, we should mention the Easter egg. I think we teased about it before. They fly up into space. We see a, a Wayne oh, yeah. satellite. We should mention that. Which, I mean, let's be honest, that got everybody excited. Because, like, Batman Superman yeah. wasn't a thing back when this was made. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is the guy I'm thinking of. Jimmy Olsen. Oh, yeah. Thank you. There I we mean, go. He's not really Daily Planet. I guess he's CIA. Well, he <laughs> works for the, he works for the Daily Planet, doesn't he, like in most of this? Well... Yeah, I think that, well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But anyway, spoiler alert, he dies in Batman vs. Superman, but no, fucking, yeah. where's Jimmy? No, let's care about Jenny. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but like, yeah, that was a big deal. When they go up into space, they destroyed the Wayne satellite. Uh, there goes my, you know, HBO, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I wrote in my notes here? Is that this is the real motive behind Batman's vengeance. Like, you stole Game of Thrones from my people. <laughs> Gotham is without Game of Thrones. <laughs> Fuck you, Superman. <laughs> Jon Snow. Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? <laughs> Wonder Woman comes in. I have grown accustomed to the Game of Thrones. <laughs> you get my last do of truth. Tell me why you destroy it. Um... <laughs> Sounded like that guy who rang me before. Um, so <laughs> they're in this train station thing. Uh, I'm really, like, missing so much of these people. This is why these episodes go for so long, and then when we try and cut them down, we're just like, oh, this happens, this happens at the end. Um, so he's choking Zod. He's laser-shooting these people. And for some reason, this leads to him snapping his neck. Now, like, again, love this movie, but, like... <laughs> He's the man of steel. This is the the general of steel. Like, <laughs> wh- why? Like, can you really just snap his neck and that's it? Like, I mean, of course. you can. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clearing Did that you up. Know that. <laughs> but like, there'll be a big discussion on that coming up. Like, I I, I kind of like the way he just like stands and then he's all like, no, <laughs> like. I guess because, I mean, Superman doesn't really kill, right? It's kind of like Batman and Superman. They don't, yeah. that's their thing. They don't actually kill. Uh, are there any, like, I know that's their thing, but, like, kind of going back to our whole point where we're like, are there any superheroes with their parents alive? Are there superheroes who actually willingly kill? Well, okay, and this is the big debate. I mean, I'll just start, before I even get anything, I'll comment on this because it's an important one. There was a big debate when this movie came out about, oh, should Superman have killed and everything because superheroes don't kill. I mean, well, they'll say Superman doesn't kill, Batman doesn't kill because they never have. The reason for that was, A, I mean, standards were much, you know, uh, stricter back in those days. But especially what everybody forgets is the comic book code. I don't know if you ever heard of that that came out in the 60s. What happened was that most people don't realize comic books and like superheroes were originally created for adults. And even during World War II, 25% of, I think it was 25% of, like, adults in America read superhero comics on a weekly basis. And it was only a thing where it's like, well, kids like it too. But it was made for adults, which is why the early Superman or Batman stories was about organized crime or, uh, you know, social injustice and things like that, police corruption. Even Superman, it was stories like that. And as decades went on and more and more kids got into it, there was this big debate about, well, kids shouldn't be exposed to the violence in these stories and all this. And they basically created this comic book code, which is like a rating system saying superheroes can't do this, they can't do this, they can't do this. 
And years later, people look back on it and say, well, there's like this rule that you can't kill. And also, oh, well, superheroes are for kids. They were never intended that way. So in a way, I'm, I don't know if super, he probably didn't kill in the 30s or 40s. Cause that's because you're not going to be allowed to do that, even if it is for adults. But it's not like it was ever like this rule he can't kill. And the great thing about this death is that it kind of created this debate among people. You know, is there something that it would be excusable for him to kill? What if there was a situation where, well, if you don't kill Zod, you know, this man and his wife and child are going to burn alive. Yeah. You know, there's some situation where I'm not saying it's excused, but it may be the only recourse of action. And at the end of the day, he's killing an alien. He's not killing a human. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I get the whole code thing and that, but, like, at the end of the day, like, fucking Zod's about to turn Earth into Krypton. He's about to commit genocide, yeah. people. Like, oh... He's already what? killed hundreds of people, at least. Superman can't kill Hitler. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Like, we'll get to Wonder you Woman in the whole Hitler him. thing. Like, I mean, you know, she's all yeah. good for stopping World War One. Hang around for about another 20 years, and Diane. You know, uh, for all you, you know, superhero prudes out there that think that, <laughs> you know, this is like somehow blasphemous. I loved when this movie came out and some people got so passionate about it. Now, for the most part, what I liked is that it was mostly people actually having like a debate. You know, it was interesting in this movie. I don't necessarily agree with him killing, but it was interesting in this movie the way they presented it. You know, this movie did some really smart things, uh, but... Some idiots out there were just like, Superman has never killed before. This should never happen. And I remember replying to so many people online when this movie came out saying, did you watch Superman 2? Because when he strips General Zod of his powers at the end of that movie, and General Zod is a mortal man, and he picks him up in the air and drops him hundreds of feet down into a canyon, Zod's not surviving that. (laughs) Superman killed in Superman 2. How is it any different here except that he had a purpose for it? When he did it in Superman 2, it was Super Dickery. (laughs) Superdickery.com. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, again, you would know this more than I do. Does Marvel get this much backlash? But, oh, Iron Man doesn't wear those glasses because he's Iron Man. Like, to me, like, yeah. um, as an outsider, maybe, again, you can probably correct me here, but it just seems to me that Marvel can do no wrong, whereas DC does only wrong. And, like, it just yeah. it baffles me because, like, I get why, like, this bit, like, you can say, like, oh, does he need... Like, I was always questioning the neck snap. That was my only thing here. Like, is that a thing? Okay, you've cleared that up for me. But, like, mm-hmm. I know people, like, get there and, like, oh, Superman screaming, no, he's so stupid. Yeah. Like, why? Like, it's the only, like, connection he's got to his race. And he's had mm-hmm. to kill him. He can't find a common ground. It's not like Toy Story 2, where, like, Buzz Lightyear and Zod are playing catch with each other. Like, that's a really weird reference point. But, like, it's it's... <laughs> You know, it's like he's got no other option. So, of course, it's going to be like... It's like people who complained about Darth Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith going, No! Like, I don't think that's that bad. I just lost everybody by saying oh. that. Um, but, like, you know, I don't get why people complain about such little things. It's just... Oh, yeah. It's, anyway, but, like, I, I I think kind of it's effective um, when it comes to just his ending. And, again, ignoring the fact that how the fuck Lois got there in two seconds... Um, but like, how else, how else could they end this? Like, again, Marvel does no wrong, DC does all the wrong. And I don't mm-hmm. get it. I do not get it. Yeah, and, I mean, I think part of it is this, that, you know, the Marvel fans want to compare everything to Marvel. And I mean, the, the fact is, if you like Marvel better, you're going to like the Marvel movies better. 
And if you like DC better, you're probably going to like the DC movies better. And I made the argument earlier on that, you know, Marvel, four movies in, had made, you know, The Incredible Hulk, uh, Iron Man 2, and Thor and Captain America First Avenger, and people weren't crazy about any of those movies. You know, and they're just so harsh on DC for some of these things. But a lot of the stuff in this movie, even if you have minor complaints about this and that, there's smart stuff in this movie. The way that they handle the powers in this is great. You know, the way that... They handle Zod in this movie is great, and I'll even say that the way that they handle him killing Zod is great. And the no moment I have a complaint about that, which we'll get to in the next section. I don't know if you want to cover anything else here. Go for it now. You might as well bring it up now. I'll just say it now. The way that their transition is my problem. I, I think the no moment is fantastic. I mean, how else would he respond? He's never killed before. If you had to kill – I mean, if I had to kill somebody, if you had to kill somebody, if we were in a position where – all right. Um, Jamie and Casper are about to be murdered by Hitler or intergalactic Hitler or whatever. Intergalactic if, I don't, Hitler. if I don't snap intergalactic Hitler's neck, then Jamie and Casper are dead. I'm probably going to do it. And I'll probably have the same reaction. I mean, if I run over a squirrel on the highway, I almost burst into tears. Like, I feel so bad. Oh, thanks, Jamie. Just tell me what a baby I am. What did he say? What did he, I heard him say, like, you always She's something. Like, you don't. No, she's like, you don't almost burst into tears. <laughs> My point being is that it's not easy even for, like, if you accidentally run over an animal. So it's a natural response in this movie. But the problem is, is they jump from that to him pulling some of his super dickery and crashing a $38 billion satellite, which it's a fun scene, but they needed a transition between those two. They needed a scene yeah. at the Daily Planet of almost writing a story. And then you go back to Superman. But you just watch him being devastated and all of a sudden he's like you're not gonna find out where i hang my cape and then you get you know weird (laughs) green lantern's girlfriend you know i think he's really hot like it's a great scene but it just back to back with this you know mortifying death just didn't work um did you want to talk about anything else in the scenes leading up to that no, I just all I was gonna say is I actually kind of and you've sent me the link to this Superman as a dick thing, but like yeah. I, I just I just like it. I just love the fact that he's driving along, chilling, you're boom. That's a twelve million dollar hardware. Like, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Kansas and that as American as they get. Stop following me. It's just like like in all seriousness, like yeah, you need a dick, but like you can understand yeah. it. Like it's like fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, a couple things I like here first. Talking about Zod, I called him intergalactic Hitler, and there's a reason why. You know, there were a lot of comparisons to Hitler, and they're fair in this movie because the character of Zod was always intended to be like a Hitler on Krypton. Uh, and what they really did in this movie, again, something very smart, is they gave Zod a purpose. And everybody holds, you know, Terrence Stamp in such high regard. I mean, you can't touch him. And I agree with that. Terrence Stamp as an actor and his performance is incredible. But really sit down and look at, and aside from Star Wars movies, my favorite movie of all time, like my absolute favorite movie of all time is Richard Donner's Superman. So you'll never hear me say anything bad about it. But what about Zod makes sense in those? You know, he's starting this rebellion. If he is Hitler, it's because he wants to do what is being done here. He wants to preserve the Kryptonian race or, you know, uh, evolve it. And he basically shows up on Earth. It's like, well, Krypton, the planet I was fighting for was destroyed. I guess I'll just conquer here. Like Zod is just a mindless conqueror in the originals. Here, his purpose makes sense. Jamie asked me, we were watching this. She's like, why would he just want to kill everybody? Like, he's here, he has all these powers. Why would he want to destroy all that if he's like a god here? And I told him, like, the thing is, is that he is Hitler. Hitler didn't want to conquer people. Hitler believed 
that there were certain races and ethnicities that were holding back human evolution. Therefore, he thought by exterminating these people, he could preserve you know, his Aryan race. And that's what Zod is here. So Zod wanting to destroy all of Earth makes sense. And the fact is he wants to rebuild Krypton, not so he could be their god, but so that he could build it based on the bloodlines he deemed worthy, you know? So everything about it is totally Hitler, and yet it's so subtle, it's not so obvious that it's like cramming it down your throat. Uh, so everything about Zod makes sense in this movie, and I love his motive uh, way more than I love, even if I will say, I mean, Michael Shannon does not hold a candle to Terrence Stamp, but his character is written much better here. Um, the world engine thing, I mean, it's kind of just, this whole phantom drive I don't really understand. You know, we're, we're kind of led to believe here that the same thing that powers their ships can also bring you into another dimension. This is what the Phantom Zone is. But why do they use this for everything? I mean, it's basically like, all right, so there's a Phantom Engine, or, or what do they call Do they call it a fa- Phantom Drive? A Phantom Drive is powering our world engine. It's also powering our ship. And it's also powering this. And it's also powering that, you know? It's like... The Phantom Drive does everything here. I mean, it's just kind of it's it's a little bit too convenient. Yeah, we could just drive this ship into it, but at least it gives like a purpose and the climax for the humans to be there, and it's not just all Superman. And because I know one of the complaints and Lois, yeah, why is Lois there? Why are you there? Screw you, Lois and Jenny. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll get to Jenny. Oh, um, <laughs> but um, my actual note here, I'll just get to it now. The only note I made is I wish the building had crushed Jenny. <laughs> No, hang on. Back up. You wish you had burned to death so you could laugh yeah, at right. us. <laughs> uh, I also want to mention here, I looked up um, Rebecca Buller, who plays Jenny. Uh, she, she's been in one other movie outside of Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman in a TV show called Sirens, where she played woman in an episode <laughs> titled Super Dick. So... <laughs> Fitting. I mean, she was uh, typecast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, the Daily Planet stuff doesn't work either. Like, I'll, I'm going to be jumping all over the place here. But I know there was an uproar, as there usually is whenever you change the race of a character. And this isn't, like, a white and black thing. I mean, you get the same thing, you know, when they had that casting. I uh, What was it? It's another superhero thing that's coming out soon. Um, uh, the Hellboy. They have the new Hellboy coming out. And there was a character, I guess, that maybe was supposed to be Asian or something, and they cast a white actor. It's like, oh, this uproar. You can't do that. But you get the same thing when you cast Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White, and people are like, Perry White's supposed to be white. I but that's racist believe, when you say that. Well, <laughs> there, there are some roles where I think it does matter, you know, because yeah. it's about, like, when they made the um, the Honeymooners. I don't know if you remember that movie at all. Oh, yeah. Who was, like, Cedric the Entertainer or something like that. You know, when they remade the Honeymooners, in a way I was kind of looking at it saying, well, it changes the joke because it was about, like, a certain type of, you know, I'm not going to say white trash, but, like, working class white you know new yorker and it was also for a period of time i understand that but it changes when you change the race you're also changing the whole culture and everything like that as well and there's some where it's just like okay well i'm glad you got michael b jordan for fantastic four because i love michael b jordan but now you have to have this really awkward explanation as to how him and kate mara are brother and sister you know you're just complicating things lawrence fishburne i couldn't have cared less i was excited when they cast lawrence fishburne yeah, I have these visions of Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White, and he's not even Perry White in this movie. Batman Superman, he does really well as Perry White, just like uh, Amy Adams does really well as Lois Lane the second time around. But here he's just a boss. There's no purpose. I mean, 
the majority of his story arc is lifting a building off of Jenny, and we couldn't care any less. <laughs> and if Perry White had been crushed, I wouldn't have cared any less. I mean, it's really only if Doug Stamper had been crushed, and that's only because he's you know, Doug <laughs> Yeah, you don't really care that Steve Lombard is dying. Um, other than the intern pool, it won't be trolled anymore. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, it's just, none of that stuff works, and it's just, they felt the need they wanted to include all these characters, because I guess one of the criticisms with Superman Returns is that Everything revolved around Superman and the climax, and there wasn't any real stake for other characters. But the other complaint people had was that there wasn't enough action in Superman Returns, and he didn't have anything to fight. Well, here they do the exact opposite. They give him tons of action, lots of people to fight. They involve everybody, and people still find a reason to complain. You know, in a way, I feel bad. And this, I'm, I am going to say, you know, there is this criticism with like Marvel. Oh, Marvel could do no wrong. Well, they've had like 80 movies now to get their formula right. They didn't do it right in the beginning, but there's still similar criticisms to Marvel. I mean, one of the criticisms with this movie is that it's just not, as you said, nothing but destruction of a city. You know, how many lives are lost? And that's become a big complaint with most superhero movies now. The problem is that it really started with the Avengers the year before. So this was, uh, I think, a victim of bad timing because this movie filmed before Avengers even came out. I think this movie started filming in 2011, like two years ahead of time. Um, But once Avengers came out, everybody's like, we love the Avengers, but we're kind of done with this whole citywide destruction. And this comes a year later. I mean, their hands were tied. I still think they did a good job of filming around it where you're not – seeing it from that perspective. I know I complain and say I wanted to see more of the world's reaction to this. All that's made up for in the things they did right in Batman versus Superman. Uh, but here it helps that it's just sort of following these characters. And, you know, you do get that closure later on with that. Um, another bit of a plot hole. How is them terraforming this planet and maybe even changing the gravity field? How is this going to change their powers? And they even talk about, you know, are our people just supposed to live with decades of learning how to adapt like your son did? I think he says that to Martha, or he may have said it even to Clark. Mm. But if you're changing the gravity of the planet, you're basically terraforming this to be Krypton. You're still all going to have powers because your powers come from the sun. Like, how is this world engine going to change the fact that they're getting power still? They're still going to have heat vision and all that. It's it's a major plot hole when you really think about it. Uh, um, yeah. And it's something never addressed. I was I was thinking before like why why can't they just go to Mars like I mean they're gonna kill yeah. every they're gonna kill everyone so like it's not like they're gonna yeah. like use humans as slaves and they're just gonna re like can't they just be like oh okay yeah best we'll go to we'll go to Mars like I mean it's it's yeah. a solid and- planet it's not got the sun as the Earth does but you know Venus is gas and- Mercury is too close to the sun so you know Mars yeah is you do have to wonder like. They don't need Earth. They could do this with many planets. They've searched some of those planets. Um, the only re- real reason is to kill all the people because they need the Codex from Clark. True. And if he's not willing to give it up, well, let me kill it. Again, this is me trying to explain certain things that you know I'm sure you know would have been there. But also, you have to – this is one of the areas where Marvel gets forgiven because they make their movies more kid-friendly and it's more almost cartoony in ways. And because these movies try to take themselves much more seriously and be more real-world based, you ask these questions more, which I think would have been forgiven if this were Iron Man 3 and Iron Man has a thousand Iron Man robots that can just (laughs) roam around the entire world, but yet none of them are there to save him when his life's at stake, you know? (laughs) Tons of plot holes that just are forgiven there. Um, There's some fun things in the fight. For the most part, I feel like the best action sequence, I mean, the fight with Pharaoh 
tops the fight with Zod. The one with Zod is more of an afterthought. Uh, and, and I think it works dramatically, but it's not like you're seeing a lot of like good hand-to-hand combat in this. But there's some fun things like when they're going through the construction site and they crash into that sign that says 106 days without yeah. an incident. And yeah. they knock the one and the six off and it's just blink and you miss it and it drops down to zero. Um, I like things like that. Uh, some things that are kind of weird in here is, and this is almost like Super Dickery Superman, when he's talking about, you know, these are your people and uh, I want to rebuild our world. And he goes, Krypton had its chance. I mean, in reality, if Zod's not the one ruling them and you know you have the ability to bring back your people, why wouldn't you do it? It almost seems a little bit cold for him to be like, nah, all of Krypton could die. I could care less. Like, well, it's it kind of that way. It's like the heritage, you know. It's like, oh, Canada yeah. gets overtaken. You move to Australia. You got a chance to bring Canadian back. Nah, I'm Australian now. Fuck Canada. And, and part of that is just, you know, he doesn't have a connection to it. And maybe it would have been different if this were like Superman, like Richard Donner Superman, where he spent seven years basically studying under Jarrell. Here he spent seven minutes learning, oh, this is what Zod did, you know, yeah. and then to be continued. And I'll get to it later on. It's just it, it, there's no connection to Krypton, so I can understand why he would be like that. But it, it kind of makes him come across as a dick. Um, the... <laughs> we're gonna say dick as many times as we said dong last time okay <laughs> you're exciting jamie by saying dick too many times yeah. <laughs> we're talking about henry cavill here henry cavill um, dick do you want to cover the do you have anything to cover on those last bits because i had another comment to make oh but, the last the last you know, little scene when he goes into the last group scene yeah all, all I was I go- the fight scene and the death i mean i stand by it makes sense i think there is something that would drive anybody to do that and it's also very important, you know, when you get to Batman versus Superman and you see the opening scenes of that, how he almost goes too far. And like there is going to be doubt. And uh, a lot of what they do right in Batman versus Superman comes from this movie of should we trust this guy? You know, should we just blindly trust him? I just want to add, you, I mean, just random thing, tangent, as always, Oz Network. Hello. Um, talking about Perry White. Um can I just say that I first knew, uh, of course, you know, being a huge Lois and Clark fan, um, played by the esteemed Lane Smith, who, of course, uh, we, oh, yeah. as Mighty Ducks fans, coached Jack Riley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, and I just, I didn't realize he died, like, 12 years ago. Holy shit. I thought I, he was alive. I just saw him in something else, like, literally the other day. Now I'm struggling to remember what it was. And it wasn't Mighty Ducks. That's so sad that he's dead. I mean, everyone dies, but, like, Oh. I wasn't ready for that. Uh, anyway, um, this morning... This has gotten really sad all of a sudden. This morning, poor old Jack O'Reilly's dead, you know? I couldn't have been Jenny instead. Yeah, fuck Jenny! Like, you take Lane Smith, <laughs> not Jenny! <laughs> Screw Jenny! Worse second than MJ! Greatest, can we just say second greatest Perry White of all time? Who's that? Lane, Lane Smith. Smith. Oh, no. sorry. <laughs> Lane Smith! Like, I thought... <laughs> what was he talking about? Don't it's know. either him or, or uh, Rebecca Buller. <laughs> Morpheus. Um... <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I just, I like the last bit, just, you know, journalist. Yay, journalism. <laughs> like, basically, this is where, obviously, Clark has to blend in. How will you blend in? Oh, I need to do a job where I can see the world and... Be there on the scene. And again, just typical what a journalist does. Uh, we're all secretly superheroes. Um, and it kind of like it's um, 
the thing, isn't it? Like, we got this at the end of Smallville, didn't we, with him getting into the Daily Planet and just kind of, like, with the glasses and just, you know. Like, d- d- can I just point out one thing, though? Like, fuck you, Clark Kent, for getting a job at, like, a major newspaper. Like, where's your degree? Like, I mean, like... <laughs> Like you know, his experiences as a uh, what is a busboy and uh, a fishing hand. This is why it's hard, so hard for people like me who legitimately go and get a degree to get a fucking job because you walk in there with your big chiseled features and your hookups with the Pulitzer Prize winner and oh, I'm so sexy. Oh, I probably had sex with Jenny in the corner because we know what Jenny's like. So it's kind of just you know, like screw you, Clark Kent. But I like it. I still do. <laughs> Such a beautiful man. Because, sexy um but can we can we just like metrop how how much time has passed like do we give it an idea because like they build metropolis pretty fucking quick again like the city has just been destroyed shouldn't like the daily planet be moving to gotham you know the what is it the gotham star or gotham globe whatever it's called uh gossip gertie's gotham gazette (laughs) (laughs) the gotham mercury Uh. I mean, we know it's 18 months in between this and the beginning of uh, Batman versus Superman. So, I mean, I would assume based on the experience he has there, I mean, it's got to be at least a year. So, what, six months maybe? I'm getting a degree in journalism in six months. I mean, (laughs) 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 took me six years, but six months, fine. Yep, cool. He's Superman. Next thing you know, he's going to be stealing your job at the Commonwealth Games. (laughs) Probably will be. I'll probably show up and here's Henry Cavill. Oh, hello, Ben. I'm English, remember? I'm like, fuck off, you chiseled hunk of a man. I know somebody who wants to have sex with you. Her name's Jamie. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I do like the, the way it kind of closes, you know. Oh, he's Clark Kent. Oh, hi, Lois Lane. Welcome to the planet. Glad to be here, yeah. Lois. Oh, Man of Steel! <laughs> I love that welcome to the planet line. That's so good and, again, so subtle. But I, the one thing I will say, like, I mean, we don't actually... Can we just point out, right back to the beginning, at no point do we see the title Man of Steel. We see it yeah. now. I think it's kind of... It's effective. I like it. Um, and one thing, actually, that I read, which I I guess, as a Superman fan, somehow didn't realise this, I think this is the first Superman film to never feature the John Williams Superman theme. Yeah. And, of course, we don't have it in Batman Superman. I did read a, a whisper that apparently... It's being used in Justice League. Just oh. spoiler alert. Da, da, da. Um, but like, can we? Oh yeah, go ahead. I just, just one thing uh... I was going to say on that, just really quickly, like spoiler alert. If you've never seen the end of Smallville, but like, I I'm a person who I guess most people. It's not just me. A critical of the way a, a beloved TV show will end. Usually, when yeah. it ends, you're like, oh, that was crap, and then it takes a while to finally come around on it. Smallville is probably the only ending of a TV show that I just. I got a boner for it. I'm just going to be vulgar. Like, the way it ended with the scene. Like, oh, God. Amazing. Uh, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But um, I don't know why I was bringing up the theme. <laughs> Not really paid much attention. We haven't talked too much about the music. I will say the score is fantastic in this movie. Uh, I yeah. do really like it. Hans Zimmer, of course. Um, but I just, I like the way it ends. I like, yeah, the, the Welcome to the Planet. And I just love the way it comes up with Man of Steel. Um, and, like... DC doesn't really do the whole post credit scene. They're not Marvel here. No. No? I mean, it's... Well, it's not not in Man of Steel. I mean, we do see in... Um, I don't even know if we saw one in Batman and Superman. I, we do see one in Suicide Squad and, and in one in Wonder Woman. But there is one in Wonder Woman? Yeah, not really? here. Yeah. Where? <laughs> I just watched it the other week. Um, there wasn't one. 
<laughs> what maybe maybe I'm mistaken. Because uh, <laughs> I remember Dad and I were watching it, and we're like, oh, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and it didn't happen. I'll have to Google it. Maybe I, I might even be thinking about the Suicide, because Suicide Squad, I think, had two. Suicide Squad So maybe I'm thinking. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but from the one, at least the version of Wonder Woman I saw didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, so there is none. Yeah, so I'm thinking about the Suicide Squad. Actually. Okay, you freaked me out there for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's Man of Steel. Uh, I just like the way it closes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the music first because uh, I, I remember one of the first things that my opinion, like when they had all these Superman movies, you know, Tim Burton's and J.J. Abrams and Brett Ratner and Mick G. Oh, that would have been great. Um Hey, did Charlie's Angels? All the things like I, I remember. I, let's move on. Uh, the one thing I always thought is like, how do you make a Superman movie without John Williams theme? And regardless of whether it has any ties to the other movie, you should have it in there. And I don't feel like this one lacks because it feels so different. Um, the theme they have here, it's not as big as the John Williams theme, but I, I think it works for this movie because this is almost like, you know, an origin story for Superman, kind of like, you know, Batman Begins is. Uh, I actually really like the main theme that plays. Like, Superman's theme is played lightly throughout it, and then you have this big version at the end, you know, that plays during the end credits. I love that theme. I could listen to that one track over and over again. I probably have listened to it over and over again. Uh, but for the most part, I remember when I saw this in theaters, I thought, wow, this score is amazing. And then I listen to it on its own, and I'm like, wow, this doesn't really sound that good when you listen to it out of the context of the movie. This is just one movie where the music really helps the movie, and the movie really helps the music. And it's going to be the opposite, I'll mention in Batman Superman, where hmm. I watched the movie, and the, none of the music really stood out to me. And then I listened to the soundtrack on its own, I'm like, I could listen to this all day. Hmm. Uh, it's, Hans Zimmer obviously does both. and He's kind of a weird guy to pick these, and obviously the Christopher Nolan... Nolan? Christopher Nolan... <laughs> Nolan involvement uh, is the main reason why he's here. And we haven't even talked that much about Christopher Nolan yet. Um, I guess, you know, we'll, well, I'll just mention briefly now. I mean, the reason this movie came up is, you know, DC was looking for how they could do this. And while you know him and David Goyer were struggling to work on what they would do for the dark Knight rises, you know, this is like 2009, 2010, they sat down and just started talking about Superman and just randomly came up with, you know, wouldn't it be great if they did a story like this. And that was basically how this script came about. And Christopher Nolan was meant to be the guy that would sort of produce and come up with all the... Basically what Zack Snyder had be, has become now for DC, it was originally meant to be Christopher Nolan. But like his involvement was all over this movie. And you can feel it even just in the Hans Zimmer music. Um, I do love the score. I think that it, it works in a very subtle way. I, my favorite piece of the... You, again, like everything else, the stuff in the Smallville fight, that's the other real theme that's really good. But uh, overall, I would say the, the soundtrack for the second one's better. I'm glad in Justice League, though, that they have somebody other than Hans Zimmer, because Hans Zimmer tends to get repetitive after a while. And it's kind of weird as Danny Elfman for the new <laughs> one. I mean, he kind of started, the, other than John Williams, I mean, his Batman music's the most iconic. Uh, the only other things to cover in these last few scenes is the, uh, uh, the, the girl who says, I just think he's really hot, you oh. know, to uh, Maloney. Jamie. Her character... Yeah, that's basically Jamie, the voice of... That's the voice of women uh, on the Oz <laughs> Network. <laughs> but uh, her character, it says, like, Captain Ferris or something like Captain C. Ferris. That's basically... I, I made a joke about this. That's the Green Lantern's girlfriend. 
you know, she's a character in DC, but I guess she'd be most well known as like the love interest for Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. So that was kind of a cameo they threw in there. And I think she's even in, I can't, I don't think it was a big role, but I remember her being in Batman versus Superman, or maybe it was a deleted scene or something. Bigger than Jenny. Um, yeah, and Jenny has to come back too. Thanks. Uh, what is it with these movies all ending in, in like, did we need him in the graveyard? I mean, I understand tied to Jonathan Kent. They have that really great, and I love that moment where he's like, you know, I just wish that he had lived to see me, you know, what I would become. And it's like, well, he did know, and they have that flashback of Jonathan looking at little boy Clark, and he's got this cape tied around his neck, and he strikes that pose. Like, that's a, an amazing scene. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the graveyard, it's like, I'm, I'm getting these Spider-Man flashbacks because there's this, and then <laughs> it's not just to get a graveyard. Great responsibility. Yeah, like, do they always have to be the graveyard at the end of superhero movies? It just feels weird. Like, I'm getting these weird Spider-Man flashbacks. But the Daily Planet scene, I mean, it's fantastic. And even the moment, the the one Jenny moment I guess I could stand is, you know, when <laughs> Steve's trying to, Doug Stamper trying to pick up Lois. And then she's like, you can go back to trolling the intern pool. <laughs> and he just sort of looks at Jenny and she's like, no, and just sort of laughs it off. Uh, not good because of Jenny, good because of Doug Stamper, right? Well, screw you, Jenny. It's Doug Stamper. Like, yeah. You, you like, date him. courtside seats to the Metropolis. What is the Metropolis basketball team? The Metropolis what would they Knicks? Metropolis <laughs> 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 uh, Leafs? Yeah, the Metropolis dilapidated buildings. Uh. But they are, but you're right. They are the fucking like, courtside. Like, let, let's, yeah. hypothetically, that Just is... like a, being there for the Bulls, okay? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, I mean, you don't turn what them down. What are you doing with your life, Jenny? Fuck you, Jenny! You're so stupid! Die in the building! You're gonna go home on Skype and podcast about Charmed or something? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna ring up Rajit again at the Microsoft call center and get you to meet up with him. Maybe, yeah. like, find <laughs> That's some her night job. Yeah, fucking Jenny. Uh, I mean, we basically covered the whole movie there, but did you have anything else you wanted to add on, you know, the music or, because I, I kind of talked about it. I mean, look, I... I didn't go out of my way to get this soundtrack, but uh, I, it's interesting when we get to Batman Superman, I was kind of the opposite. I, I fucking loved the music when I saw the movie, and I went home straight away and I got the soundtrack. I was just like, holy shit, yeah. like, and I could not stop listening to it. Um, cause there's, that, there's that one theme, there's that, I, I can't do it, but um, there's just that one string of music that they keep playing over and over again in Batman Superman, which is just, oh, I love it. It gives me goosebumps. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I do like the, and like, it's kind of interesting sort of going back to sort of the Chris Manolan, cause I remember when this first came out and like going back to how we were saying like Batman Superman wasn't announced when they did this. And this is, I guess, leading into like this DC universe and everything. I kind of got excited thinking that like, oh, you know, we're going to see like, uh, you know, Christian Bale with, you know, Henry Cavill and like, so, like, you know, kind of then, cause again, this came out, what, a year after the Dark Knight Rises. So kind of there was that connection there. But I mean, you know, I, I'm glad we've gotten what we've gotten. I mean, Christian Bale was great. Um, still is great. Second best Batman. <laughs> you know, arguably Ben Affleck is the best. Um, but I, I, I really liked Ben Affleck as Batman. We'll get to that. But, um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I like the music. I think it's great. I think it, it works in its own universe, if you know what I mean. So, um, and, like, it's kind of... It, it's it's interesting, kind of, like, you're saying, like, how, like, Danny Elfman, like, the Batman, it's kind of... To me, it's interesting how people complain about this, about how they took away from Superman, how Superman's meant to be, like, light and sort of all that sort of stuff. 
yet they're completely fine with Batman. I get Batman is dark and broody and kind of it suits the Batman. But then people still talk up so much the Tim Burton Batmans, which to me are rubbish. Um, yeah. I just think they're you know so what? overrated. <laughs> I feel like there is a lightness with Superman in this movie. Like, it, it, the the movies are bleak, but the moments where it's like, you know, him... Uh, well, the end scene where, you know, he's talking to Martha and he's like, you know, I want to keep my ear to the ground and I want to do this. And he shows up the planet. Like, I love those light scenes. And I, I love, you know, the scenes of him where, you know, he uh, well, all the scenes with Martha work. And we get a lot of them in Batman versus Superman where, you know, he's conflicted, but he still is kind of like the whole the thing that people always say is the Superman is supposed to be the symbol of hope. And even the scene he has with Lois where he mentions, you know, what the symbol is. Like, I get that in those scenes, but this is also Superman's origin here. Yeah. And I, I already mentioned, if you go back and read the earliest Superman comics, Super Dickery <laughs> exists for a reason because he was like that. And when DC rebooted their comic book universe a few years before this came out, they uh, they didn't just start Superman from the beginning, but they did like the Superman comics took place you know, in like a modern age where Superman's existed. And then Action Comics was like the early days of Superman where he's wearing jeans and a Superman t-shirt, you know? <laughs> and he's just starting out. And it's the same way where it's like he's not that positive of a character. So that came out two years before this movie. I mean, it's not like they were doing stuff that hadn't been done in the comics before. You just, you have to be patient with all these. And that's, I think the thing I love most about these whole, you know, extended universes, and I was a big defender of this even in the Mummy review that we did, that, yeah, you're going to get some things wrong, but it's the excitement of where are they going to go from here that keeps you tuned in. Yeah. And I was excited to think, even just the last scene, I mean, that's how you can know this movie, maybe he's not the Superman you know, but he only becomes Clark Kent of the Daily Planet with the glasses in his last scene. It's 60 seconds of the movie. I mean, that should tell you this is his origin story. And yet you can forgive it in Batman Begins and even The Dark Knight. But then with Superman, you know, and Man of Steel, it's like, oh, well, he should have been different. You know, it's it's a true origin. And I think it's interesting, I guess, in my perspective with a lot of this is that I, I'm so much more forgiving with this in terms of where Superman is, what he's turned into and kind of, as you were saying, like excited for what this is going to bring. Yet I was so much more critical the first time I saw Casino Royale with what they did with James Bond. And maybe yeah. that's because... I love James Bond more than Superman. I don't know. Like it's kind of it's something maybe that I was more closely attuned to. Um, so, and that's a whole other topic. Listen to 007 here, all our, our constant discussion <laughs> point around Craig and and the, what they've done with Bond. But I mean, I, I think also too that the difference, like you say, Batman Begins, even Casino Royale, that was right at the beginning of when this whole craze of rebooting, darkening franchises began. You know, this is what, eight years into this phase, it's commonplace. So, um, and I think kind of, we, I mean, kind of moving forward here into like reviews and box office and things like that, I mean, this was, I guess, initially planned to start the DC, but they I guess they were kind of seeing how it went. Um, yeah. And obviously this ultimately led to Batman vs Superman, which we will get to. But it's kind of interesting because like, Iron Man was the one that started Marvel, yet mm -hmm. they were quick, like Hulk, Incredible Hulk, came out, what, the same year as Iron Man, did it not? Then you kind of had... No, I think it was like 
two years later, there was but a bit the, of a break there. But, the, the, but then the, all of them were like six months apart. But this seems to me that there was a much bigger gap between mm. Man of Steel and Batman Superman than there was between Iron Man and whatever came next, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, there was yeah, there was several years. It was, so I three mean, three years. That's a, that's a big gap. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's set the groundwork for it. And I think kind of, I mean, I remember when I first heard that Batman vs. Superman was a thing. I was like, holy fuck, here we go, finally. Yeah. I think everybody was like that. And that's, I think we'll get to that next week about how why everyone maybe was so disappointed about it. Well, some people. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that and kind of the extended universe over the coming weeks. And we'll mention a little bit here, but I'll just, I'll quickly touch on, uh, obviously box office wise, um, 291 million in the US and Canada, 377 million other territories, worldwide total of 668 million, uh, which is the highest grossing solo Superman ever, and uh, the second highest grossing reboot of all time behind The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, although it beat The Amazing Spider-Man in North America. So that's pretty good. I love here how, according to Deadline.com, the movie only made a $42.7 million profit. That's it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, that sounds like a lot in some, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, you know. Um... The thing I hate about that, I'll just quickly say, because people, they look at the numbers and they don't understand what the numbers actually mean. Nowadays, most movies, if you look at box office compared to where it was even 10 years ago, it's nowhere near where it was 10 years ago, except for maybe a select few movies every year. And for the most part, movies make their money now when they come out on Blu-ray. So to say, oh, they didn't make that much of a profit in theaters. Like, first of all, the movie made like almost $700 million worldwide. It did not cost $700 million, including marketing. You know, what they do is they'll look at the North American budget and they'll say, oh, well, it only made 220, you know, what was it, $270 million? $291 million. Yeah, so they're like, oh, the movie cost, including marketing, you know, $250 million. It made $290 million. There are other countries in the world, people. <laughs> this made hundreds of millions of dollars profit even before Blu-ray. It's just stupid. Um, and uh, based on kind of, and we'll obviously touch on this in the four films that we're doing over the four weeks, uh, in the DC Extended Universe, it's the lowest ranking. But this is the thing, like, people talk about DC not doing well and all this sort of stuff. The lowest ranking film, uh, this is just North America, 291 million. That's the lowest ranking of the four. Um, yeah. We're talking Suicide Squad here, Batman vs. Superman, which to me get worse reviews than Man of Steel. Like, I would argue, and it seems to be the case here, that out of the four DC Extended Universes, this is the second highest rated, critically, uh, out of the well, four. And let's also look at you know, what the gross is for this versus other movies. Now, if this is the lowest grossing of the DC movies, how many Marvel movies have made less? Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is like the crown jewel of, you know, Marvel as far as creativity goes, made less than Man of Steel. Mm. Uh, Doctor Strange made less than Man of Steel. Uh, we're talking about just like the Marvel Universe. Thor the Dark World, less than Man of Steel. Um, Thor 1, Ant-Man, less than, like, Captain America What The majority of Marvel movies made less. Now, if this is the lowest-grossing DC movie and everyone after this has made more, if people hated these movies as much as everybody says, you don't continue to see them. Yeah. The problem is, is you get people who are very vocal and they're like, I hated that movie, but I continue to watch all the others. No. I mean, if you liked Man of Steel, you're probably going to watch Batman Superman. If you hated Man of Steel and you hated Batman Superman and you hated Suicide Squad, you're not paying to see Wonder Woman. It's just That's a fact. Unless you've got a girlfriend who wants to see... You know, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, I mean, it's the 79th highest ranking film in North American history, so it's in the top 100. 
Um, there's a random thing. Uh, critically, um, I mean, it received mixed reviews, um, which is a weird, like, it got good reviews, I guess, sort of. Yeah. 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, an average rating of 6.2 out of 10. Um, the site consensus reads, Man of Steel's exhilarating action and spectacle can't fully overcome its detours into generic blockbuster territory. Metacritic, the film received a weighted out of 55 out of 100, uh, and cinema score on a scale of A to F has an A minus, which is pretty high. Um, so, I mean, now bestie Peter Travers gave it three out of four. Caught in the slipstream between action of angst, Man of Steel is a bumpy ride for sure, but there's no way to stay blind in its wonders. Um, Coffee Outlaw, editor-in-chief of ScreenRant.com, gave it four out of five, saying that Man of Steel has more than earned its keep and deserves to be the iconic Superman movie for a whole new generation. Which, again, I think is kind of an important thing to point out, that the generational factor. Like, I mean, we yeah. talk a lot about this with the Star Wars films. Like, you know, each generation of us, humans in the last 30, 40 years, has our own Star Wars movie. Like, our parents, mm-hmm. it was the originals. For us, it's the prequels. And for our kids and for people younger than us, it's going to be the, the the sequel trilogy. So, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. we've all got those ones. And this is, I guess, I mean, I I have a close connection, as you do, to Superman Returns. Um, mm-hmm. And sadly, that seems to get forgotten in the Superman landscape. But, uh, you know, this would be it for a Superman movie. Um, so that's it. Awards wise, um, it got nominated for a bunch of Saturn Awards. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> MTV Movie Award at one. Henry Cavill won the Best Hero, um, for his portrayal as Superman, obviously. Um, Golden Trailer Awards, it won the Best Summer 2013 Blockbuster Poster. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> People's Choice Awards, Amy Adams was nominated for Favorite Dramatic Actress. <laughs> really? If Rebecca uh, Buller was up against her, then this is just a sham. Um, and oh, the most iconic one, though, of course, was it was nominated for Best Original Score for Hans Zimmer at the Houston Film Critics Society Awards. So, sadly, didn't win. Oh. Um, no. But, yeah, I, I don't know if you've got anything really to add in terms of, uh, you know, box well, office critics. No, I mean, I've kind of said it all. You know, the, the movie got mixed reviews, as most superhero movies do, when they say things like, you know, your typical blockbuster. I mean, that's what it is. Superman kind of started this. You back in 1978... Superman the movie was one of the original blockbusters as people still imitate to this day. Um, I think for the most part, you know, I stand by the opinion that a lot of people, maybe they're not thinking this is the greatest movie ever made, but it's not like it's, there's a lot to complain about. And I've yet to really find a person who can sit there and tell me everything that's wrong with Man of Steel. People will do that with Dawn of Justice, but with this, it's more like, oh, it was all right. You know, and, and some people will be like, yeah, it was great. I loved it. Uh, I like the, the generational thing you said because it's true. I mean, I know lots of young people and uh, not that I like hang out in groups of 12-year-olds, but like <laughs> my with job. my old job, with my old job, I'd basically be going to different customers' houses all the time. And you wouldn't see, you know, Luke Skywalker figures and stuff like that. You'd see Anakin Skywalker and you wouldn't see Christopher Reeve anywhere, but you would see Henry Cavill and, you know. Uh, Brandon Bruce? Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, not Brandon Routh. So, sadly, always um, forgotten. Angry Dan Kane. I have Brandon Routh merchandise uh, still in my home. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll tweet it out for the next uh, episode when I'm. You're the that. one. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, I think that you know the most vocal audience are going to be the complainers, regardless of what it is. And things are going to change. You know, ten years from now, you know, people who grew up watching these movies are going to this 
past week, my wife has been going crazy over a movie from 1996 called The Craft, uh. which I absolutely hate that movie to the point where when she suggested we watch it, I told her I'm actually feeling nauseous at the thought of watching that movie. <laughs> but yet she loves it. And at the time that movie came out, people were like, this is the dumbest movie ever because critics were, you know, people in their you know, 30s and 40s. And now it's like everybody looks at it as a classic. Why? I don't know. That'll happen one day with all these movies. Uh, yeah. Even Thor. <laughs> Maybe not Thor, but <laughs> just take a shot there. Uh, one thing I did want to say, just a bit of trivia as to why this movie came out. I mean, we didn't even mention this was, I think, the 75th anniversary of Superman, uh, 1938 to... Do I have my math right for once? Uh, yeah, you do. Good job. Yeah. So there was a reason why this movie was pitched for this year. Also, after years of trying to follow up Man of Steel, not Man of Steel, um, Batman, Batman Returns... Superman Returns. Wow, there's a long light between Batman Returns Man and Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and true, um, but <laughs> it's funny we say like it was a long gap, but it was what seven years. I mean, that's not that long when you think about it. How many years is it that we're going to have in between James Bond movies? I mean, it almost equals that. Well, how many years was it between? Um... The Superman Returns and whatever Superman three or four or whatever came before that. That was decades, but I mean, I'm even talking about movies that are directly connected. We're like, oh, Superman Returns, The Man of Steel, they took forever to make it. Like, no, there's some movies that have like direct sequels that take forever to come out. Blade Runner uh, even, 2049. <laughs> yeah, or even even things that are recent, like Prometheus to Alien Covenant, is five years. We're only talking two years more, and they rebooted the whole thing. But one of the reasons this never really discussed is that there was this, you know, long-running legal dispute with the the heirs of Siegel and Schuster who created Superman. And uh, I'll have a fun story on the Canadian connection to that w- one day. Uh, there's a very oh. famous commercial, maybe. Uh, it is, it's actually a very fun story. Um, <laughs> but <of> white. <laughs> but um, the thing is, is that their heirs have been fighting for the rights for this for years, and. I guess the most recent legal dispute was that they were uh, fighting because they said, well, we are deserved royalties for past movies that we weren't paid for. And there was a court ruling that I think this was like 2009 or 2010 or something like that, that said uh, that Siegel and Schuster's heirs wouldn't have to be back paid, but that if production didn't begin on a new Superman movie by 2011, they would have to be paid for lost royalties, meaning you're now paying them because you're not making a movie. And that was one of the main reasons in 2011, like, we get, we're going to get this movie off the ground finally, because we don't want to have to be paying them and risk losing the rights, you know, to the heirs of Siegel and Schuster who created this 75 years ago. Wouldn't it be nice to just be related, like, be born into that? Like, oh, guess what, blessed son, you're going to be rich forever because granddaddy wrote Superman. Like, I mean... Like, one day when Casper's rich because, you know, <laughs> daddy contributed to the Oz Network. <laughs> Hey, you've got to start somewhere, all right? You never yep. know, okay? I mean, you know, I'm not going to have kids. You know, that involves having sex, and <laughs> that hasn't happened in a while. Wait, 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 so. on my part, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I could probably put some money on to say that you've had that more recently than I have. Um, so, uh, what are we going to do with this one, Colin? Are we going to buy it, bin it, well, rent it? Here's the funny thing. I kind of went into this and decided on what all my ratings were, and I wanted to be fair with this. And originally, I was going to say rent this, even though I've watched this so many times, I can't count it. You know, I own uh, a collector's edition of this that they only made 10,000 copies of. 
Uh, I saw this three times, paid for it three times. I saw it like twice in just a few days. And yet I was still going to say rent it because of what I said at the beginning, that I believe there are flaws with this, just like there were flaws with Superman Returns. But if you combine the two movies, you had a great Superman movie. But what I always forget is how good the second half of this movie is. And I can't say the first half, there's moments where it's like, okay, well, this was all right. This was okay. You know, they're just getting going here. Once they kick in with that Smallville sequence, all the way to the end, I mean, it is entertaining. You can complain all you want if it's too much action, it's too much destruction. It's fun to watch, and it's things we've never seen Superman do before. Yes, the effects of Richard Donner were great, and there is great action in there, but it doesn't compare to this. I mean, we're seeing Superman in action like we've never had a chance to before. And the second half of this movie, I think, you know, even though it was going to be more of like a uh, let me give an objective opinion and not just my fandom – I think even as objective opinion, I say that the second half of this movie is worth buying enough that I would say buy it. I'm buying it. I said that before. Um, yeah, I like. I as another thing I mentioned, I, this is kind of like what technically the second time I've only ever seen this, and I just I forget how much I enjoy this movie. And it's um, I I think I even when rewatching, I was like, oh crap, this is actually really good. Why don't I watch this more often? You know, like I I don't know how many times I've seen Superman Returns. I fucking love Superman Returns. Um, and you know that's. Kevin Spacey's in it, uh, you know, Brandon Routh, the esteemed Brandon Routh, uh, James Marsden, uh, you know, just list the cast, Ben. But, um, you know, I, I always forget that this, how good this movie is, and I really, really enjoy it, and I really think that kind of, you said you kind of went into this being objective and thinking ahead of all four of these, what you're going to do. I realistically think in the next four weeks, I might be having four greens up for these, and, like, I just, yeah. I mean... I, I only just... one woman I've literally only seen in the last week for the first time. I'm going to have to rewatch it again soon. I've probably seen Batman vs. Superman, I think, twice. I've seen Suicide Squad once. Um, and so, like... And I only saw that fairly recently, too. But uh, if I'm going to rent one of them, it might be Suicide Squad, but I'll have to... You know, I'm just spoiling it this for everyone. But, like, I really yeah. think that for the next four weeks, I'm going to be buying all of these. So, uh, and again, call that fandom, call that whatever, but... Again, going back to what I said, I don't get why... I mean, I, okay, I get why these... I can see why people complain about these to an extent. I read what people are saying, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I enjoy a lot of what people are saying are bad about these movies. So, yeah, you know, it's um, it's interesting. But anyway, leads us in, of course, to uh, Batman vs. Superman. Oh, God, everyone's excited for this one, aren't they? Um, just, like, has there ever been a movie that has divided critics and fans alike is a bigger gap as this. Uh, I mean, I know there's been yeah. articles online about like top 10, you know, IMDb ratings that will surprise you of beloved films and things like that. But I mean, this really, like I remember when this came out, just the vitriol this got, like how much hatred it got. And like, I went into this going, Oh, you know, like really? Like, I don't know if I'm looking forward to seeing this now. And I don't generally like to let reviews affect my opinion. Cause I like Die Another Day, so um, if anything, sometimes negative reviews make me want to like a movie more, because I'm like, well, it's not that bad, like, fuck you all, and I remember at the time, I was working at The Mercury, and our film reviewer at The Mercury, he wrote a scathing review of it, like, just ripped into it. Didn't like, they all? And, like, just absolutely destroyed it, and I remember, like, I went to see it at the movies, and I, like, checked into the cinema, because I have no life, or whatever, I need people to know what I'm doing, and I was like... You know, oh, hoping that Tim Martin is wrong, like the film review. And then, like, I remember him and I had like this conversation back and forth on the thing because I was like, I actually really liked it. He's like, really? Like, you're not coming to work tomorrow? <laughs> and, like, I actually think, think I did because I think I was off because I was about to go to America. But anyway, 
<laughs> I ran away. You but know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. looking forward to covering it because uh, sorry for people out there who hate it. I really like Batman vs Superman. But you know what? I want people who hate it to listen to the episode too because we're still going to have fun with it. And yeah. I feel like this is where this movie is misunderstood. Whereas Man of Steel was definitely trying to take itself very seriously, this is a comic book movie, even though there is a lot about it like that is very, you know, maybe overly dramatic. And we're going to pick out some of the criticisms people have. Uh, the one thing I will say is that you know, we're going to be covering the theatrical version because that's what people are familiar with. They released uh, a three-hour R-rated version of this. And before anybody jumps to conclusions, being like, R-rated Superman is basically because of one shot in the movie and one scene uh, where it's just a little bit too violent and they would have gotten an R rating for it. So it's just a, a cheap way to promote the movie. But the three-hour version of this, it, it fills in a lot of the holes. And I feel like I actually did start to watch. I never do this, but after finishing Man of Steel, I started to watch Batman Superman uh, just because I was excited to get to it. And it was the first time I've watched the theatrical version in the last year. And there are some things where I'm picking up, I'm like, okay, I understand, you know, the criticisms for this, I understand this. If you get a chance, watch the three-hour version. It's not like it, it brings, like, anything so big to the table, but a lot of the things that are looked at as plot holes or maybe this is too complicated, it just gives a lot of clarity on a lot of the political stuff that goes on here. Uh, it kind of plays out like maybe a cheesy version of The Godfather for Superman. Like, I, I really can't recommend it enough, but we will cover the theatrical version just because a three-hour episode doesn't go so well on the Oz Network as we've discovered. Titanic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'm a fan of this movie. Uh, I'm a real fan of this movie, and there's a lot of people who are, and it's unfortunate that people listen to critics. It, for years, it was, you know, oh, Critics hate every movie. And do you remember growing up, it's like, it was almost a badge of honor if a movie got bad reviews from critics. Like, well, those snobby critics hated this movie. Of course they did. And then it just reached a point where, for whatever reason, people started thinking, like, critics, I think they started reviewing movies like Lord of the Rings. And people were like, wow, critics must know what they're talking about. So now in the last few years, critics have started knocking a lot of blockbusters again. Mm. And people are acting like, you know, like this is some type of surprise. I mean, this is the way it always was. So it's a blockbuster movie. Like, take it for what it is. It's a fun movie. There's some problems with it, but there's problems with every movie. And uh, there's going to be criticisms I'm going to agree with, and there's going to be criticisms I'm going to poke a lot of holes in. Yeah. Uh, but I think even if you hate this movie, listen to it, because we're going to have fun with it regardless. And, you know, I, come on. I don't care if you love him or hate him. Like, Jesse Eisenberg provides some really good moments of entertainment in this movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> There I was about to say, some, one thing that I don't but, necessarily disagree with is Jesse Eisenberg. But, uh, he's playing a see. very different uh, villain in this movie. <laughs> there are moments where I think he's genuinely entertaining, and then there's other moments where I think he's just nuts. But the Ben Affleck thing is what listen to more than anything oh. else. And I can't remember how many people were listening to all these critics reviews, and when they'd ask me, oh, how was Batman Superman? I'm like, it was actually really fun. And they would laugh at me, like, you got to be kidding me. And I swear, every single one of those people, I'm counting like, you know, a dozen people, every single one of them watched the movie and said, you know what? It wasn't that bad. And I actually really loved Ben Affleck in it. I didn't yeah. think I would. I, think, I, I, one I don't think I've ever seen anybody say anything bad about Ben Affleck, which is crazy. Because remember the out, outlandish report, like the yeah. outcry that when he was cast as Batman, like, oh my God, I'm done. Batman, Ben Affleck, fuck off. The, the Batfleck scandal of 2013. Oh. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's there's so much good stuff in this movie. And... If you don't think there's so much good stuff, listen to it anyways, because we're going to be making fun of it. We made fun of you know every movie we've reviewed on here, including Face Off. I always knew that the man who was on my book in year six would go on to become Batman. 
and um, I'm glad that I got proven this with Ben Affleck. Um, yeah. <laughs> just got that joke, did you? Good. Um, you all over the wall. <laughs> can I also just point out um, weird fandom for Holly Hunter? I talked a lot about that yeah. um, in in the Big Sick uh, earlier this year. And Jeremy Irons, let's be honest, who doesn't oh. love Jeremy Irons? Um, and Dude, we, seriously, if you hate the movie, there's so much good stuff here. Jeremy Irons, Gal Gadot, I mean, she's gorgeous oh. and just like, oh, hello. Um, and there's an Australian in this movie, uh, Callan Mulvey. Um, I mean, there's probably more than just one, but uh, I, 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 lots of stories oh. to tell about him just because I randomly remember seeing this guy and like, holy fuck, is that who I think it is? And went home, looked up, and was like, fuck, it was Callan Mulvey. So yeah, you're the Russian from Dawn of Justice. <laughs> It was. I was talking to you about Underbelly off air. He was very well known for the first Underbelly, and then he went on to do a few oh. other Australian shows, which he got quite well known for. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and funnily enough, Batman vs Superman. As, as I'm DC fanboy, the only one of these four films I saw at the cinemas was Batman vs Superman. I didn't see any others in the cinemas. So, um, there you go, random thing. But uh, you will be listening next week because you love the Oz Network. That's why you're tuning into us. Um, remember to uh, get involved with us. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, kind of putting the call out there recently. We'd appreciate feedback on iTunes, of course. Uh, we don't have that much, uh, but we'd like to get some more. So uh, by all means, if you could rate us, leave us some feedback. We've got some uh, exciting things coming around the corner that uh, might give a bit more of incentive. We have to bribe you, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, just any sort of feedback. Even if you hate us, if you think, like Ben, what you said earlier was racist you know what professional <laughs> podcast no, takes a phone call in the middle <laughs> like you are terrible one star um you know like that's fine it still goes on our profile um actually please don't say that it was racist because again yeah we just don't we need that again it wasn't racist <laughs> uh, just shut up Ben. uh and and also youtube we are there as well uh and we're on the internet just search for the Oz network theosnetwork.net that's our website you can find all of these on there and obviously, we continue on with DC Month. Lots of exciting things happening between now and the end of the year with our other TV shows and everything else in between. But this is it. This has been Man of Steel. We've had fun. We've had silly fun. And uh, we haven't changed any Wikipedia articles today. So uh, we took a phone call instead. That's the, the level of silliness. Uh, my name is Ben, and I visited Kansas. I'm about as American as they can get. And my name is Colin, and coming soon, superdicksplashery.com. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.